Visit Arcade Club, Europe's largest classic arcade, with over 200 video and pinball machines. There's classic consoles and computers. There is also PS4s, Xbox Ones, Wii U, PC, and Oculus Rift, and regular tournaments and competitions. All machines are set to free play. Open Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Check out arcadeclub.co.uk for more details. Tenpence Arcade are proud members of the Throwback Network and the Retro Junkies Network. Hello and welcome to the Tenpence Arcade Podcast. My name is Victor Marland. And I am Sean in your face. Holly, how you doing, Vic? I'm not bad. Welcome, listeners, to the podcast. Let's start as we mean to go on. What have you been doing lately, old son? Well, I've had a great couple of weeks, as usual. I have been to 8-Bit Flipper Arcade Club two weeks ago. Was it two weeks ago? No, it was one week ago. Yes, last, it was last in the Saturday. Tell me about that. How good was it? It was excellent. They had a downstairs room opened up with 50 pinballs in it from the Northern Lights Pinball Crew. 50 pins? Oh, yeah. That's immense. How cool is that? And they had, the, they had all the new ones. Not all the new ones, but they had the Hobbit. Yeah. Was it very tiny with big feet? No, it's a big... It's a big the Hobbit is, Ooh, and it's, nice. it's got a back LCD back screen with with like little clips from the movie playing. I played a Jersey Jack's pinball years ago. I played the Wizard of Oz, and that's got a lovely backdrop. It's got an LCD in the back as well. It's brilliant. Mm. Really nice pinballs there. They're kind of different to the sort of original kind of pinballs. They're nice. Yeah, they had. What else? They have Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, ACDC, mm. new one. The one that I really liked mm-hmm. was called Swords of Fury. Swords of Fury. Yeah. I haven't heard of it. Who makes that one? Uh, a pinball developer makes that. Oh. Mm. Which one? one? One of them. Oh! <laughs> I think it's Williams. I'll have to check. Oh, right. So that's an oldish one then, not a new one. Oh, no. It's an EM job, yeah. Oh, okay. Fair enough. I thought you meant a new one then, because I'm not really up on the pinballs. It's, it's sort of based on a Dungeons & Dragons theme. Dungeons & Dragons? Yeah, it's a four-flipper job. I really enjoy oh, that Oh, I one. like the multi-flips. They're pretty cool, mm. aren't they? I remember years uh, ago, when, when I was a kid... And I used to have a go at pinballs now and again. I wasn't very good at them. You know, I was playing on the, on the Space Invaders and stuff. But I used to try and look out for the ones with the most features, like the most pinball, the most layers, different yeah. layers of pinball, and also how many flippers they had. Mm. And sometimes that, some had little sort of extra play fields up above or down below. I remember one once, I'm sure the pinheads know what I'm talking about. It was a three-layer one. It went right deep inside the cabinet. And you could sort yeah. of play three layers down. It was really odd. Mm. I can't remember which one it was, for goodness sake. But yeah, it's really good. What have you been doing, Sam? Well, the highlights of that great day, I've written them down, so I remember. Go for I was, it. I was playing Tekken World Cup cocktail with uh, Big Phil from Nerg. He, he arrived. Yeah, he had to bend right over it, I expect. He's very tall, yeah, old Phil. I, didn't, I was winning 4-1 because someone had left the game running at 4-1 <laughs> with three minutes to go, and yeah. he beat me 5-4. <laughs> he's been pretty good. That's his, yeah. one of his new cabs he's taken to Nerg, isn't he? Yeah, this, this is cool. arcade clubs, but he's actually bought one. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I met Gemma and Jess from Juicy Game Reviews YouTube. Juicy Game Reviews? Yeah, Lady they, Gamers! Yeah, they seem to be doing quite well on YouTube. Did they, they beat you at anything? No, they, didn't play, they weren't playing games uh, with me. They were just filming stuff. Oh, nice. Cool. So, yeah. Excellent. Oh, yeah. Talking to filming stuff, I've got two walkthroughs. I did, I did the 8-bit flip bit downstairs and upstairs throughout nice the day. So, so they're on our Yocho channel. Flying the flag for the 10Ps. Well done, son. Oh, yeah. Excellent. And what else? Oh, Raiden 2's in there now, so I'm getting into Raiden 2. Do you want to borrow one of my PCBs? 
could do. I've got two. Two riding twos? Yes. Ooh, Next yeah. time I meet, I'll, I'll send it to you. Um, I've got something else for you as well. What else did I have for you? Extremely tough. Banku Paniku. Banku Paniku. I'll send you that soon. When are we going to meet next? When shall we confer? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we're going to see each other in July. I'm going to have to send them five posts, I think. If I send two together, it would be cheaper, wouldn't it? Mm. Yes, we'll do that. I'll send you that. Yeah, because they're roughly the same size boards as well, so that's pretty cool. Excellent. And, and you've been playing Flicky again. Yes, I'm getting better now. You I've need got... a PCB. Because uh, you're getting know. really good at this. I think you're getting really good at it. I have now got a 2.5 million score on Flicky. <sighs> How much? Because there's a million bonus you can get, but you've got to be Yeah, but that's, that's really good score, chum. Don't, don't let yourself down. That's a really good score. It's you've amazing. Got perfect from, I think it's level... 36 to 42, you get a million if you get all the chicks in with a certain time limit. You're down and with the chicks. 37 to 44, 47, something like that. And then you wow. get another million. So my aim is to get all of the bonuses on the first loop. Oh, my God. And I think you should be around about the three and a half million point Whoa, you got- before it wraps back over to the first map. That's in your sights. Uh, it is, but I didn't do very well last night. Really? No, I just my game was off last night, but I was doing oh well. Uh, doing oh well, I was doing oh well on the shooters. Oh, as usual. So I left the flickies and went to the shooters. Excellent. Well, you may ask what I've been up to, Vic. Yes. <laughs> what have you been up to? Nothing. Oh. <laughs> no, loads of stuff. I've been building a cocktail space fever. You know, I've got one already. A colour mm. space fever. I have enough parts left over to build another one, and I've got spare PCBs. So I'm making another one strictly for sale. So when it's done, it's going to be sold to someone who's going to give it a good home. Because it's loads of bits just lying around. So I might as well just make them all up. And it's it's going to be all original parts down to the nuts and bolts. Because I had loads of bits left over that Alex gave me from all our builds we did together. And I think there's only a few little bits that aren't original in it. Like the the, the power supply unit. I've just put a switcher in there. Because Nintendo power supply units are absolutely terrible. They're linear. They're awful. They, they always break down. I've had a few break down on me, so I've just put a switcher straight in there. I think the coin mech is not there. The coin mech plate is there, original coin mech plate, but I'll put a button on it. So you don't have to lift the machine, open the door to uh, put credits in. It's wow. really nice. It's all powder coat painted, lovely, brand new glass on it. It's really, really nice. I'm just lovely. finishing touch, putting finishing touches to it at the moment, but that'll be for sale hopefully soon. It's all working. Original monitor as well. Original PCBs. Original controls. Original buttons. All that sort of jazz. Really yeah. nice. I'm looking forward to uh, getting rid of that one actually because I think someone's going to enjoy that. It's a lovely cab. Do you know an astronaut went to the doctor's? Right, he said he had a cold. Yeah. Doctor said, "Do you know what you've got? I've got a bad feeling about this. Yeah, you've got a space fever." Can we cut that? That's terrible, mate. Other stuff. I've been playing my turtles PCB, my wonky turtles PCB. Mm. You know, it's it's never been right, and two people have had a look at it, and it's been fixed three times. It's still playing up. It keeps Weird. having jail bars. You play it, and you're playing away, and you get jail bars come up on it. And what I do is I leave the door, a little window in the pony open. I just stick my foot in it and give it a quick tap with my foot when I'm playing it to bring the, the jail bars go away again. If you just tap it, it goes away. And I've been getting I'm 150 points off your top score when we played it that time. I'm what getting real like close. 17,000 we got. Oh, I actually could. That's, that's one that surprised me that I actually really got into and I liked it. I love turtles. Bit of toidles. Yeah. Bit of toidles. <laughs> Rescue the toidles with your mama toidle. <laughs> yes, um, I've been. I've asked for a PCB. My one is 
nearly there, but it's just flaky and it annoys me. So I've asked on the forums for someone who's got one, and I think Mr. Favoured Son's going to sell me one for a good price. So I'm going to get onto him and get a PCB. So I want it to be not wonky, and apparently it's just um, Amadar hardware. Mm-hmm. So you pop the, pop the ROMs on it and it works on Amadar hardware, so I'm happy with that. Wow. I did a load of spring cleaning in the game room. Swapped both polling panels over to single player with two buttons and three buttons each for the games I've put in them at the moment. I've yeah. still got Kung Fu Master in the horizontal one, mm-hmm. and I've got Turtles, obviously, in the vertical one. Mm-hmm. And I put me MAME setup back in the Naomi in the middle. Mm-hmm. And I put the proper control panel on there with the servo stick and everything on it. Oh, so that's all back to MAME. Yeah. So I can play me MAME games again now. Can't nice. wait for that. It's brilliant. I had a look when I was off on my I had a week off over the bank holiday, which was terrible, really, because the wife wasn't very well. So I didn't mm-hmm. get to do much with her. And then the day she sort of was better, we went out again, which is about to go out the door. Found out father in law had a flipping heart attack. Oh, he said, yeah. But it was only a minor one. He's okay. Mm. It would have happened anyway. It's nothing to do with stress or work or whatever. And he's, come, he's good. He's happy. He's had a stent fitted, and he's all well again. So it was actually quite lucky in a weird kind of way. He had it where he had it, and he's mm. happy and well again. So it's all, mm. all was good in the end, but it's yeah, a, bit of a bit of a worry at the time. But he's good. Um, what else have I been up to? Yes, I was looking at Jet Fighter. You know my Jet Fighter I haven't even touched yet? Yep. I, was, I had a quick look at that, and I was down on all fours, in the back of it, have a look at the connector. I thought, right, I'll just swap that connector over quickly because it was all burnt up and the edge was a bit broken. Couldn't find any 44-pin connectors, so I had to buy three. So what I did, instead of playing with Jetfighter, I had to leave that and sort of order some stuff up and had to come, I went on and started doing the work on the old Space Fever cocktail cabinet, and it's nearly done. Mm. Brilliant. So, yeah, I've been busy, actually. Busy, busy, busy. And also today, on Sunday the 3rd of April... Mm-hmm. I went to the London video game market and met up with some chaps I know there, which was really cool. Mm. Bought a few things, which we'll talk about later on. But the event was excellent. Mm, busy. It, was, it wasn't as busy as the last one, because apparently the last one, which I didn't get to go to, was absolutely rammed, and everyone was moaning there was too many people there. And it was very hot, and it was hard getting to the stores and all this sort of stuff. It wasn't as busy this time, but still pretty... The, one of the stores, I think Console Passion, Andy... His store, there was three or four deep. I was trying to get in to look for some television carts, and I couldn't quite get in there, so I just went away and did a few other things. I'd look around and went back there. Mm. But Ross from Arcade Japan was there with his uh, with his setup. He had all the joysticks out. He sells about 20 different types of Japanese joystick, and he had them all on 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 display. So you actually pick them up and feel them and, and see what, you know, what the springs are like and how it feels, and he was selling them all there and all the buttons and stuff as well. Ah, which excellent. was really nice to actually get hold of hardware, arcade hardware and actually have a go of it because sometimes you might know what you're getting but sometimes you might try something else it might not have the right the stick pressure or the right springs whatever. you can actually have a feel of them and it was really nice to, to meet him as well it's good ah, that's good mm. right then we need to get into this pretty quick because this is a sort of a special episode isn't it it's not the usual kind of format we're sort of twisting about a little bit yeah it's we're going to cover the 60 in one PCB instead of one game yes but we have broken it into sections of 10 games. So the first, obviously, we're going to do 1 to 10, then 11 to 20, with our own normal sections in between. Yes, and there is actually 55 unique games. Mm. It's not quite a 60 in one. They're cheeky chaps have put five on there, the same as the other ones with dip switch changes. So mm. we're going to do the 55. We're not going to do the extra five, because they're exactly the same as the ones we've already sort of covered. Yeah, so to be prepared for this, Vic, yeah. I have got, I don't know if you can see, I've got a full... 50 yeah 50 centiliter bottle of iron brew yeah 
Iron brew made out of goddess, don't you know? And a full biscuit barrel of custard. Oh, I wish you hadn't done that. I hadn't eaten since about nine o'clock this morning. I got no biscuits. Oh. Can I have one? Can you send it down the line? And that will come at me disk drive or something at the other end. To you. Yes. Did it did it did it did it did Morse code it to me. Mm. So, so I'm ready. Right, the IK sixty in one PCB is a tiny little PCB, about five inch square, jammer. It plays 60 vertical arcade games through emulation and fits straight into your jammer cab without a fuss. It can play via LCD, VGA, or any kind yeah. of VGA monitor, or straight into your 15 kilohertz arcade cabinet. Mm. It's a Chinese piece of it that originally surfaced as, I think the first one was like a 9-in-1 or a 19-in-1, and then the yeah. most it came became popular around ooh, 2008, something like that. I think I had my one back, way back then. As a 48-in-1. Yeah. And that was the one that everyone had, the 48-in-1. And they later updated it to a 60-in-1, which put a few smart little games on it and put some silly versions of the same games on it as well, which is the 5X yeah. we were talking about. But this became a favourite of arcade collectors everywhere with an empty cab to fill or as a stopgap until you know a certain PCB arrives. Because some of the games you can turn on and off and you can have a menu system. If you've only got one game turned on, the game immediately boots into that one game. So if you had, say a Rally X cabinet, and you didn't have a PCB, you can make the cab temporarily jammer and put that in it just to, to fill up until you get the proper PCB for it. Mm, yeah. So it's pretty good. So upon power-up, you see a system is initialization message and the count of the increments to 60 or however many games you've got turned on. You can yeah. turn them on and off in the dip switch settings, which mm. I think is dip switch 4 on the PCB. You pop that on, and it comes up with the yeah. dip switch settings, all the settings, and you can test your monitor and the controls and all that sort of stuff. You're presented with 10 pages of six games on each page. You can select using the joystick, the start, buttons. But if you want a preview of the game, you press the one-player function button one, you know, your first player button, and it shows you a preview of it, so you can have a look at it before you actually get into the game. But if you want to play a game, one-player start or two-player start to play it. Mm -hmm. But you can also use a spinner or a trackball to select games. If you've got, say, a centipede cab you're using, or, say, an arcanoid cab with the spinner or the, the trackball, you can use those to choose your game as well. Just works like left, right, up and down, or just left and right if you're a spinner. Yeah. Say you had a Space Invaders cab just with left and right. You can use that to just choose the games. Rather than going up and down, left and right, you can just go left and right and scroll through the games. So there's four onboard dip switches. You know, I talked about one a minute ago. And they allow you to change screen orientation if you want to flip your screen upside down, if your mm-hmm. cab's around the wrong way. CGA, which is normal 15 kilohertz arcade mode video, or VGA mode, 31 kilohertz. You've got your high score save on or off, and the other switch is to enable test mode. But when you put the high score save on, which I suggest you do, when you put your name in, it will save that while you're playing the game. When you turn it off, it loses your name every single time, and it only remembers the very top score. Even if the game has got, say, 10 top scores, it'll only remember one at the very top. Mm. So it's a bit of a bummer, but if you get the top score, it will save your game. But Mm. it just won't save your name. That's the only thing. So there are little things not quite right, and it could be better. But, you know, yeah. for about 40 to £50, pounds, I think they are, it's pretty good value, isn't it? It is. It's excellent value. In the test mode, you can put on demo music, which I don't suggest you. The demo music on it is absolutely abysmal. It's <laughs> a horrible tune. It's really repetitive. really annoys me. I always turn it off first thing. Uh, you can turn on free play or not. Uh, cabinet orientation. Uh, you can turn the trackball on. You can change it from settings to the trackball if you've got a more sensitive or less sensitive trackball. 
Uh, there's a volume as well. Also, there's a pot on the PCB. And also, if your cabinet's got a pot, you've got different ways of adjusting the volume. Mm. And then you've got individual game settings, which you would get on a normal PCB, like your lives, difficulty setting, high scores, um, extra lives, stuff like that. Yeah. It's important, though, when you change your settings, ensure you play press player one start to save your alterations. If you go mm. through loads and loads of settings and don't press player one start, it'll forget all your settings when you turn it off again, which is very annoying. I've done it so many times. It comes if it says, does it flash setup? It says, yeah, setup quickly. And so every you time you do it, it just yeah. make sure you press player one start and it'll just mm. sort you out. You can have any amount of games showing up on the menu from one to all 60 of them if you want. So if you don't like one, Mooncrafter, for instance... Oh, Ooh, got that one in quick. I know you're going to come to that one. You I, can I didn't turn think it, it was going to be till later on. But the thing is, with the 55 to 60 games, there's five games now repeated. So Pac-Man, Ms. Pac-Man, Pac-Man Jr., Galaga, and Galaxian. Mm. What they are is those games are repeated right at the end of the PCB that are speed-up ones. You've got speed-up fire on Galaxian and Galaga, and you've got the rapid movement for Ms. Pac-Man, Pac-Man, and Pac-Man Jr., but you can change those on the original games in the dip switch settings anyway. So you might as well just turn those five off because it loads a bit faster if you, if you turn the five off and just change the dip switch settings if you want to play the speed-up versions. It's that simple, mm. which is what I do. Yeah. The only difference to the original games in here is the manufacturer's date is displayed in a track mode rather than the name of the manufacturer. Yeah. Which is a pretty poor way around of getting around copyright, really. It doesn't work, does it? In a court of law, that would not stand up. But I don't think the Chinese manufacturers care, to be honest with you, do you? Uh, yeah, right. I, I wonder why they did that. Yeah, that's the only reason they do it, I think. But it ain't going to work. Mm. Games 1 to 10. Of the 60 games you've put here, there are 25 shmups, 17 maze games, 10 platformers, 2 breakout style, and 6 unique games. By unique, I mean like Frogger, Dig Dug 2, that kind of thing. They, yeah, you they, can't really categorise them, can you? Mm, yeah. Okay. And it's got here, see spreadsheet. Yes, I've done a spreadsheet, Vic. Oh, yeah. I didn't get it finished, actually. I was, I was putting all the, all the original hardware in. Okay. Well, we'll read a few things out from the spreadsheet, because I, I sort of added bits to the spreadsheet, didn't I? Yeah. Whether from you wanted what? them on there or not, I added them. <laughs> you, can, you can see from my lovely, lovely spreadsheet that a lot of the games are Z80-based. Yes. And then there's a few 65M6502s. Oh, that's one of my favourite processors. It's a, it's a lovely processor. That. Asteroids runs on that, and, and a version of that runs a Commodore 64. And oh, a couple yes. of the later ones run on a 6809. Yes, but Phoenix basic, works on 6809. Basically, it's just them three processors that they're emulating. And the emulation, we've got to say, is spot on, I think. really it's is. It's pretty dang good, isn't it? It is. It yep. is really good. So. It's better than my game elf board. Yeah, tell me about your game elf board. It's 412 in one vertical. Oh, Lord. That's a lot of games. And the games that are on that that are also on this are just not quite as good. Mm. Like Time Pilot, you can tell it's just not. It's just that tiny bit laggy and jerky compared to this version. I know for I know one of the multi-boards. I think it was the ones that were sort of more PC-based. It looked like a PC motherboard with a thousand in one things, whatever they are. Mm. Apparently, they used different versions of MAME to emulate different games and it doesn't quite work very well. Some games are really off mm. and they're, they're quite a bit more money than these things. You can get a 60 one for about between 40 and 50 pounds. 
Yeah. You know, it depends where you get them from. And they're a great bit of kit for the price, I think. You can't really moan, can you? Mm, no, but we will. Right. We will moan about some of the games. I'm sure we will moan about some of them. Right, so shall we go on to the very first game, Miss Pac-Man? Ms. Pac-Man, or Mrs. Pac-Man, because that really annoys people. And I like doing <laughs> that. I've got a really perverse desire to say Mrs. Pac-Man. And in my spreadsheet, I've, well, our spreadsheet, sorry, not my spreadsheet. You love it. It's your spreadsheet. The, I've, we've done some one-line game descriptions. Yeah, they're pretty good. And Miss Pac-Man is, animated yellow girl pie chart is pursued by sentient jellies. It's about right. About right, that. This game was started life as a hack for, Ms. for Pac-Man called Crazy Otto, done by GCC. They took this to Midway, and they didn't like it, and they asked him to change it for an official sequel. Namco didn't like this and fell out with Midway. This is a story I'm not quite sure of, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. because it, it didn't really get stopped, did it? And Namco kept using Midway for their releases. So I don't believe that's quite a true story about Namco not liking it. I don't know. Mm, perhaps there's of... some royalties changed hands or something. Yes. I'm sure cash was involved somewhere along the line. Mm. Same sort of game as Pac-Man. Use the same hardware. The fruits fly around the place. They don't stay still in the middle. The mazes change every now and again. And mm. I quite like it a bit, little bit more than Pac-Man. Do you? I do. I know one guy's... One guy's not going to approve, but I do think... That's our very own John Studley, who's a Pac-Man world champion. I'm not very good at any of them. I I like the... Just trying to dodge the ghosts. I know there's a method to learn, but I don't want to learn it. I just want to try and dodge him. Yeah, people like John, who's really technical, he knows everything about Pac-Man. He he Mm. doesn't blame Ms. Pac-Man, because it is a hack. And for him, it's not quite the same game. No. Which I can understand. Did Mm. you get a score on that? Did you ever go and have a score on it? I tell you what, I only played because we didn't have. We only had two weeks. I only played the games that I was not that familiar with. Okay. So out of the sixty, I played. I had a good play of about probably thirty. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, same yeah, here. Yeah. Some games I played millions of times. I played Pac-Man millions of times. I played yeah. Dig Dug, Space Invaders, blah blah blah. And we've covered some of them on the podcast before as well, haven't we? Mm. So, yeah, I didn't play all of them. I just played the unusual ones, which we'll mention later on. Yeah. Well, I did play. I did play Ms. Pac-Man, but I always play it with the speed up because it's more fun. It's easier, obviously, but it's mm. more fun playing the Pac-Man with speed up. I think. Yeah. And I actually have a bootleg PCB I bought from America when I bought another game, and it cost me five dollars untested, mm. and it works absolutely fine. And mm. it's got the speed up chip already put on it, and I love playing that. And I got ninety three thousand five fifty, but I think I've got near to two hundred thousand on it before. Mm, Obviously, it makes the game a lot, lot easier with the speed-up hack. Mm. Okay, let's go on to number two, which is Galagar or Galagar. Nineteen eighty-one Namco. It's a two-way stick and one button. Everyone knows Galaga. Goodness sake, it's like a, a hyped-up version of Galaxian. Some people prefer it wrongly than Galaxian. Obviously, no, I don't. You don't prefer it. Me neither. I like Galaxian. But Galaga's quite a good game. And it does... If you get a few levels into it, it does change quite a bit. You get different baddies, mm. which is quite interesting. And also, when you when you shoot the, the ship that sucks up your ship and you get the double fire, it makes the game yeah. a lot more fun. A lot easier mm. as well, I think. Double fire par. Double fire par. But some of the aliens later on, they split into different aliens and you get the Galaxian flagship come up. And different mm-hmm. old Namco 
um, ships. There's one from Bosconian comes up. You know the uh, the spy ship, mm. spy ship sighted, spice yeah. in space. <laughs> so we got yeah, some scores here from some of our Twitter people. Yeah, we've had Madsty got fifty thousand one hundred, and Paul McCaskey's got ninety seven thousand four sixty. Good score, and I got sixty five thousand five fifty. Have you recorded all your scores? Not all of them. I've got scores mm. for many games, but some of them I didn't even get on the high score table because I wasn't good enough. I didn't and it obviously doesn't save down, the top. Yeah. The top. It only saves the top one. So if you've not got a score, it won't have. It'll have the default setting, which I might have on some of them. Mm, I didn't write them down, but I did play them. So. That's okay. Uh-oh. If you know, if you know sort of roughly what you can get on it, or ones you yeah. played before, that's fine. Gallagher eight million. I, I tell you what, Rich Stryker, one of our friends. He can get four million. I've seen him play it at Davos because Davos actually got a Gallagher machine, an original mm. machine, and he got four million when we were watching him play. He's just got yeah. he's just got the knack, I think, and that's not anywhere near the world champion. I think the world champion is is multiple multiple millions on it. They just keep playing it forever. Mm. You know, get it right mm. round. To, I think there might even be a kill screen on it. I'm not sure, yeah. but yeah, they can play it forever basically. So that's Gallagher, which is an easy one. Everyone's if you haven't played some of these games, you've been living in a dark cave without an arcade cab. Mm. So I suggest leaving the dark cave and getting an arcade cab. Yes. Yes. Should we go on to number three, which is Frogger? Frogger, one of my favourite kind of games, Frogger. I've got a PCB of this. I do like Froggy. <laughs> Nineteen eighty one Konami. Yes, Konami. Released by Sagor Gremlin, don't you know? Mm, Four way stick, no buttons. Get your Froggy across the road to his six bases to get run over. We all know Frogger, and this is a very good version. Yep. Uh, Perfect. Even the music's pretty good because a lot of the games Mm. on the sixty and one, the music sounds not quite right. It's been over amplified. I think is the technical way of describing it. And mm. some of the sounds sound really scrunchy and deformed and ugh, not very good. But Frogger is pretty good. But Frogger mm. has got little bugs in it where the, the music sort of changes and flips out and goes a bit funny anyway and, and cuts out for a bit. So it's always had that anyway from the original PCB. So yeah. it's pretty good, actually. Everyone knows how to play Frogger. Jump on the backs of things. Don't jump on the backs of things that are diving down because you get drowned. Because your frog mm. is stupid enough not to be able to swim. I don't know how that works. Tidals. Tidals. But your frog can swim. How does that work? Yeah, but it doesn't matter. Beware doesn't. of the slippery snakes, which look like bits of string, and be careful <laughs> of the, the beavers. <laughs> yeah. Make your own jokes up, kids. But don't repeat <laughs> them on air. It's a family show. And get uh, flies and the Mrs. Frogs on your back. Lovely. Yeah. Absolutely lovely game. Uh, the thing with Frogger with me is I can, get, I can plateau about 16,000 points on Frogger. And when you get over that certain level I get to, it gets easier again, and then it ramps up. But when you do that, you can get about 30,000 quite easy, and I've never got over that plateau. And my score on my 60 and 1 is 16,590, which is sort of an average-ish score. I think the world record is about 400,000. God, I've got right near that as well. I saw a guy playing it in Fun Spot in 2008 when I went for the World Championships, and he was on about two or 300,000. I think it's the guy who owns the world record. Wow. Yep, lots of points, old son, lots of points. Mm. So next we've got Danky Kang. You've written a small novel here, Vic. I have. 
Well, mm. I, well, I wrote this, and then I thought, this podcast is going to be 96 hours long if we do stuff like this. <laughs> so, as we said earlier, we'll just quickly skip through the games that are obvious. Donkey Kong is an obvious winner. Obvious classic. Everyone knows how to play Donkey Kong. If you don't, please try playing Donkey Kong. It's a really cool game. It's quite difficult. When you get into it and play it well and study it, you can play it a bit better. And mm. my score is very poor on my 60 and 1 because I've got an original PCB with a high score kit. And my yeah. original score on there is 238,000 odd, which is yeah, quite good, getting bad, well. Yeah. Uh, but my score on this lowly 60 and 1 is 62,400 because I'm not playing on the proper cab and I like to play Donkey Kong on my proper cab. That's still a good. How long did that take to get? Oh, not long, not long at all. Only a few no. minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, oh, it's, right. When you get up to about 80-odd thousand, that's when it starts getting hard. When you get to level five, mm. that's if you're, well, that's if you're a poor player like me. But, I mean, some of the decent players who can kill screen, it can get lots of points way before then because they, they, they use both hammers on the first level. Mm. And that is, gets hard work when you do that. It's difficult to do that. You've got to be a really skilled player to do that. Mm. So right. what have we got in our, in our spreadsheet about Donkey Kong? Donkey Kong? Italian criminal kidnaps damsel from affectionate gorilla. <laughs> I so we, mind that. <laughs> we move on to Donkey Kong Jr., which is next on the list, which is a sort of sequel to Donkey Kong, and everyone should know Donkey Kong Jr. as well, really. And you, you've put a little comment here: tiny ape foils evil Italian monkey kidnapper. That's right. That's, mm. that's exactly how the game works. It is. It's the same kind of thing as Donkey Kong, roughly the same hardware, four-level game, different levels, a lot of fun. I have got an original Donkey Kong Jr. cabinet. Mm. And since my Donkey Kong four-layer PCB sort of went a bit funny, and it's sort of broken down, I think, I've put Donkey Kong Jr. back in there. And my high score on the cabinet is about 100-something thousand. Yeah. and No, 150,000, I think it is. And I'm not anywhere near close to that on the 60, 61. I've got 75,900, which is very poor. I've only started getting back into it again, and I love it. I really like Jr. Mm. I'm not sure if I like Jr. better than Kong. It's very close, very close. But I'm always trying to beat Alex's score because I'm better than Donkey Kong than Alex, but he's better than Donkey Kong Jr. than me, and I want to get up and try and beat him, but I'm not quite there. He's on about 200,000, which is a very good score. Yeah. I'm on 150K. This so, next one is one that you and Alex did on the 10 Pence podcast way back when. Ooh, yonks Donkey ago. Kong 3. Nintendo, 1983, four-way, one button. It's a, it's a very strange... It is a shoot-em-up, really, with platform elements. It is, yeah. It's a little bit like Galaxian. Things fly down at you, but you can move up three levels and you've got to shoot yeah. Kong. It's a, it didn't do very well in the arcade, but it is actually quite a nice little game. I found it a bit frustrating, the, the mechanics of it, really. You either like it or you don't, I think, this one. Yeah, it's a bit of what they call a Marmite game. You either love it or hate mm. it. And... The official description of it is Stanley shoots monkey in the face. Because <laughs> your little guy is called Stanley. It's not Mario orientated, but it has got Kong in it, mm. which is quite cool. You shoot Kong with a, is it an insect repellent spray or something? Yes. When you die or you get the, you get the insect repellent spray to help you along the next level when you die, or mm. you can get it now and again when it turns up and it shoots him quicker. Mm. But you sort of, you shoot puffy things at him. Yeah. Up between his legs as well, which is a bit painful. You shoot him up the bottom until he goes up right the to the top. Up bottom until Get he goes there, right you. to the top of the screen and then you've won the level. But if you just if you just stand there shooting the you know, whatever's coming down at you, the, the level yeah, the will go on forever, won't it? Well no, you, you can if you shoot a certain amount of insects, that'll end the level as well. 
Ah, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, cause some some of the levels I don't think you can get you can get him quite up there. He sort of hovers around the, the two thirds way up, right? And you can't quite get him up. Then you got to shoot um, however many insects on the level, like forty or fifty, whatever it is. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's quite a good little game. When you get into it, it's got lots of little rules to it. It's not just a strict shoot everything. It's mm. you've got to do little bits. It's quite a clever little game. Mm. And the guy Alex sold his Donkey Kong Three cabinet to Ian, who's a really nice chap. He can get over six hundred thousand points on it. Ooh. When Alex and I played it way back when we did it, I could get just I just clinched hundred thousand points, and Alex was on about a quarter of a million. He was doing really yeah. well on it. Yeah, he was doing really well. He beat me loads on that one. So the next one, Galaxian, nineteen seventy nine Namco two way stick one button, and Japanese cabinets were all buttons. Mm. So I'm not sure why they had buttons on there. It's very similar to Space Invaders, isn't it? But things fly down at you. It was the first one to Gallagher. Mm. We've got here, horrid bird things take a dump at your Galaxship. 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 <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah, it is a good game. I think it's better in Space Invaders, but... Mm, I'm not sure. Mm. What came Different. first, the Space Invaders or the Galaxians? Space Invaders, obviously. Yeah. But it was one of the first colour games, so it was quite a big milestone in gaming, Galaxian. Yeah, it's called the first full-colour game. Yeah. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. I think it means that the sprites have more than one colour to them. Maybe, or I mm. thought it was to do with having the overlays on the screen, because that's sort of colour, isn't it? Simulated mm. colour. But yeah, but the sprites were multicoloured, weren't they? Yeah, there was a, an, a very old Pong game that was actual colour, not overlays. Oh, right. I think, I think it's called Wimbledon, something like that. Yeah, oh, cool. But, but they say this is the first full-colour game. Mm. So next one, it's another favourite of mine, Dig Dug. We've covered this before as well, haven't we? Mm, not one of my favourites. Why not? As I said in the podcast at the time, it just doesn't do it for me, but I can understand that it is a good game, but it's just not my cup of tea. Talking of cup of teas, no thank you. No. No. Definitely not. Would you I've like got a my co- iron brew. Would you like a coffee? Cup of tea gets this. Oh, for me, it definitely gets a... That's from the Disapproving Sheep, which sounds like a duck. I don't know why. The Dig Dug game, which I love, I have a cabinet of. It's one of my favourite games ever. It's one of my... I wouldn't say a great old cab, because I've got it, so I'm not really after it, but it's a cab I probably won't ever get rid of. I love Mm. Dug Dig... Dug Dig? (laughs) Dig Dug. I love Dig Dug. It's a nice cab. And I've put here, Smurf pumps stuff in the face. You've got a face theme going on here, Vic. So that 1,200-page description of Dig Dug I wrote, it's just summed up by Smurf pumps stuff in the face. Good un. Yeah, that'll do. Mm. So listen to our old podcast, one of our old ones, go back and mm. listen to Dig Dug, which we go into it better. Mm. Right, this one's an odd one. This one we've not, I've not really played much of. I've played this one. This is one that I made sure I sort of got at least a little bit familiar with. I did as well, but I didn't like it very much. The game no. is Crush Roller. Also mm. known as Make Tracks. And it was by a company called Kural Samno Electric in 1981. So it's an early game. It's a four-way stick only, like Pac-Man or Ladybug mm. or Frog or whatever you call Odd maze game, you must paint the floor with your brush mop thing. And you've got yeah. to avoid the waggly-tailed monsters. Apparently they're fish. 
Officially? Yeah, apparently so. Huh. You push a paint roller over them to temporarily kill them. There's two paint rollers on different levels, which you can squish yeah. them with. That's the only way of getting rid of them. And then they come mm. back out of their little sort of generator again. And every now and again, a weird... Is it a cat? Comes on the screen and leaves a, a load of footprints lying around. And you've got to go over them again to get yeah. rid of them before you can do the level. Because he's messed up your paint. It's, it's like uh, Amidar, where you have to clean, uh, get all the... On the second level of Amadar, you have to paint all the blocks. Yes, that's you? right. But this is more kind of like, like that. It's more like a level like Pac-Man where you've got sort of um, tunnels to paint mm. through. And you can swip through the tunnels on the left and right-hand side and up and down to, to escape the monsters as well. Yeah, that's the only way I could do the game, really. I've only got onto level two. I have. <laughs> it's, it's quite difficult to play... Because you can't, you've got to run over those monsters, and, and when they follow, if they get too close, you can't turn back on the on the paint roller to squash them. They get you, and if you just touch the cat thing, you get a big bonus for that, and you've got to go and wipe over his footprints again. It's a very odd Pac-Man clone, not done very well, and the noises are so noisy on it. Mm. Ugh, didn't like it, no sir. See, when you actually get the roller, it speeds you up. So I was using it when you when they're like right on your tail. I was using it to speed up and get a bit of distance between myself and them. Yeah, definitely. And then slide out the side door, come back in the other side, and keep carry on painting. Oh, yeah. Slidey. I got a pathetic score on that. I got five thousand one hundred. I don't know what I got. Rubbish. Absolutely rubbish. I did get onto level two, though, so we probably got very similar scores. I got level two where you paint the poor pink rather than green. It's the same maze as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit of a poor game, really, isn't it? I didn't think they could have changed the maze. Yeah, well, they might do later on, maybe, mm. on the later levels, but I didn't get that far in it, unfortunately. Paint stuff while avoiding stuff. In the face. In the face. There you go. <laughs> the next one is a popular game. Mr. Who? Mr. Who? Mr. Do, sir. Mr. Do, that's who. Universal 1983. I like Universal games. It's a mm. four-way stick and one button to throw your magic ball at stuff in the face. Yay! It's a fixed-screen, make-your-own-maze game, similar to Dig Dug. It was actually copied by Universal. I know this mm. for a fact. You can either kill all the bad guys on a level, eat all the cherries, or you can get the extra bonus, which is the same as most Universal games, or find a very rare diamond to compute a level. Every now and again, a diamond will appear, and you get a boatload of extra points, and you also get a free credit on the game, which is pretty pointless mm. if you're playing at home, because you've got free games anyway. But that will finish the level. You can push apples, rather like the rocks on Dig Dug, to squash monsters, multiple monsters. Mm. Or you can get biscuits in the middle of the level. Oh, I didn't know that. When all the mo- monsters come out the middle and they're roaming around the screen, it leaves little fruit bonuses, and the first one looks like biscuits. Ah, so I like it nice. just because of that reason. Many people are split over this or Dig Dug. The people who like this are wrong. <laughs> wrong, I tell you. Dig Dug is better. This is fact, not fiction. So yeah, it's quite a fun little game. And back in the day when I used to have a board of this, my best ever score was just, I think, 99,000. I didn't quite make 100,000 points on it. But on playing the 60 and 1, I only got 26,150, which is very, very poor. Ooh. Yeah, not so good. Because mm. I played it before, I didn't really play it that much. So our description is Clown Noms Cherries and Chuck's Balls at Stuff. That's fair enough. There you go. 
Mad Steve got 69,610 on this game. Good score. Ian Cullen yep. got 82,650. That's decent, isn't it? I think the world record is in the multiple millions again. Because people, mm. I watched a video on it years ago to try and look for tips when I play. I used to play it. And there's a way where you dig tunnels under the, the apples. And when the bad guys go into the tunnels, they automatically drop the apples on themselves because they're idiots. And it yeah. just leaves you free to go around eating all the cherries. And you leave one cherry and let the monsters, and then kill... When you get the fruit in the middle, the letter monster comes out with all his minions. You've got four minion monsters with him. And if you mm. kill the letter monster, you get the letter to get your extra for your high score. Yeah. It's got a really nice little animation when you do that. And what you do is all, all the bad guys who are with the letter monster turn into apples to give you more apples to squash the bad guys. Mm, so there's different right, ways right. of doing it. But digging the tunnels and leaving the apples exposed is the way of doing it. That's how the, the experts play right. the game. Like there's a couple of universal games where there's more than one way to clear a screen, which I think I don't know any of the early manufacturers that did that kind of thing. Do universal you? were pretty good at that because even on like Ladybug, which is one of my favourite games at the moment, if you get the extra in yeah. yellow to get the, the letters, the game automatically ends. You know, the level you're on will end there and then and give you an extra life. Jumping Jack was the same. Yep, that's another Universal game, which I really, really like. I've got a PCB of that as well. Cool mm. little game, that is. Uh, Mr. Dude's Castle. Yeah, Mr. Dude's Castle. Yeah, we'll yeah. Talk about I, think, I think the Mr. Dude's Wild Rides as well have that sort of same mechanic where you get mm. extra, which is pretty I cool. I like Universal. Good, nice, really bright, colourful graphics. Lovely games and lovely colours. <laughs> yeah, I do like the Universal. The early Universal's really nice games. Really nice. Yes. So... That is the first 10 done. Yes, so We've shall we? have been on about four hours. You've got another 28 hours to go. That's not bad. We're all right. I've got my biscuits. I've got my iron brew. I'm starving here, mate. I might start hey. eating my telephone in a minute. Let's do a little break. Let's do some arcade news and other big gaming news. Mm. So this time we have, well, more and more often really, it's not just arcade news, but it's gaming news, so it's good news. Yeah, but related to arcades, which is nice. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. This has been on the local UK news lately. The BBC starts sending out free microcomputers to millions of, well, one million UK students. Wow. And they're called the BBC Microbit, and it's a little tiny PCB. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the picture, oh, they look nice. I think they've got a bank of lights, little LEDs on the back that you can program. Cool. And, it, and it's based at 11 to 12-year-old school kids and encouraging them to code and program. So that's good news. Is this reminiscent of a Raspberry Pi, that sort of thing? Yeah. Or an Arduino, that kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is, yeah. I'm all for kids programming games. Program some games, kids! I mean, mean, do some things for school, kids. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Also in... Go on. Ground Control (laughs) gears up for a big expansion. Ground Control in Portland, Oregon, which I've been to. It's a cool place. They're knocking through. And there's a, there's a, a another screen, another place on the other side. <laughs> yeah. They're knocking through. I think there's an old restaurant in there. They're having a little restaurant in there. But when I watch the video, which we're going to put on our show notes, it's all going to be double the size. And I saw a 10-player Killer Queen in there. Yeah, Ooh, I did. I want to play that game. I really yes. want to play that game. That's nice. They're going to have twice as many machines, apparently, as well. Yeah. So when I go back to Portland next year, and I am, <laughs> I'm going to California next year. It's been planned oh, yeah. with WAF already. Yeah, we're next gearing up year, to the thing. This, like, this year. Next year, 2017, right. we're going to go. Right, right. I cannot wait. I'm going to go back to Portland, Grand Grand Crow. Yes. Do you not go into Galloping Ghost? No, that's off the other side of the. Remember, remember America? It's big. 
Yeah, I'll keep, yeah, it is a bit. It's isn't it? not just a stone's throw, chum. It's thousands of miles. It's not like driving from here to Bolton, then. Not really, no. Mm. Oh, well. The roads are a lot wider mm. and longer. We're quite lucky in the fact that any arcade event in the UK is no more at the extreme. It's no more than 350 miles away, is it? Yeah, yeah. For me, from London to Gateshead's about 290 miles. Mm. And everywhere else is fairly close. So it's, it's not mm. getting on an aeroplane to go to them, yeah. which is nice. Yeah, we're lucky that way. Mm. Also in the news, we have Nintendo uh, ending the Wii U production. Ooh, later already? on in the year, yeah. Okay. This is not arcade news, but it's interesting. Yep, because there's games on there that are arcadey. Yeah, and I think they're getting ready for their new console, which is codenamed NX at the moment. Yep, there's already been speculation of the NX. I think they're false ones, but there's been speculation mm. of it on Tinternets already. Mm. Cool. But the Wii U's done really well. Well, it says, yeah, it's sold 12.6 million units, which is not a slouch, really, is it? It's pretty really good. I know compared to, I think, the PS4 is up to like 35 million. But the Xbox One, I think, is sold about 10 million. So it's actually sold more at the moment than the Xbox One has. Oh, right. Okay. I know Xbox One's not been out so long as that, mm. but 12.6 million is not bad. It's not bad, is it? it I If I was going to buy a modern console, and I'm not, as far as I know, because I haven't really got time to play them, but if I had time, I would play it. I'd buy the Wii U over the other two. Any day of the week. Because mm. Alex raves about it. He loves his Wii U. Yeah, a lot of the people at the Batcave do. And I, I've been sort of slowly converted to it. Because every game that you see, like Splatoon and yeah. the Mario Kart game and the Zelda, they're all just Hot I know games, all aren't they? Nintendo's own IPs. But that's all you need when the games are that good. I like the idea of the Mario Maker game. I bet that's a lot of fun. Yeah. I love yeah. a little platformer, me. Mm. Yeah, and the Maximum Power Up guys. I think Phil raves on about his Wii U as well. So, yeah, I trust yeah. those guys with their reviews. Mm. So, there's a Southampton Game Fest 2016, Sunday 22nd of May. Well, that's, yes. that's in my radar, isn't it? Mm. That's at my wheelhouse and all that lot, and down my back alley. Oops. <laughs> Misses. It is quite a way for you, isn't it? Like 100 miles-ish? No, not even that far. Isn't it? It's about an hour away. Yeah, not far at all, mate. Southampton, they moved Southampton. It. Yeah, they've moved closer to London. They like it better. All right. So I might be going to that. More news on that hopefully later on. Do us a little review. I will if I go, yeah. Mm. Galloping Ghost. Yeah, what have they, they got? They're, they're getting more games than we can report on. I know. This, this one, they've got reportedly the best shooting up of all time. I, I don't agree, but I know mm. it's very good. Battle mm. Garage. Battle Garaga. Battle Garaga. Yeah, That's a got... Toa plan, not a, quite a cave. Toa plan. No, Battle Garaga's not. It's a uh, rising in it. Yeah, it sort of eventually ended up as cave, didn't it? Yeah. You like that one? I do. I need to put some more time in it. There's got to be some reason why people rave about it, so I have played a little bit of it. Because there's gazillions of bullets on the screen. That's why. Mm. And explosions. Explosions. Like explosions, me. <laughs> like blowing stuff up. Jim Bagley gets in the Guinness Book of World Records. It's official. My certificate arrived this morning, he says. Largest video game ported to the Sinclair ZX81. He got Dragon's Lair running on a ZX81. I saw it, yeah. Wizardry, sorcery, black magic. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, I saw so well it. Well done, Jim. Jim's a lovely bloke. I've spoken to Jim before, and he's a really cool guy. He did some really ace 8-bit games back in the day, and he's he's ported stuff to arcade hardware. He's a mm. really nice bloke. And he, I think he does mm. stuff on mobile phones as a, as a regular job as well. Yeah. Some cool games he does. Well mm. done, Jim. 
Yeah, congratulations. Also, Major Havoc Repro cabs are now shipping from a Clov member in the US. They're nice-looking actually- cabinets. They're one-to-one yeah. replicas, aren't they? Yeah, I think there's quite a lot of interest on the UK forums of people buying them. We can put a, a link into the no-shows yep. I don't, for that. I, I don't like Major Havoc. don't like the game very much, but I mm. know everyone loves it, except me. And it's a grail cabinet because it's quite a hard thing to find. They're very rare. So this opens up people having their own machine. I wouldn't have very said nice. We played it at Steve's Meet, didn't we, a few, few weeks back? Yes. And I wouldn't have said it was fantastic. And, no, and I, I didn't like it very much. It was too hard. Well, I, I get that with games. If they're too hard, I, nope, not playing it, nope. I dismiss them. There is an air of mystery about it, though, isn't it? Because it's so rare. and, and the, It's got some really nice little quirks in it. Because it's all the, vectors yeah. as well, it looks great. A platform game in vectors shouldn't work, but that kind of yeah. does. And it's got a little bat and ball game in the corner when you're waiting for the level to load. And mm. it's got a spacey bit, shooty bit. It's, it's a good game, but just not for me, I don't think. Mm. Oh, oh, our friends over at Griffin Aerotech, the Sky Cursor guys, level three is now complete. They're doing oh, their levels every now and again, and they're trying mm. hard to get them all out. With Sebastian the Spectral Ghoul. And we've got mm. a video, which we're going to put in the show notes, with Doc Mack playing it. Doc Mack, the owner of the Galloping Ghost, who's a great gamer, I think he quite likes Sky Cursor. Because he keeps mm. putting the best records on. He's like the best player at it at the moment. Yeah. And he keeps playing. He's got a little playthrough of level three. Loves it's it, does our Doc. It's a very low scoring game, isn't it? It's like berserk low scoring. I think it's you like... get one point for everything you kill. So the idea <laughs> is to kill thousands of things. And I think he's got like 3,000 points on it. Yeah. But yeah, it's all about killing in that game. Well, you can't have enough shooting in games. Absolutely in my not. In the face. It's not just shooting either as well. It's that kind of sword thing. Yeah. You, when you play Skykers, which I have done, I've been lucky enough to play it, there's three different weapons on it, and you've got to fill your weapon gauges up, and then when you press all three buttons together, you get a super weapon, and it's learning when to use that super weapon. And it's quite mm. a balanced game because of what the different weapons you use. It's very good. Oh, you'd love it. You got to. I can't wait to let you play it. I can't wait to either get hold of it or shove you to America to play it. Or hopefully, <laughs> someone in the UK will get it because it's available to buy. Mm, yeah, it's it's one I'm looking forward to playing. Actually, definitely mm, brilliant game. And the VR steamroller carries on going. Namco, Bandai Namco, released uh, opening a VR zone project storefront thing in yeah. Tokyo. Oh, okay. So we'll put a link in the notes for that. It's called VR Zone Project ICANN. Okay. <laughs> the, the, the facility, which the translator bills, bills as a hotel, is slated to open in April on the 15th on the third floor of the Marunuki Uazo Namco facility. Easy for you to say. Mm, yeah. And so our friend Adam Pratt from Arcade Heroes has done a little thing on that, and that's what the link we're using. Yep. So that's that. Also, I found this on YouTube, right? It's not news. It's, I just thought it was quite interesting. It's a Japanese cocktail mahjong game. So it's you've got you've got your standard what looks like a two sided cocktail table. Yeah. But then there's the the fourteen or fifteen buttons that you need to play mahjong on it as well. They're really common in Japan. I saw loads of them when I was over. Yeah, really common. Very straight. I've never seen one because a lot of the candy cabs, like a Sega Aero table or Nunet City or whatever, you can actually buy panels with all those buttons on. Lots Mm. of little square buttons. It's about twenty odd buttons, as you said, and they're really common over there. But I don't know how to play proper mahjong because mahjong is like a betting game. 
Mm. The games we got over here, are like Shanghai, where you, you remove different tiles, you know, the same similar tile, and you get rid of the tiles on the piles, which is yeah. a lot of fun. I love those games. On yeah. mobile phones, or on the DS, or I've got a few arcade versions of it. They're really nice little games to play, quite relaxing. But actual yeah. real Mahjong is a betting game. Is it? And it's got that. quite a lot of rules to it. And I'd like to learn how to play it, because I think there's different versions. There's a Chinese version and a Japanese version. They're slightly different, and... I wouldn't like to know how to play it, but I need someone to show me how to play it, I think. Mm. There is online guides to play it, but I think it's quite a difficult game to get into, lots of rules. But the Japanese love it in the arcades, absolutely love it. Yeah, it's certainly taken off there, isn't it, in the last 3,000 years? Yes. Mm. New arcade podcast, Cactus Flax. I've listened to 1.3. Oh, well done, I've listened to all three so far. They're only very short ones, but I got halfway through the second one and my dinner break finished. Yes, this is the super podcasting robot, Rob O'Hara. <laughs> or Rob, Rob O'Hara, as he likes to be called. I like to call him Rob O'Hara. He was an arcade collector a little while ago. He hasn't got any games anymore because he sold them all. And he is doing reviews of his over... I think he had 100 arcade cabs in total over the period. He didn't have them all at the same time. He had them over yeah. a period. And he's doing little reviews and where he got them from and little stories about them. And he's an excellent podcaster, and I listen to all his podcasts. Mm. I suggest everyone else does. Cactus Flax, it's great. I listened to Sprite Castle. I like that one. Yes. Because I, I had a Commodore 64, and the other week he covered one of my favourite games on that uh, platform. Yeah. Archon. Oh, I never played Archon. That was oh, the black and white game, similar to chess. It's kind of, yeah, battle chess. It's, it's a classic. It's, it's a deep game, really, and that they did a few sequels, but I don't think they ever topped the first one. It's so good. Ooh, I've got a Commodore 64, and I've got one of those SD card drives in it. Mm. I might have to get a ROM and play that one day. I need to drag out my piece, my old computers and play them. I haven't done them for ages. not that time. I can I, recommend it two-player. We had so much fun growing up with that two-player. Brilliant. Well, next time you come and visit me, I'll drag it out and we'll play it. Mm. You can show me how to play it. Brilliant. Do you want me to sing the theme tune? I still remember it. Go on, then, quick. Little, 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 it was an 80s film about a guy that gets sucked into a video game and then he's shooting real aliens in proper space. I've probably watched it when I was a kiddiewink, but I can't remember yeah. seeing it. Well, there's a PC game that's supposed to emulate the game in the film. Oh, nice. I like so that's, that. That's quite cute if you can track that down. Or you can throwback. Track it down. Awesome. There's, a, there's a link here. Of course you can track it down. And our last little bit of news is there's a Street Fighter. <laughs> Sorry, Street Fighter V tournament at Las Vegas Soho Arcade. As you may or may well not know, if you listen to Maximum Power Up, Street Fighter V hasn't been released in the arcade. It's only a modern console game. Mm. But the people at Las Vegas Soho Arcade have put it into some cabinets. So mm. you can play it with a proper joystick and a proper buttons like it should be played. Darn it. Mm. And they're having a little tournament. And this is... We've left some notes in the show, show notes for it. And you go down there. I think this is going to be in April. Look on the show notes and you can find out where to go to play that. And there's not really a one-player version of the game. It's only really for online play. But I think you can play Link Up and that's what they're going to do with different cabinets. That'd be a lot of fun yeah. playing that. There's a bit of a stink about it, really, that it's it seems like a, a half-finished game. While the mechanics yeah. are sound and the combat sound, 
there's no like yeah there's no really no single player mode and there's it's only like yeah. a training mode because I was listening to Maximum Power Up a little while ago and Phil was talking about it. He was really miffed because he's a big Street mm. Fighter fan, big Capcom fan. Mm. And I find it hard to believe that Capcom haven't released one of the most popular arcade games in the arcade. It seems madness to me because Street Fighter 4 did really well. Mm. Yeah, so it's a bit weird that. And it's strange. I think they rushed out early and they've not quite finished it and they're adding modes to it, which really bugs me about modern mm-hmm. gaming where you've got a you put your game on to play it and it's updating for an hour and it's downloading mm-hmm. more stuff and you, you know even you've got to buy new stuff it just doesn't seem fair to me I, no sir don't like it <laughs> well let's get back to the meat and potatoes of this podcast you're having a stretch there vic i'm having a bit of a stretch you're not tired already are you? you're only on game 11 i know we've got a bit to go we have so we're on game 11 space invaders Stone Cold, Freezing Cold Classic. Yep. One of my f- earliest game memories is on a Space Invaders cabinet. Me too, actually. Love Space Invaders. Yeah. Spesa Invader, as they would say in Japan. Supisu No, you don't, pronounce, you don't pronounce use in the middle of a word. Oh, yeah, I forgot. That's it's gone. just Space Invader. They don't use Vs. They don't pronounce Vs. It's pronounced with a B. So Space Invader. Ah. There you go. Two-way joystick or one-button fixed-screen shooter. Some cabs, the American version, had left and right buttons and one button for fire. Everyone knows Space Invaders, and if you don't, why are you listening to this podcast? You must know, surely, what Space Invaders is like. I love Space Invaders, and I always will, and different versions of it. I love Space Invaders. If you can get over 5,000 on this game, you're pretty good, and I can just do it. I so, did. I did the other week. I did got. You? You know when we were playing, we played this back in Podcast we 25. We played Space Invaders on Podcast 25, and we played lots of different versions of Space Invaders, little hacks of it, didn't we? And you beat me by, was it 50 points? In your face, Mr. Holly? Yes, and I, th- I get to do one. I think I got I think I got 5,100, something like that the other week. No, you didn't. Why? Don't believe you. I did, honest. No. And do you know where I was? I was at the iPlay Liverpool place. You were in Cloud Cuckoo Land, chum. <laughs> yeah, if you get more than 5,000, really good score. Because it gets yeah. hard then, doesn't it? I think I got to the fifth wave, first time I've ever done it. Nice. Mm. Well, I, when I played on my 60 and 1, which I was doing this week, I did have a few goes of it, and I could only get 4,310 points. Still but good. But I know I've got a, a few over 5,000 before, so that's pretty good. Mm. Excellent game. And okay. it's many clones. Number mm. 12. Pac-Man. Yellow Pie avoids colourful apparitions. Fair enough. Good description. Have you been drinking when you did those descriptions? Probably, yes. Mm. So we all know Pac-Man, but I asked Mr. John Studley, the Pac-Man, perfect Pac-Man joint world champion what he thought of the 60-in-1 version. And yeah. he's very kindly messaged me back, and he's put, to the lay player, there is no difference. There is, in fact, a couple of very subtle differences, though. Mm-hmm. When travelling from the southmost point of the maze, Inky's Corner in the bottom right, 
Pac-Man moves a pixel width right when he passes the ghost box. Also, I've found that Pinky sometimes inexplicably joins the other ghosts from the right side of the tunnel when I'm in there with the other three ghosts. This doesn't happen with the original board. Ooh. These are minuscule differences, but it's exactly why there's different tracks for the scoring on Twin Galaxies. Wow. John knows that game like the back of his hand, doesn't he? Mm. So, yeah, tiny little differences. Not sure why, but that's it. It's a normal player like us who's rubbish, which we are. Mm. Mm. Yeah, we wouldn't even know the difference. It's exactly the same game. Uh, Mad Steve's put a score in for us on Pac-Man. I presume this is on normal speed, 15,960, which is yep. better than I could get. But I played on speed because I'm a cheat. Ha-ha. <laughs> and I could <laughs> get 53,500, which is, is still pretty pathetic for speed up. It is quite enjoyable playing speed up, but you can understand why they didn't release a speed up version in the arcades as people would just be playing it for days, wouldn't they? They did actually. I've played speed up in the arcade. No. When you go what? to America and play Pac Man and Ms. Pac Man, nearly all the machines are on speed up. What nowadays, but yeah. they wouldn't have been. Yeah, back not, there, I don't think they? back in the day, yeah. no, but there were speed up hacks back in the day. They did it years mm. ago. But I think it's just a more enjoyable game, especially for kids to play. Mm. It's easier because Pac Man's a hard game and Ms. Pac Man are hard games. So that score, Steve, is pretty good for normal speed. But it's not anywhere near 3 million odd, which John can get. Mm. In your face, Majesty. From John. (laughs) (laughs) So what I I forgot to say about Space Invaders. Yeah. Shoot invaders in the face and avoid squiggly lines. Squiggly. They could be the snakes from Frogger. They could. Mm. Firing snakes from Frogger. Mm. Okay, number 13. Gallagher 3. Also known as Gaplus. This is Namco 1984, originally Gaplus, but ROM upgrades were sent out to US arcades to change the name to Gallagher 3, as it was better known there. Nobody knew what Gaplus meant. There was never a Gallagher 2 either, which is a bit odd. Not sure why. Mm. Is it Galaxian 3 or Gallagher 3? Gallagher 3. Is it? Galaxian 3 is that big theatre game with the 500 laser displays and 600 seats and 12 guns. (laughs) <laughs> it's a big game it is sounds it but this is it's licensed to Bally Midway again because they license a lot of the Namco games for the US audiences it was an 8 way game and one button fixed so not just a left and right game like Galaxian or Galaxian you can actually move up the bottom third of the screen which makes a very different game I think it's Gallagher on Mega Steroids faster mm. you can move different parts of the screen and you can capture, you know, yeah, you can capture your ship back in Gallagher, so you can have double firing. Yeah. On this, when you shoot a certain ship, it gives you the ability to capture their ships as they're coming down. And mm. you can have about eight of them attached to you. It yeah, makes just... for a mental game. You can shoot loads with it. You get mega fire par on it. You don't last long, though, do you? I, I no, they think get picked it's... off pretty quick, but it's a lot of fun when you've got a big ship, a big long ship firing loads of stuff out the front of it. It's ace. I wasn't that impressed with this, and there's a bonus level. It's difficult, level. isn't it? It's very mm. hard to play, I think. There's a the bonus level, like the challenge stage, whatever you call it. Yeah. Th- this one is like you have to like shoot the creep the little ships that are falling. The insects. It, that's it. You have to shoot them, and they bounce. So you've got to keep keep, keep shooting. Yeah, like keepy up, isn't it? Yeah, but it's it takes a long time, and I yeah. And every time you shoot it, they make another little segment in the word bonus, and you've got to build up the word bonus. I got buh 
<laughs> oh, I did it, but... Did you? I just, yeah, I just thought it was boring. Yeah, it seems a bit of an odd one, that, because the actual mm. game, compared from Gallagher to Gallagher 3, there's a, a big jump in in hardware and, and the graphics and the sound's a lot better and the, the effects are better and the gameplay's a lot faster and it gets very hard. When, when the screen starts scrolling the other way, it gets very difficult and very fast and they, they fly around and bash into you all the time. So I find yeah. it a hard game. But the official description of the game, according to our spreadsheet, is mental shooty flying idiots. <laughs> Very so nice. We move on to number 14, mm. Gyrus. Another stone cold classic game. Yeah. We need to cover this game in lots of detail. Really. Konami 1983, as early as that. Licensed to Century in the US, or Century, uses a Monroe joystick, kind of like a rotatey, pivoted joystick with leaf switches. It rotates in a single on a, in the centre on a ball. I've actually mm. had a look at them before. Quite expensive joysticks to buy if you an original, but a leaf switch joystick plays just as well. Yeah, it does really. And one button for shooting. It's a fixed screen tunnel shooter. Reminds me, kind of, in a way... Tempest, when you're looking down into a hole, so mm. you're shooting stuff. It's sort of like Galaxian or Galaga, but in a hole. Mm. If you know what I mean? Shoot stuff in the face in a tunnel. And there's a book. very famous tune. And if I'm not mistaken, it's hang on, I've written it down. It's Robert Louis Stevenson's Stiletto no, Funk in G Major. It's J.S. Bach's Takata and Fugue in D Minor. I like my one, Stiletto Funk. I only know that she wrote it down. I did write it down. This was a friend of yours, second and final game for Konami. This was Yoshiki Okamoto's second and final game for Konami. Before he moved to Capcom and made a few rubbish games. Mm. No, he didn't. He made some absolute mega classics at Capcom. He is a hero of mine, him. Yeah, 1942, one of his favourite games. And Gunsmoke, didn't he? Yeah, and Street loads Fighter. Loads of cool games. Loads of cool games. He went on to do like a bit with the Resident Evil series on consoles. He was a genius! Pretty much Capcom's most important game designer, I reckon. Yeah. So Gyrus is a really cool game. Loads of people love it. One of the early stereo games. The music mm. in stereo is amazing. The, the, the sound on this one's not so it's good. It's sadly it? missing lots on the sound on it. Mm. People moan about this game in particular, losing and missing the sound and sounding awful. But the gameplay is great. Mm. Unfortunately, I'm absolutely crap at it. I'm really rubbish at Gyrus. I wish I was better. I still haven't looped it, and I'm going to loop it. Really, as far as that? Well, my my score was 41,900. I think I've had about 80,000 before when I really practice hard at it. I can get 200, but... Really? Watching Tronad play it, he is... This is one of the games he used to play when he was a kid, and he can play it forever. Really? Some people can. Yeah, so I need to... He was going to pop around the other day and give me some tips, but I was out. I want to loop it. I can get to the... Level 22 out of 23 really? at Arcade Club, and that is set to the hardest level. So oh, I yeah, the to... machine there is set really hard, isn't it? Mm, so I should be able to do it. I was just going to put some time in on this. Okay. We'll have to, we'll have to cover this one as a, as a game. One day we will, because it is a nice game. Nice mm. game. Mm. So, number 15, Tank Battalion. I did play this. I like Tank Battalion. 
it's kind of like the old 2600 game combat, isn't it? It's a bit clunky. It's a bit ZX Spectrum-y, graphic-y. Yes. It's, it's an old game. It's Namco 1980, mate. Mm. Single-screen maze shooter, I called it. Four-way stick and one button. You control a little tank. Other little tanks try and shoot you and shoot your little base. You've got to protect your base. You can shoot through the, the maze walls, which is a sort of brick, and shoot mm. the other guys. And some levels haven't got any maze. It's just an open, open combat. Is it? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, on the later levels. So you're not played it that often and to get to like level three or so? No, I was just... You just have to defend your little emblem, whatever that is, don't you? Your base. Yeah, definitely. But it's like a, it's like a jerky movement. Remember them old computer games where the little character on the screen would move like eight pixels at once and it's like a jerky yeah, movement. tanks are jerky, aren't they? So it's lifelike. This one's very jerky. Sort of. I got 41... No, I didn't. I got 15,070 points. It's quite a low-scoring game. What, what level's that? Four, maybe. Oh, well done. Possibly. Well done. Yeah, I did like it. And when you've got like an eagle, which is your emblem, and it's, it's like built up around it, a little wall around it to protect it. And if the bad guys get to the bottom of the screen where your emblem is and start shooting it, they can kill it. And when they kill it, it turns into a knackered flag, <laughs> which I really liked. I do like a knackered flag. Absolutely. <laughs> Number 16. Oh, we won't bother with it, shall we? 1942. Tell them about it, mate. There's not much difference between this and the PCB. There's something I can't quite put my finger on. I would say there's a minuscule bit of lag. You, sir, are a seasoned player in 1942, and you can complete it. Yeah. So you would know all the little nuances in a slightly different version, wouldn't you? Yeah, the, the, but the game's exactly the same. I can't see any difference whatsoever. Apart, there's just something that's just slightly off. It, I think it's a tiny, tiny bit of lag because yeah. I've played the original PCB so much. I forgot to tell you about Tank Battalion. Tanks, maze, flag. That's your description? Yeah. It's not bad. It, you've got the three main things in there. A 1942 is Holly Arcade Grill shooty thing. Yeah. Definitely. And the score I got on the 60 and 1 is not as high as my score on my bootleg PCB, which I've got just over 300,000. Mm, that's got, good, that. I got 225,610. Did you think there are any difference? No. I no. can't. I'm not as good at you, mate, and I'm, I'm not as... I don't notice the differences so much. I think the sound is a little bit annoying. Oh, no, that's yeah. actually the sound is very annoying <laughs> in that game. <laughs> Get him disapproving, sheep. Indeed. Mm. Number 17, we covered this not long ago. La- Ladybug. I love Ladybug. I like Ladybug so much I buy it on different formats even. Not a fan. Ladybug Universal 1981. Listen to podcast 56. That's two ago. Uh, I loved it and Sean did not. Mm. And I've still got my score on there, which I actually played for that that podcast. 154,040 points. I That's- was just pipped to the post by Mr. Tronads. That's an excellent score. I think there was a lot of competition on that game, so you were like pushing each other, weren't you? To, yeah, to... we did. Yeah, I loved it. Really nice game and, and good for all our Twitter followers. I think we had about 16 people playing it. Mm, cool. Yeah. And I've put on here, best insect game ever, exclamation mark. <laughs> That's some tell. It's got an exclamation mark, definitely. There is some good insect games. Mm. Centipede's better than that. No. But is it, <laughs> do you know what it is? Mm. Good game, good game. <laughs> I had to do it at least once. So, what's on number 18, chum? Game number 18 is burger time. It is time for burgers. 
Meat Drop. <laughs> on the 8 bits, it's called Meat Drop on Atari. No way, is it? Meat Drop. Drop your meat. Drop your no, meat. No, 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 that sounds sick. <laughs> this game, we should talk about this one. It's a great game. Data East, yeah. 1982. Came on a Deco cassette or a PCB when Bally Midway licensed it for the US market. It's a four-way game and one pepper button. Mm. It's a little platform game where you must run your chef over burger parts to drop them down to the bottom of the screen as completed burgers. You've got to avoid evil ingredients like eggs and sausages. And I think there's a pickle later on when you play the levels. And you can either drop them on the burgers to drop them all the way down the screen and get bonus points or drop the burgers on top of them to squish them. But when mm. they're squished, they come back out again. And you've got a pepper button. Which you can pepper them in their face, which halts them... At, for a little while, and you can run over them. There's a very nice cocktail of this at Arcade Club. Oh, really? Yeah, I've been playing it a little bit, and I Ooh. think I could get into this. There's a way to pattern the levels, and there's a way to lead the characters around. There's a there? way of grouping them, and when you drop yeah. groups of them on a, a burger part, you get massive scores. I got, I saw someone getting millions of points on this, on a YouTube mm. video, and there's a way, because when you, you kill them in a lump sum, say you kill three at a time, They'll come yeah. back on the screen all together, and you can do it again and again and again. And you've got to use your peppers uh-huh. to group them. But once you get, you can get more peppers in the middle of the screen. Every now and again, like a coffee cup will come out or a different bonus item. And when you get that, you get an extra mm. pepper. And ice peppers cream. And ice creams, yeah. And it's a great game, but for me, it's too hard on the arcade version. And I prefer mm. the Intellivision version. Mm. which I reviewed for the Intellivirgins for the Intellivisionaries podcast a little while ago. Right. And I do like... The, the Intellivision version is very close in Intellivision ways, and it's a little bit easier, which I prefer, but it's it's mm. too hard for me in the arcade. But I do like it, and I really want to play the cocktail version at Arcade Club. The thing that put me off, I still remember seeing this when it first came out, and it was the like the, the, the bouncy, jerky movement that the character peter pepper moves up and down the ladders yeah he's got like a movement to him hasn't he He sort of hops his little chef hat hops up and down when he moves but now i've i've you know it's 30 years later i've looked past that and i've actually played the game and it's not bad yeah my score was pathetic it was like less than ten thousand because i'm Mm. i'm not good at that i think i got about fourteen thousand on the intellivision version Mm. and i think it scores the same way so i did quite better on the intellivision version and my description on our little spreadsheet is drop the meat, avoid eggs. <laughs> Which can be said well in life. Yeah, yeah. I love eggs. I don't avoid eggs at all. It's a lie. I like eggs. Some, yeah. Here's a game I played a little bit of earlier. I had a quick game of it because I hadn't played much of it, unfortunately. Number 19, Mappy. <laughs> Namco 1983, as early as 83 it is. I thought it was a later game than that because it's so good. I like it. I do like this. It was distributed by Bally Midway, again, in the US. They love the old Namcos. It's a two-way stick and one button. It's a little platform game where you're a micro-police mouse, of all things, being chased by meowkies, meowkies, which are cats, <laughs> while you try to get stolen articles. Move up and down the levels via trampolines. Yeah, it's as mad as that. You can pass by enemies on the trampolines, but not while walking left and right on a normal platform. If you press your button near a door... You can slam it in their stupid faces and knock them over. Mm. And if you're good at this, you can sort of move them around and go past them. So you can get past them on the levels. And some of the doors have got 
different colours on them, and it sends like a sort of sound wave away, and you can knock loads of enemies out at one time, mm. and it's passing through them, which is quite fun to do. And there's a little, after every few levels, there's a bonus level where you bounce on trampolines and pop balloons to get bonuses. Mm. It's a cool little game. And the cabinet, the arcade cabinet, the original cabinet, is a beautiful machine. Mm. It's really, really nice. But what you've got to do is collect all the stolen gear to finish the level. And if you don't do it quick enough, a Mr. Hurry will come after you, which I've never seen, so I've always done it quick enough. And I did a few levels at it. I could probably get better if I try, because it's a game you can get better at. And it's a really mm-hmm. cool game. And I got 12,340, which is quite poor, and I should do better. I played this oh, maybe five or six years ago on MAME, and I could get to like the fourth or fifth screen, but I've lost that skill again, so I'll have to get back into this. This is another one we should cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's where I was, actually, on that sort of level, four or five levels into it. Mm-hmm. It's known on our spreadsheet as Microplace and Jerk Cats. Jerky Cats. Jerky Cats. <laughs> right, this is the last game in this section, game 20, Centipede 1980. It doesn't play that well with a joystick, so I, I recommend a trackball setup if you have got a 60 in one, if you can do that. It's, it's all right, it's okay, but it's mm, not... Not as good. It needs mm. to have a trackball. Mm. And the 60 in one, the version I've got at least, has got a trackball additional plug on it. And I bought a trackball, which is made for the 60-in-1. But the trackball I got has got really tiny rollers on the inside of it, because it's a very small one to fit in my cabinet, because I've got a very small control panel. And it, when you spin the trackball really quickly to get across the screen, it doesn't quite function very well, and I'm not happy with it, the movement of it. I need a better trackball. Mm. But when you play this on a proper cabinet, or with a decent trackball, it's, it really elevates the game. It yep. makes it so much more controllable. And it is a stone-cold classic. It's it's like Space Invaders, but with caterpillars and spiders. And mm. you can move better. And a trackball. It's not anything like Space Invaders, is it? The cabinet is one of my favourites. It's just a beautiful thing. Yep. And we have a score from a guy called Lucid Sprightmare. Ooh. That's a good name, isn't good it? Good name. It's a Twitter name. Mm. And he got 43,284, which is I think is decent, because my highest is around there. My highest is about 26,000, I think, mm. which is not brilliant. But everyone knows about centipede as well. So centipedes come down the screen, you shoot them, they fall, bits fall off them, and they split into two or three different parts. You've got to shoot mushrooms to keep them out of the way. Different insects come flying down at you to replace the mushrooms and poison them. There's a spider who keeps getting in your way on the bottom lower the third half of the screen. And it's a great game. We love it. Everyone should have played Centipede. It's a good description, that. Do you know, do you know, do you know what, Vic? Maybe we should talk about things like this and people might listen. I doubt that. No, you're right. The best description is wiggly insect shooting <laughs> from the spreadsheet. Yep. It's a good sheet. It's a good spreadsheet. We'll put the spreadsheet in the show notes. I think we should. There's no swears in it, is there? No, and someone can fill in the rest of the CPU bits that I've, I've run out of time on. Yeah. And the hardware. There's a hardware section. I'm worn out, mate. Shall we change up the gear and do a bit of pickups? Yes. Pickups. It says here. Oh, I know the story behind this one. Mmm. Interesting you have story. Got a plus alpha PCB. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. <laughs> I bought a plus alpha PCB on eBay recently. Plus alpha was the game I keep banging on about. Like, got stolen from me a few years ago. 
I sent it off to some guy in Bolton to fix with a load of other games, which was a 1943 Boo and also a Flying Shark original PCB. And I sent them off in good faith because he'd fixed one PCB for me. And these ones he never sent me back. He stole the swine. And this game was is brilliant. It's plus alpha. We must cover it one day because it's a vertical shooter, a cutesy shooter, which you would really like, I think. Yeah. It's similar sort of vein to Twinbee, mm. that kind of cutesy game, little nice little shooter. And I saw on eBay and I immediately hit the buy it now button because it was only £25 with £5 postage. And when I looked afterwards, after I'd paid for it on PayPal, I realised it was a seller who works for a company are a little bit unscrupulous. Mm. I'll say no more. I'm not going to name names. That would be wrong of me to do that, so I'm not going to do it. But the PCB arrived in a big box, but it wasn't packed very well. It was wedged in an angle in the box. It had one sheet of bubble wrap around it, which is not enough for a a piece of sensitive arcade hardware. And it had loads of uh, those polystyrene balls in the bottom of it covering about half the box. So it was providing no protection to the PCB whatsoever. Mm. So I sort of looked at it and thought, oh dear, I hope it isn't broken. Plugged it in. It didn't work at first, but I think the ribbon connectors had just come off, so I plugged them back in, and it works. The game played okay, but there was absolutely no sound. It's completely silent. So I'd look at the PCB, and it was sold to me as fully working. Mm. which is what bugs me, because it wasn't fully working. And the sound on it, there was none at all. So I looked at the sound amp, which is usually the first thing you do when you're trying to fix a sound on a PCB, and the amp had been roughly soldered onto old pins of the old amp that had been snipped off. So the the amp hadn't been carefully removed, cleaned up, and then a new one fitted. It had been soldered onto the legs of an old one. Badly. It was almost hanging off. I was a bit miffed about that. I sent the guy an email saying, you know, it's not fully working, blah, blah, blah. And I went on to UK VAC to tell people not to buy from this guy because he's a bit of a rip-off merchant. And, you know, he did he did say to me, send it back, we'll give a refund. But if I was to send it back, I'd have had to find a big enough box to fit it in properly because I couldn't live with myself sending it back in the same box he sent me because it could get damaged further. And Mm. he said it was damaged in post, which is rubbish, because it wasn't. Mm. Uh, Because that piece of the board wasn't exposed at all. So I'm going to keep hold of it, because I do like the game. But it's a bit of a flat game without any sound, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And I put it on the forum, saying about don't buy from this guy. And he's on the forum. And he objected to it. And everyone ripped him to shreds. Because he works for this unscrupulous company, who's been ripped off quite a lot of times from other people. Mm. And they put in their stories about it. So that's it, really. I'm a bit miffed about that piece, that pickup, but I've got the game mm. anyway. We'll leave it at that. Hope you I might be able to repair it some somehow. Hopefully, someone will help me repair it. Yeah, I did. I did mm. actually put the amp in properly. I, I resoldered it properly, and it still doesn't work. And the amp gets quite hot, so maybe the amp's faulty. But it's mm. a definite fault, and it did not work. I'm sure it did not work mm. when he had it. Mm. But on the, the brighter side, Alex has given me some bits for Space Fever for my build, which is very nice of him. And I'm going to give him a few bits that I've got that he needs for the build he's going to do. Yeah. It's nice to share. And I got some 44-way edge connectors to help fix Jetfire. Remember I mentioned it earlier? I didn't have any at the time. I ordered some from France, and they came quite quick. I got four. So I can use very them for nice. making different adapters and stuff as well. Or well, you've got some 
pickups uh, from our listeners. Mr. Tronans gets another mention. He's picked up a nice Blast City candy cab from the Videotronics company near oh, where I am. it's gorgeous. Have you seen it? It's gorgeous. It's very clean indeed, you've put. Yeah, I think he's going to have good fun putting stuff in that. Yes, he's he's had a game in it already, and it looks lovely. Well done, mm. Mr. Tronans. That's a nice cabinet you've got there, chum. Mm. Tin, brother, brother of bronze, grandfather of silver, great-grandmother of wheat. Is wheat on the periodic table? <laughs> I can't think of three metals. That's bad, isn't it? He says this is my fault. He's bought a Mr. Driller full kit. So he's got the Mr. Driller PCB and all the artwork to go with it for the Japanese arcade cam- candy cab. Mm. It's not my fault, but I accept the blame for it because it's a great game and he's going to really enjoy that. And I told him, never mind that, get Mr. Driller 2 and Mr. Driller G as well because they're great games. Mm. You've got a pick up, mate. Tell me. Well, I've sent off for it a King of Air 51 in 1 vertical shoot 'em up PCB. Aww. King of Air? <laughs> so, what kind of game it is, is this emulation, guy? but it's 51 modern, I wouldn't say modernist shooters, 90s shooters, late 80s into 90s shooters. Good shooters. And I'm going to put it in my little bar top. Yeah. And have a great play with that. And it's also, it's the CGA version, so I can put it in my cab as well if I oh, want. Oh, nice one. Yeah. So do you know what the emulation's like on it? Is it a pretty good game? It's supposed to be, yeah, very good. I've seen a couple of YouTube vids. That's interesting. I might get one myself if it's any good. It's a slight bit of screen tearing is the issues, but I get that on my MAME anyway. Mm, Okay. Oh, I was talking to someone earlier today at the uh, the gaming market, and he reckons if you use Groovy MAME, it does a really good job of removing all the screen tear. It does a really good video emulation. So I'm going to try that on his... On his recommendation. Groovy Mis- Mame, kids. Mr. Charlie Farr recommends Groovy Mame. It's Groovy. It wears purple it's flares. He uses. And it's got yeah, an afro. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, I'm going to try it out. It sounds really good. Oh, one other thing I got today. I bought some stuff at the video game market. Mm. I saw Arcade Japan there, Ross, who I buy things from, all, all things joystick and button related. And I bought myself a crown joystick. It's a Korean joystick. And I didn't know about the quality until I picked it up at his store and played with it. That's me clicking it. It's got, it's like a Japanese candy cab joystick, but it's got a back top on it, which is old school. And it's got, instead of a spring to hold the joystick and move the joystick, it's got a rubber grommet. Like Mm. old school games, old school leaf switch joysticks, like um, Mm. Berserk and Robotron, stuff like that. It's got a really nice feel to it. It's a really good old school feel. I'm going to put this on my 10 pence arcade cabinet, playing all mm. the classics in. So I'm really pleased with that. And he also had at his stall, he had about 20 different types of arcade joystick, you know, the candy cab joysticks, Sumitsu yeah. and Sanwa and Crown. So you can actually pick them up and have a feel of them, how they feel, you know, the spring tensions, all that sort of gear. Mm. So really nice. And he had loads of buttons. So I bought myself a set of buttons for my Naomi cab, which I play my arcade, my MAME on. So I wanted to change the colours around, so I bought three orange buttons, uh, OBSN, the the screwing buttons, and I bought two start buttons, a smaller 24-inch button, 24-millimetre buttons. I also bought a limited edition orange ball top. It's a different shade from the other oranges. It's like a really Mm. bright colour. Absolutely beautiful. Oh, very nice. So that was the arcade parts I bought from there. And I also bought this, and I'm showing you on the webcam. Ladybug. For the Intellivision. Box Ladybug from Andy at Console Passion. And I haven't played this on Intellivision, but you know I love Ladybug. 
I'll have yeah. a good blast of that later on. I can't wait to play that. Awesome. So, yeah, more pickups. Like the pickups, me. Mm. Okay, done pickups. Let's do a bit of feedback. Yes. Right, we have feedback from Hungar. He Hungars. He Hungars. Great podcast as usual. I'd like to join you for the 60 and 1, but my thought, but the thought of turning my 29 inch on its side. Ouch. That's the monitor. Yeah, need two people. Don't a little really? bit of a tech tip before we do the tech tips, people. Don't try and turn a 29-inch monitor on your own. Mm. It can be done if you're pretty fit, but it's hard work. You may drop it, and you will break lots of things when you drop it. Mm. Try not and do it. Get some help. Mm. Tim Nichols from the Artcade book. Tuesday morning drive to Basingstoke make much more fun by a new podcast from Tempence Arcade and Sean Holly. That's me and you to keep me company. Because he was going to Basingstoke... I wonder if he won that Aero City cab that was on eBay. That was in Basingstoke. If you did, Tim, you got a good deal there, mate. Nice cab. I don't think I was watching so. it, and I put a cheeky punt in for 512 quid. But mm. it went for £700, which is quite a lot for an Aero City. But the Aero City is quite an old cabinet, and I really like the shape of that one. I really mm, like mate. it. Mm. Chris Smith and Tronads love the artwork. That's us with on the wanted posters Looking from like the Gunsmoke. Bandits. bandits. I that thing I'm eating is a biscuit, by the way. Okay. Yeah. Because your mouth has got weird. And I was going to put a cigar in, like a cowboy cigar thing. But cigar. I, I couldn't be bothered. Smoking a cigar. Mm. Steve Welton, I discovered your podcast about two months ago and felt like I walked into your front room was welcome to your favourite arcade chair by the fire. A brandy was placed in my hand, and I was regaled with tales of arcade loveliness of the type I could tell myself from a misspent late 70s, early to late 80s youth. Chucking two-bit bobs in... Two bob bits into... <laughs> two a bit bobs. Who's bob? <laughs> two bob bits, which is 10 pence in this country, into video games. Love the podcast, lads. I'm in Margate and listen to the audio with the fella from Canterbury who focused on my area with his comic. Really sorry, my brain is filling up with beer and I'm getting forgetful. Anyway, a great listen. Alan Meads, that was. I had a mad idea to open up a part record shop, part arcade, part pub in Margate at some point in the future. I'll go there. Mm. Who knows, maybe one day. Anyway, hope you see this, and thanks for making me get obsessed with watching flicky videos. All the best, Steve. (laughs) This message gave me a warm, fuzzy feeling when I read it. I really appreciate Steve's kind words. Thank you, Steve, for that. Yeah, very nice, that. Very nice feedback. Can we have lots of lovely, nice feedback, please, kids? Or tell us the truth. Yeah, there one maybe, maybe sort of just a little uh, white line now and again. Yeah, yeah. Anyone, does it? Mr. Mark, happy dude. Mm-hmm. He wants us to play Giggle Wing. He said, "Can we add it to the podcast listener list?" Which indeed I have done. we can. And he also says, "Credit where credit is due. I am new to the podcast, but out of all the ones I have caught so far, game related, yours is head and shoulders above the rest." Ooh. And he's not talking about shampoo. Nope. I am working my way through your back catalogue on my daily work, 45-minute drive, and I'll be gutted when I have listened to them all, as it will be back to the radio then. Mm. More lovely feedback. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you, Mark. Have a look at our podcast recommendations on the pod- on the podcast show notes, on the mm. links, I think it is. And yeah. there's loads of good ones out there, mate. Loads of good ones. Mm. Milky, Gunsmoke. This needs a Western-themed gif of approval. He likes the cowboy games, our Milky. Eric Banana. Like the tech tips bit, and he and he's listening while at work. Thanks, Eric. The last bandit. Another fine episode. Although I did find the treatment of bandits to be worrying. Keep the tech <laughs> tips coming. He's the last bandit. He is. We didn't mm. shoot him. No. 
We didn't shoot many bandits. He missed them all. Yeah. He's got mm. shot to death. Edward Horse. Good episode, chaps. That was a that was a great help in the seven-hour stopover at Washington Airport. He flies ooh, all over him, doesn't he? Seven hours in an airport. That is ooh, boring. Yeah. I'm glad we had some we had we helped you there. Mm. Battle zone. Nice episode. Like the choice for hardware hero. I cheered out loud. That was my scramble hardware. Mm. I tried gun dot smoke on PC main, but it was even harder with a keyboard. Oh lord. Fire was control, alt, and space, and all I could hit was the Windows key, which closed the game down. <laughs> I look forward to trying it in a cab at some point. It's a lot better in a cabinet. Mm. I wonder if the extra punctuation in the text of some games is a result of translation from Japanese. Things like axe equals battler. Remember that one? And golden axe. Yeah. And golden axe, yeah. Enjoyed talking to you guys at Steve's on Rebound, or taking us on at Steve's at Rebound, that little game mm. we played. Great little game, that. Also glad to hear Vertvik isn't too fussed about the difference between... LFC and LUFC, which was scraped onto the bezel of Phil Nez for Life's asteroids bezel. Yeah. Someone had scratched on there. I don't know whether it's Liverpool or Leeds. I don't care. Mm. Oh, yes. While I think of it, I bumped into the perfect biscuit and beverage review site to keep you both happy. It's a nice mm. little site here which rates biscuits. Which yes. At. It's nice. It's custard cream one on there. Mm. He, is, he is linked directly to the custard cream, and it's above Gary Baldy's, as it should be. Yeah, definitely agree with that. <laughs> anyway, Rob Player Missile says his son is up to 200,000 and at level 18 on Flicky. He's got, we have inadvertently got his son addicted to video games. Hold on a minute. His son must be quite young, and he's beating mm. me easily. Mm. That's not on, is it? A <laughs> child beating me. Level 18 is good going. Yeah, well done, mm, Rob's yeah. son. Well done, you. And he's also put, it's very entertaining to listen to you two talk about your different opinions on the games, although make no mistake, Vic is wrong about Flicky. No, there's a mistake there. <laughs> there's just a mistake there. That's it. There's a mistake there. Flicky, it's, it just does it because I'm so obsessed with it. We talk about it every episode. It's just not going away, Vic. You've got to, you know. That's a good thing, though, mate, because I, mm. I started off really liking it and you weren't too sure. And it mm. swapped around a bit. I ended up yeah. disliking it because I wasn't very good at it and I couldn't get any better. And you did the opposite. You really liked it and got really good at it. It's cool. Mm. I like that. I love it, yeah. Maximum Phil. Phil from Maximum Power Up Podcast. Great episode as ever, guys. Great to hear you giving Alien vs. Predator love. My favourite Capcom beat-em-up. Mm. Cool. Mm. Neil1637. Hi, guys. Thought I would spit my... I'd spit my feedback on you, you cretins. Oh, no, I would split my split. feedback back in, into three areas. First area, Gunsmoke. I really wanted to like this. I have it on the 16-in-1, but like a third button, and always, that always meant I couldn't play it. And you can't play it the other way because it's kind of like Commando, mm, and there are just work. too many enemies for this to work. So I put it on MAME, set my buttons to match a triangle setup, but even then I just couldn't get on with it. Hated level one, kept getting stuck. Kept getting shot up the. <laughs> That's. Did yeah he can yeah uh, by some dude behind me but never really got the hang of the just and it and it didn't give me that just one more go vibe sixty and one board there has already been some chatter about these boards from recent threads so not wanting to beleaguer the point too much but I really do want to shout out the merits of these mini little PCBs. Yes, they hit the 60 count by adding a few hacks, but they offer noobs and established gamers the opportunity to get some virtually instant classics and get a, a classic game collection. So it is really, isn't it? That's what it is. Mm. 
you've got 60, well, say 55, and there's at least 30 of them that are brilliant. Really good. They? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely yeah. agree with that. And also he's put tech tips. As I continue to struggle to get to grips with the insides of cabs, I find these segments amazingly handy. Well done, Vic, because that's nothing to do with me, that mate. Although no matter how many times I read or hear about how to discharge a monitor, I'll be much happier first to see someone actually do it in front of me. That's just because that leaky, invisible, death-inducing electricity stuff scares the poop out of me. <laughs> well, I'm not sure where Neil lives, but when we go to Nurg, we met him last time at Nurg. If he lives near Nurg, I wouldn't mind showing him how to do it. It's easy. Mm. No problem at all. Yeah. I am Jimmy says, just this. Hmm. I've been wondering for some time if Sean's high scores might be aided by little performance enhancing something. And then it dawned on me where I've seen him before. It's starting to make sense now. And he sent us a picture of Mr. Walter Heisenberg. Yes, Walter White from Breaking Bad. And Sean Battenberg (laughs) from In Your Face fame. And we will publish these pictures on the website because they are uncannily. I can't see which one's which, to be honest with you. Yeah, I I do get called Heisenberg a bit. Lewis Mm. Batcave. Loves a bit of gun smoke. Why? Mm. Alan Hennessy was on about us getting the podcast out a bit early. He says, you sneaky varmints. Sneaky varmints. And I had another rubbish score. Well done. So did I. Mm. The last bit of feedback. Actually, not the last bit of feedback. I had some earlier. Oh. John Monkus. Favourite game on a 61 has to be Bomb Jack. Weirdest game that I like on that is King and Balloon. Just make sure to enable voices so that you can really enjoy it. Most frustrating is Zaxxon. Really feels awful to me. And I love Zaxxon. Same here. The mm. last bit of feedback I've got for you, which isn't on my notes here for some reason, is I had some live feedback today from Design, which is mm-hmm. Darren Hatton. And mm-hmm. he said, do you mind if I give you a bit of feedback? I said, yeah, sure you can. He said, I don't really listen to the reviews bit. I just like the waffle beforehand. <laughs> so I think that's, take that as, mm, I take that as a, a good compliment. The yeah. waffle and the waffle we go on about, which is good. Thank you, Darren. The review, so the yeah, the game reviews bit. Yeah, I think he knows about the games because he's a seasoned gamer. He just likes to hear us yapping about stuff, oh, which is oh, fair, fair enough. enough. Yeah. And on that note, I need to go to the bathroom. Oh, to have a bath. And we're back You're in back. the room. Hey, Sean. Hello. Let's do games 21 to 30. 21, Millipede. Mmm. Which is a bit like Centipede, is it not? Yeah. Exactly the same controls as Centipede. Same game, but there's added extras because it was sort of a sequel to Centipede, wasn't it? Yeah, there's more little point scoring techniques. It's not just as simple as Centipede. But I think people, well, most people I've spoken to prefer Centipede. Yeah. Mm. I think on a millipede board, you can get a little extra add-on that plays centipede at the same time, because it'll play well mm. in the same cabinet, yep. which yep. is pretty cool, having both, best of both worlds. In mm. millipede, it's everyone knows centipede, but they might not know millipede. Millipede, you've got some extra enemies. You've got an inchworm, which when you hit it, it slows all the enemies down for a short period of time. Yeah. A beetle crawls around the player area, the bottom third of the screen. For a mm. while, then climbs up and leaves the screen, turning any mushrooms it touches into indestructible flowers, which gets right in the way. When hit, everything on the screen scrolls down one row. 
Mm. A dragonfly drops mushrooms while zigzagging down, rather like the flea on Centipede, and can yep. be destroyed with a single shot. A mosquito mm. bounces off the side of the screen as it descends diagonally. When hit, everything on the screen scrolls up one row. And there's a DDT bomb scattered throughout. I think there's three or four on the same level. Mm, and when my you shoot thing. it, it destroys all the enemies and mushrooms within the blast radius. It sort of blows up with a cloud of explosion mm-hmm. and kills everything that goes near it with that explosion. Mm. Which is a good little mechanic to use in the game, isn't it? You can sort of wait for the, the assembly to come near it and shoot it, and it blows the whole lot up. At regular intervals in the game, you're faced with levels of swarms of any of the above enemies rather than the usual millipedes. The game can also be started at different levels, which Atari did for a few games. Tempest does the same thing, doesn't it? Mm, does Missile Command do it or not? Don't think so, but I think no. Super Missile Command may do. Mm. I don't know. Oh, I'll have to look it up. If we, if we, if we whisper, yeah. we can just talk about any old rubbish no one will know. But they just turn the volume up, don't they? Bugger. Yeah. 22. Anyway. Junior Pac-Man. I quite like this. quite like this you know do you know what mm. so do i but it's hard it's very mm. difficult isn't it this is a bally 1983 game not officially part of the namco pac-man series if it's a four-way stick only same as pac-man except the screen can scroll left and right about half a screen each way yep. making the game levels bigger and longer to complete some of the seven different levels have five and six energizers used like the power pills to be able to eat the ghost. And there are no tunnels in the game. Mm. When a bonus item appears, it travels around as in Ms. Pac-Man, but it makes the dots larger as it passes over them and worth 50 points each rather than 10. But when you're eating these larger points, it slows Junior down as he's eating them because they're bigger. If the moving item hits an Energizer, it will self-destruct, taking your yummy Energizer with it. The game also has a kill screen on level 146, it's got nicer graphics and nicer cutscenes and nicer sound than Pac-Man, Ms. Pac-Man. Mm. I quite but, liked yeah. it because I played the speed-up version again. Mm, I like this. Mm. So the score I got on that wasn't very high. It was about 23,000 odd. It wasn't very good because mm. I couldn't... It takes ages to complete a level, doesn't it? Because you forget yeah. which bits you've eaten because it scrolls off the screen. Yeah, and then you have to sort of track back and find out which bits you've missed. And then dodge all the ghosts to get to it. But I, I did enjoy this. It surprised me, this one. Same here. I think our spreadsheet described it better. Scrolling mm. tiny puck face. Mm. That's him. The guys from Pie Factory podcast. They're pretty good. I think Sean yeah. is, is almost like a world-class player at this on the speed-up version. Yeah, the, the way they talk about Pac-Man and its sequels have made me think more about the games. And I... I, I really tried a bit to like Junior Pac-Man and Super Pac-Man, which we'll mention later on. And I think mm. both of them are good, actually. I agree. Mm. Uh, well done, Sean. I think he's got a world record he's waiting to hear back from on the speed-up version. So well done, mm. Sean. Yep. Not you. Oh, okay. Other Sean. I-, I thought I hadn't done a world record. Anyway, number 23, Pengo. Pengo. The, the classic pushy, pushy icy blocks against snow bees. Cute pengies. You know, you open your fridge, you, you reach for a, a beer, and you've got a pig in snow bee in there. I know. What you need is a pet penguin to squish them. Yeah, with, with ice cans of beans or whatever's <laughs> in your fridge. Yeah. This is a tricky game. 
it's very but, hard, isn't it? I had a PCB. This is one of maybe the first five or six PCBs I ever got. And mm-hmm. I had this PCB. And I was actually quite good at it. I got right into it. And I could do 50,000 points on it. Yeah. I was really good at it. I could get through loads of levels. But on this, on 60 and 1, it just seems harder. Or is it just me being rubbisher? I don't know. Uh-uh. It's a four-way stick. Most people have probably played a version of Pengo, especially on a home computer or whatever. There's loads of versions of it. It's a fixed-screen game, four-way stick, one button. It was Sega 1982, developed by a company called Corland. You alter the maze. You push blocks, and it squashes the snow bees. And if you push a block next to another block, it'll actually destroy the block. And there's always three blocks in there that you cannot destroy. If you get mm. these three blocks together, you get a bonus, and you get the little dancing penguins. It's quite cool. It's also very similar to Dig Dug in a way. If you've only got one Snowbee left, he tries to get you get away from one of the corners of the screen, like the yeah. monsters do on the left-hand top corner of Dig Dug. I played it earlier. I was rubbish at it. I found mm. that the, the Snowbees are too are way faster than you, and when they're chasing you, if you try and push a block out your way, they get you really quickly. They they catch up on you really quick. And mm. you can also, if you if you push the sides of the screen while they're attached to the side of the screen. You can stun them. They can stick them to the sides of the screen and then smash them with a block. But I found it very, very difficult game. I only got 72,000... Sorry, 7,290. I found mm. it very slow and hard to play this game. Not what I remember at all. You've put here in the notes that Pirate Ship, Higamaru and Don't Ooh. Pull, very similar games, obviously, inspired by this, are better games, and I think so as well. Yeah. Pirate Ship Igamaru was the very first game me and Alex reviewed on the first podcast. And mm. I love Pirate Ship Igamaru. It obviously comes from this game. It's just more playable. It's an yeah. easier game to play, an easier game to pick up and get better at. And number 16 podcast, which is when we did Don't Pull, which is part of the Three Wonders games. There's three games yeah. in there. That's a great game as well. Very mm. similar, just more enjoyable, mm. I think. I got well into that one. Yeah, good game. 24 is Phoenix from who knows Amstar, Tate, Taito, Sentry had so many little logos on that marquee yeah different people um, licensed it yeah officially as well it, it was Amstar that made it, developed it, wasn't it? And then it went, it got distributed all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, everybody knows Phoenix. This is a very good version. Possibly the first game to ever, ever have a boss. Yes. Which is the, the mothership. It was, yeah. Although there's some arguments that say Gorf had a boss as well, but even though it was released slightly later, yeah, it got to American shores quicker, so people... Some people say that Gorf was the first game with a boss. Oh, yeah, fair enough. It probably was in America, but there you go. In America. America, yeah. You know what this game's got in it, don't you? Lots of. Hate Beaks! Hate Beaks! That bird that we found somewhere that can sing. Yeah. In a rock band. Yeah, Hate Beak. Mm. So the definite description is in our notes again. Hate Mm. Beak killing Central. (laughs) Kill lots of Hate Beaks in this game. Four levels of Hate Beak, Hate Beak killing. It was like taking the Galaxian formula and building on it. Yeah. Uh, I, I love this levels, era. boss much. level. I love Phoenix. I actually mm. had a Taito trimline dedicated Phoenix cab, which mm. I sold to RGP James a few years ago, and he's still got it. Still works perfect. I kind of wish I hadn't really. 
I like that game. He's never <laughs> going to give me back because it's one of his favourites. <laughs> but I got a good score on this. I got 229,623. You used that trick on the first I level. I did. There's you? a trick on it. On the first or the second level, is it? First. If you hit three birds at the same time on the left-hand side, you get 200,000 points. So you still got twenty nine thousand without yeah, that. Yeah, I've that's, got, I've got, I think I got over thirty thousand before when I played it properly. That's, that's going that. I love Phoenix. Really mm-hmm. like Phoenix is one I played as a kid, and I've always played. Really like that game, and it's a great version with mm. great little bits of music. I think number twenty five, Time Pilot. I love this, and this is perfect version. I can't see any difference. Ah, no, the sound is terrible on it. Remember? Yeah, we yeah, not talking about mm, the sound. We know the yeah. sound problems on the sixteen one, don't we? On my sixteen one, I've got the sound turned right down. You can only just hear it. Yeah, and that's the way to do it, I think, because it's over amplified, isn't it? Yeah. A lot of the problems. So yeah, that's the best way to do it. Time Pilot is great. It's on my fantasy cab list, and it will stay there. I think. Who like, made this game? Tell me. Konami. But who actually developed it? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yoshiki Okamoto. Absolutely brilliant person. Excellent yeah. games designer. This is another game that uses a Monroe stick, don't you know? Mm, he was into that, might pivot-y he? game. That pivoty stick. But you don't need to have it. Any old uh, Leaf Switch will play it. You can play it on main, no problem. It's a really good game. Yeah. And it's one a button. great game. Great it, game. Everyone should know Time Pilot because we discussed it on one of our earlier podcasts and you beat me on it. Hands down. Yes, we did it, didn't we, as a game? Yeah, mm. love we? this. Yeah. yeah, go back and listen to that one if you can find what number it is. I can't remember offhand. Mm. Really, really cool game. You stay in the center of the screen. Everything scrolls past you. You're in a craft. You shoot other craft. You collect little parachute guys. And when you've done a certain number of little craft, a big guy comes out, a boss, you kill him off, and then you jet away, time pilot away, to another era of time and do it mm. all again. And so you get mm. to space. And a special mention goes to Vector Pilot on the Vectrex. It's mm. such a good version of Time Pilot with an extra level. I wouldn't say it's better, but I would say it's as good in a different way. Yes, absolutely mm. sure. Yes, certainly that. It's got secret level on it. It's got secret ships you can find. It's a really, really brilliant Vector game. Absolutely amazing. Works really well on that. He put a recent, that Christoph Tutz, who programmed it, put a recent post on the Vectrex Facebook page saying, this is my last copy of Vector Pilot. I've got <gasps> one left. Wow. Have you seen it? Yes, yeah. I did. I'm glad I got mine when I did. Mm. It's gone now, I suppose. Mm. So my pathetic score on there was 59,800. Because oh. I, really, I didn't really have a good go on it because I played it so much in the past. Mm. I think my top score is about 250,000, 300,000. And yours is way higher, isn't it? Yeah, I can't remember what I've got. Yeah, 600-ish, I think. Hmm. So I the think. next one is Super Cobra. This is Konami 1981. Eight-way stick, two buttons, fire and bomb. Virtually the same game as Scramble, which is in our list later on. I've put, yeah, I've put, it seems like a hastily planned sequel to a masterpiece scramble. It just seems rushed and not so good. And It's not as good. It's far too hard. It mm. is absolutely far too hard. It, it gets really difficult almost straight away. Yeah. It's yeah. unfairly difficult, I think. And ten levels instead of five. Yeah. 
and they're done in thousands of miles. So you do the first level, and you've done a thousand miles, and it it doesn't really stop. It just tells you, and you have a bit of a an interval, and you go on to the next one. It's it's really really difficult. It was mm. one of the games because I can do scramble, I can loop scramble. I thought to myself, oh yeah, I'll try and do Super Cobra. Should be okay. There's no way. I had a because you can actually continue on this game. You can put another ten pence in and continue, and I continued a few times. And I couldn't get hardly anywhere through the game. It's just so difficult. Doing that on one ten pence, on one credit, almost impossible, I'd say. Mm. Even on the normal levels. Someone's done it, I suppose. I'm sure, I'm sure, but not me. Not me. I've put in our notes, the best of all snakes. <laughs> A super cobra. Yeah, I wouldn't agree with that, but yeah, that's what I put. <laughs> but here's another funny game. Number 27, Hustler, also known as Video Hustler. It's Konami 1981. It's an old game. Four-way stick and one button. It's a very simple six-ball pool game. Get mm. balls into pockets. It's that simple. When you, you move your little sort of dot around the outside of the pool table to where you want your ball to end up, you're going to shoot it to, and at the bottom it goes one, two, three. And if you hit it on number three, you press your button on number three, that's the hardest it'll hit it. Or if mm. you hit it on number one, it hits it very gently. I find this game very clunky and slow to play. It'd be better if you had maybe a trackball to whiz the the cursor around the outside of the screen easier. Yeah. But with a joystick, yeah. it seems very clunky and very slow. And I mm. don't really know how many times you're allowed to miss before you lose the game. I had a quick no. go of it, and it's a very low-scoring game as well. And the balls are really badly animated. They've got numbers on, and the numbers don't spin when the balls are spinning. They just sort of mm. move. They like fly around rather than rotate and roll. So I found it a very junk game, actually. It seems like, yeah. yeah, not very good. And it uses scramble hardware. And did you notice it uses Frogger sounds in it? No. It uses the sound effects from Frogger. You play it and listen to it. It uses oh, exactly man. the same as Frogger sound effects. I think it uses the effect when you, you start a Frogger game. Mm. So, yeah, it's stolen stuff. And it's very slow, weird game. There's many mm. more better pool games than that in the arcade. There's some online sort of what do you call them, Flash games or Java games that you can use a mouse and play pool with that have a much better feel than this. But I yes. know it was 1981, but yeah. it's just not, it's not good. I don't, like, I don't like it. It seems very simple. It almost looks like a 70s game. It's that simple. So no, yeah. not into that yeah. one very much. Yeah. I think I got 1,920 points. Mm. And that's got to be very poor, I think. I don't think I even finished a game, to be honest. No, it's very boring as well, isn't it? It's yeah. just It just doesn't seem... Much fun, you know? Mm. So, 28, another game that's not much fun. Space Panic. Our friend Lesley is champion this and Hienkano alien that he keeps telling us to play. And we're not going to, we don't like it. No. No. Hello, killing alien thing. No. Lesley, no. We're not going to play Space it. Panic. But First Space Panic, game. yeah, 1980, a really early universe, before they got good, I reckon. But I don't think this is crap. I think it might be all right if I could get into this, you know. I think this game is a four-way stick and two-button game. Mm, dig and Phil. Who's mm. Dig and who's Phil? So, it is the very first platform game. when It predates Donkey Kong. Yep. So you run up and down ladders with your little very basic-looking guy, and you dig holes to trap the monsters. They look like strawberries, 
angry mm. strawberries, I reckon they look like. Mm. So you dig a hole. When the aliens fall into them, you fill the hole up quickly. If you don't fill it up quick enough, they get out and they get angry and they chase you and they bite your bum. <laughs> they do. When they, when they kill you, they bite your bum. There's a little animation biting your bum. Mm. You also have a depleting supply of oxygen. And if you drop them down, if you dig a hole underneath another hole and you drop them down two lots of holes, you get bonus points for it. And later on, the green aliens need to be dropped down two levels. Otherwise, they just get yeah. angry and come after you. I played it earlier. It's a very simple CGA color game. There's only about three or four colors in the game. Very simple. Mm. Very, very difficult, I think. So did you, did you play this for a score? Play Spanish? I did play it, but I, I, I think I played it until I finished a level, and then I got to second level, but I didn't, I didn't record any scores. Well, on this one, I got 5,250 points. Did quite well. I thought it did quite well. I got to level three, I think, when the green, oh. the green guys turn up. And Lezolay got 8,170. That's a very good score. Well done, Lezolay, because we've been trolling him a bit about Space Panic and... Hyanko he- he- Alien. Heineken Alien, or whatever Heineken Alien, it. yeah, that's the one. Mm. Mm, not a very good game at all. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to reserve judgment on that, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm. Shall we talk about number 29? 29 Breakout? is Super Breakout, an Atari 1978 game using a paddle controller and one button to launch ball. This would be good with a trackball. Uh, sorry, with a spinner. Yes. Needs a spinner, really. We played it at Smarty Martin's meet, didn't we? Yes, it's great on there. He's got a really nice Euro mm. cabinet, which is a, an official Atari one, but different to the American version. Mm. It's a nice cabinet, very nice. Yeah, so it's it's your standard breakout with, I think there's three game modes, is there? Yeah. Can, yeah. There are three, three variations. Game, three yeah. game modes. Uh, the first one is called Double. You get two bats and two balls. Player loses a life when both balls are lost. You get double points for hitting bricks while two balls are in play at the same time. The next game is called Cavity, with one bat and one ball, with two extra balls hidden behind bricks. If you break out the extra two balls, you get three balls on screen, and if you keep them on screen, you get triple points while they're all in play together. The other game is called Progressive, one bat and one ball, where the bricks slowly move down to you faster as you play on. The game was black and white with overlays. On the 60-in-1, you've got a dip switch setting. You can choose either colour or black and white in the 60-in-1 dip switch setting. So you found an old cabinet, an old original cabinet that didn't have the original PCB. You could just pop a normal colour screen in there, put some overlays on it, and it looked like the original. Mm, now that's a good idea. But you know what? That's a nice description, but I've got a better description here, mm. which sums it up in five words. Break bricks with your balls. Mm. Nice. The last game of this section, number 30, New Rally X. I love a bit of New Rally X. This was a kind of update from Rally X. Easier. Yep, 1981, four-way stick and one button. It's the smokescreen or fart power. Depending mm. on how childish you are. It's a slight graphical or an audio update on normal Rally X from the year before. It's a scrolling maze game where you drive around a maze looking to pick up all the yellow flags. Antagonists are other cars chasing you, trying to crash into you. You can slow them down by pressing your smokescreen button and trapping them for a short period of time. But this uses up a small portion of your fuel. 
You can find flags using your radar and also keep an eye on where the enemy cars are. Look out though, as the radar does not show you where lethal rocks are in the road which you can run into and die. Special flags are the L variety, Lucky, which is part of the new version of this game. Gives you a Lucky. bonus. Ah. Lucky! Gives hmm. a bonus for your remaining fuel, which is always depleting as a timer. And S flags, special, which double your points for picking up all the other flags. When you've collected all the flags, the level is done and you get a bonus for fuel remaining. Every so many levels, you get a bonus level, a challenging stage, where there are a lot more enemy cars, but they do not move until your fuel runs out, so go and grab the flags quickly. The challenging stages are quite easy. you just got to go and get the flags quick, but don't mm. run into another car, even while stationary, and don't run into a rock, which will also kill you. That is good advice when driving a normal car. Yeah, don't run into well. rocks or red cars. Mm. Especially red cars. Mad Steve has got fifty thousand two hundred twenty. Thanks for all the scores, Mad Steve, you're putting in on this podcast. Yeah, cheers, mate. They're really good, but mm. not as good as mine. Oh, go on. In your face, Mad Steve. I got eighty six thousand and ten points, and in the past, I've got over a hundred thousand in this game. That is good. I really like Rally X. I would like to own a Rally X cabinet, a cabaret one, Mister RGP. If you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> And in our description, it's got newer than old Rally X. Mm, Accurate. Is, Accurate. Yeah. Mm. I think the original Rally X, was, people found it too hard, didn't they? It was difficult, and it just doesn't seem as playable. I think they really improved it. It was a good idea doing it, I think. Mm. Do you know what is another ver- good version of Rally X, a new Rally X? There's a version of Rally X called Rally X Arrangement, which is on the Namco Classics, one of the Namco Classics PCBs, which I actually own. And it's got a graphical and sound update, and it's quite a lot of fun. It's just like a more ah. modern version of it. It's really nice. While we're on Rally X, okay. on the 60 and 1. On the 60 and 1 and Rally X, yeah. The radar is at the bottom of the screen, is that right? It's ah, different. yes. You've just reminded me, yes. Rally X was originally a horizontal game. Mm. And all they've done on the vertical 60 and 1 is they've, they've rotated the graphics 90 degrees to fit on a vertical screen. Mm. It's quite a clever way of doing things, but it's a bit of a giveaway because when you finish the game, it says over game. <laughs> you notice that? No. Because when you look on the horizontal version, it's got game and then over underneath it. If you rotate yeah. a whole 90 degrees, it's got over game. <laughs> but the 19 and 1, which is similar to the, to the 60 and 1, but it's all horizontal games, there is a proper version of New Rally X on there, properly horizontal. So playing it vertical is a bit weird. It works okay, but it's better on horizontal. Yeah, it's a bit strange. Mm. Yeah. Okay, let's get on to do some shout-outs. Yay! Me first. Go on. Alex Chuckyegg for helping me out with Space Fever parts. Thank you, Alex. I'll definitely be helping him out with his next Nintendo cocktail he's making. Also, Ian for letting Alex and I invade his game room, who lives near Alex... So I could test the Popeye PCB I had in his Donkey Kong 3 cabinet. He can get over 600k on Donkey Kong 3. Wow. I'm going to give a shout out to Jimmy G of Pie Factory on the last podcast. He said we called them, I think it might have been me this. No, it was definitely when, me. When, when they first started off, cheesy radio DJs. We say that in a good way. Mm, yeah, I, I like cheesy that. radio DJs. Mm. They they have that professional radio voice. I think that's what we're. Yeah, they have actually both worked in radio before. So yeah, yeah, pros. I'm also going to give a shout out to the Flicky Flock. 
we are called the Flicky Flock on Facebook. You're one of the flock. Uh, it's very nerdy, but they go. Danielle Robbins, John Munkus, Mark Happy Dude, Matt Sefton, who owns the Cabaret Arcade Club, and Darren Greenwood. For all the support, we're all egging each other on. I know Danielle and John Munkus have got millions, but the other, all us other lot are doing, you know, trying to get as good as we can. I think Darren's got millions on it as well. The Flicky Clock basically are all the best players of Flicky. Yeah, so I'm mm. down there at the bottom. But I'm getting better. Also, to Russ J for making us all drool with his immaculate scratch build defender cab, which is on the UK arcade forums at the moment. Yeah, lovely cabinet. Looks really nice. like that one it's, a lot. I think he's a perfectionist, doesn't he? So everything is just spotless on it. Someone said the artwork is better than the original. Wow. He's doing. Another shout-out um, I must give today, mm. just today, is for all the people who turned up for the game market i saw i went to today we've got rog Cantor, alex chucky egg darren hatton design design we've got andy pc we met at the pub and talked to him for a little bit and his little boy we got chun who i had some very in, i had a very interesting chat with chun about kung fu master he can mm. loop it about six times i think he's number two in the world unofficially and i asked yeah. him loads of questions he told me loads of really interesting stuff about kung fu master which was really cool nice to talk to him and also Alan Uberpixel, who was there selling a few things as well. Really nice to see all those people. And Beeps, we met Beeps again. Yeah. So yeah, it was yeah. really nice meeting up with those guys. Lovely to talk to some people I knew there. Brilliant little event. I have got one more shout out as well. Go on. Mr. Dave Otto, because he is the guy that gave me the 60-in-1 PCB. Oh, yes, of course. Cheers, so Dave. Without, without him, this 19-hour podcast yeah. could not happen. So Do you know what else Dave. I must shout out for Dave Otto as well? Go on. He's got 500,000 on Phoenix. Oh, 500,000. And I asked him about this. Is this with the, the little cheaty bit? And he said, yes, but you can only do that once, apparently. So he's got mm. over 300,000 points under his own volition, playing mm-hmm. really well. I might need to ask him some tips, actually, because that is an amazing score. Mm, I think the world it? record is just over a million. So, yeah, he's oh, getting there. He's right. getting there. Okay, I think that concludes the shouting of the outing. And now, this bit, Vic, I'm going to let you do this bit. A bit of tech tips. Right, this one, more of a common sense tip than anything else. And this is from my friend Paul Nermanen, who helps do the Intellivisionaries podcast. Paul spoke to me recently to tell me about an odd problem he had with his main cab. He uses an old Zaxxon cabinet for main. It's a good use of a rubbish game. He uses an arcade VGA 15kHz video card and an iPad to interface the controls for his main PC. He also bought a servo stick device to change his stick from 4-way to 8-way automatically, like I do. Mm. His problem happened when a game crash, a game would crash when he played certain games on main. He would start a game and it would crash and give a glitch on the screen when he moved the stick. When he first told me about this, I thought it was an iPad problem, maybe an arcade VGA problem because of the monitor glitch. He was trying all sorts of things to disguise the problems, swapping out stuff, etc. And he actually found it in the end to be. You've got to bear in mind, Paul is a skilled PC technician. He does it for a living. Mm. So the little control board, which is about an inch and a half PCB, which controls the servo stick, he mounted it to the underside control panel with Velcro. But that had started to peel away and the control board was sagging a little bit. He had masked off the metal underneath the area with duct tape so it wouldn't cause any problems when it touched the metal. But the USB cable was sort of run around the edge of the control panel and down into the bottom part of the cabinet where the PC is. 
he thinks the weight of the USB cable and the weight of the wires coming from the service stick motor over time cause things to move just enough the USB connector to touch metal during gameplay. It caused the screen to dim, the PC to hiccup from the power surge, and then the controls would stop working. The PC must have disabled the USB port when this glitch happened. It was like a a sort of um, a, a safety thing, a fuse, if you type, kind of thing. Yeah. It never crossed his mind until when he had the PC out of the cabinet and running. He removed the clamps to swing the control panel up, and the problem happened that instant from the vibration unfastening the latches. So I knew it was something to do with the control panel. All the grounds, buttons and wires to the mini pack were fine. That's when I noticed the USB cable being so close to the metal. This is a once-in-a-lifetime freakish problem that was difficult to find, but backtracking and checking everything out in a logical manner can help you find faults, as Paul did. And this was flummoxing. He had a brand new PC to put in. They thought it was the PC going funny. But in the end, it was just one metal part touching another metal part to just cause that to happen. Mm. So when he took it apart and looked piece by piece, he found the problem. But yeah, one of those things you would never think would happen in a million years, and it did. So, mm. listen, listeners, common sense is your friend. What should we do now? Let's do games on the 60-in-1 PCB, 31 to 40. Oh, you're a natural son. 31, Arkanoid. <laughs> great update to breakout i love this on the computers back in the day 8-bit computers absolutely brilliant game it's a paddle game so you've got to use a spinner and one button to launch or fire your laser it's nicer than breakout it's got better graphics and sound just as playable though i think i like i like it i've not played it hell of a lot i think the best thing to me is that little tune yeah, it's great. I like that bit. I played this a lot on the Spectrum of the Commodore 64 when I was a kid. Mm. Just with a joystick or keys. Absolutely brilliant. But with a spinner, it really works. You're more accurate with your, bat, your paddle. It's got 33 levels. Have you ever got more than about level four? Mm, no. Me neither. Mm. I've seen someone complete it, you know. Uh, uh, fun spot. Wow. Level 33 is the last level, which is the bad guy in it. Oh! He's called Dope. He's got. He's yeah. a big floating head, and you've got to smash him with with your balls. Oof. Mm, painful for him and yourself. <laughs> but the, the whole game has got a really cool backstory about your your ship being vanished into this this weird area. You got hit with balls and and bricks and stuff. It's a really cool idea, and I really mm. like the graphics on it because they remind me of Volfire, which is a favourite game of mine. I think it's a similar sort of engine they use to play to make the game. Uh, yeah, really, yeah, a sort of sixteen-bit type graphics kind of thing. Mm. I like the music as well, and also the, the bit about this is different to Breakout. Is when you hit certain bricks, you can break them, and speed ups and and power ups fall out of them. Mm. And you've got loads of different stuff, which is like lives, extra lives. You've got a laser weapon, you can blast them. You've got a bigger bat, you've got a sticky bat, multi ball, slow down. There's loads of different things. And also mm, introduces silver bricks. You got hit twice to demolish, and gold bricks are invulnerable to your your ball. You can't break them, which makes some of the levels really tricky. Yeah, I've not got a lot of talent on those games. You know the paddle games. I'm just I'm not yep. very accurate. I'm not very accurate. Me, with them. me neither. I get better at them when I play them, when I practice. 
but mm. you really do need a paddle. They're not very not very intuitive with a joystick or keys, I don't mm. think. So it's better to play them with a paddle on a proper machine if you can. Yeah, yeah, I like the game. I wish I was better at it though. But I'm not very mm. good. I think it's so difficult. You've got to have an eye for knowing where that ball is going to be. And when you use the different parts of your bat, if you hit it on the side, it's going to veer off at an, a, a different angle. And you can actually work out if you're good at it playing it and accurate with a spinner to hit it on certain parts of the paddle so you can control the ball where you want it to go. Sort of yeah. like a pinball-y type thing with the physics of pinball. Where you can actually, mm. if you're good at it, you can make the ball go where you want it to go rather than just flapping it all over the screen like I do. Mm. Yeah, mm. I know what you mean. Good game. Good game. Next one, the very famous kicks by Taito that spawned a whole genre of filly-in liney games. That's the name of them. Mm. It's an old game, 1981. Mm. It's a four-way stick and two buttons. You can draw fast and you can also draw slow. It's a cla- As you said, it's a claim-the-screen game. If you fill in... I think it's 70% of the screen on standard settings. You can change the settings into dip switch settings and avoid the bad guys and trap the the bad guy in a small area. You get the bonus points. Mm. This game, the only reason I like this game is because it gave birth to Volfide. Love Volfide. I like, I think I've mentioned it in the past, a 19, maybe 86 game called Zolix on the Commodore 64. Okay. That's the only one of these I like, and I think I like it because once you start your little dot moving out into the middle of the screen, it carries on moving Pac-Man style. So you've got to steer it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. you cut it It doesn't stop. I think that's a lot. A lot of the maze games I like like that, where the character doesn't stop. I find the other ones a bit clunky. I don't know why. Yeah, I know what you mean. You sort of you want you your your mind thinks it should be moving and it stops. Mm. Yeah. There's a, lot, there's a lot wrong with my mind. Yeah. This game kicks. It's It sounds horrible. I really do not like the sounds. They're really sort of like... Oh, I do. Oh, I, I don't. do like Oh, no. I don't, don't like it. I've turned into an old lady from the Midlands. I don't like it. I don't like them sounds. They worry me. I don't like them. Kicks is right next to Flicky. And it has sounds in the attract mode, but so mm. I've got quite used to the sounds because I stand at Flicky three hours a night. It goes it's sort of like blah. scrunchy robotic mm. sounds, and I don't like them. And I don't. The graphics are very, very simple and very simply coloured. Mm. So I don't like it, and I like. I only like the fact that it gave birth to Volfide, which is sort of like a, a, a sort of sequel later on. But another thing that's not good for is all those nudie games that came out where you got to fill in parts of the lady or whatever. Yeah, uncover the ladies. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty poor, aren't they? Yeah. Meh. Yeah. yeah. Next one, Juno first. This is one I didn't really even acknowledge till about three or four years ago, mm. and all of a sudden I thought, hang on a minute. Hold it's on. Fantastic. It's fantastic. It is a vertically, it's a scrolling shooter, really. Yeah. Where you can you can move the background forward and backwards. Do you know what it is? Go on. Vertical Defender. It a, is really a better yeah. vertical defender. Mm, kind Ooh. of. Ooh, strong. But there's lots of bonus points to be had if you can play it right on the first couple of levels. Alex was showing me at Steve's meet. Yeah. 
you can almost get 60,000 on the first two levels. Mm. Do you know who showed Alex and myself those tips? There's a guy called Greg Mott, Robo Greg. He's a very, very accomplished player. And he mm. showed us those years ago at one of the barn meets. And I think that's where Alex gets the ideas from. And he can get over 3 million on the game, which Ooh. is a massive score. I like mm. the game. I like it probably a little bit better than Defender. But as yes. Defender, I find it very difficult to play. It's a very punishing game. Mm. But it's very good. And also on this, you've got sort of... You get warps for each level. I think you get three warps for each level. So yes. as you're scrolling either forward or backwards trying to get out of the way of stuff, you can hit the warp button and it confuses your enemies. And you disappear for a while and then come back again. So you, if you're just about to get hit, you can miss that hit. And mm. you'll come back a few seconds later and you, you can survive the hit. But it gets very difficult very quickly. Do you know what I like about it? What's that? it one button, one button press on the fire button releases about five shots. Yeah, it's very similar so you, to Defender where you shoot, isn't it? You shoot the lines. That's where the lasers. Yeah, but you don't have to bash the fire button. You can just sort of prod it and you like fire like five or shit, six shots. Sean Holly, button prodder. Mm. Yes, prod those buttons, girls. Well, I had a quick few goes on it. I can get over 100,000 if I practice. I got 63,990 this time round. I can get... I think I have got over 100 on the on a cab, but not very yeah. often. The cabinet is a really nice cabinet as well. It's a lovely looking thing. Ooh, it's lovely. Lovely. This is one I've played a, quite a bit, the next one. 34, Xevious. <laughs> Zevious. Don't say Xevious. No. You're an idiot. It's Zevious. I wasn't. Right? No, no, I said Zevious. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to our listeners in Listenerland. All 17 all right. of them. <laughs> Namco, distributed by Atari. The Atari cabinet is lovely. Mm. It's a nice looking cabinet. Really nice position in the screen. 1982, Weird. in Brazil, the game cabinet had the name Columbia on it. Oh. But the actual game is still Zevious. Don't know why that. It's an eight-way stick and two buttons, shoot and bomb. It's a vertical scroll and shoot-em-up, similar to 1942, except you have ground targets to destroy by using your bomb button, while Mm. you use a crosshair over the target. End-level bosses appear and are very hard to kill. I can't even do the first end boss, can you? Yeah, I've done him. Do you shoot him or bomb him? Well, what I do, I keep my finger on the bomb button all the time and then just tap the fire button okay so as i'm flying over the landscape i, I sort of position myself over the ground targets yeah and then just oh, keep good, the finger on the bomb button but when the yeah. boss comes how do you kill the boss have you just got to survive him because he he shoots out of nowhere doesn't he there's lights on his on his sort of frame front front of his thingy Shit. and uh, yeah you, you bomb those lights kind oh of thing. is that how you do it I've never managed to do the first level. I do like the game, but I've never managed it. And I described it as a jaunty vertical shoot-em-up. Because the Mm. music's ace. I like the tunes. I've never played it a lot, because I'm not a fan of the shooting and bombing ground target games. You know, there was quite a few copies of this. Yeah, definitely. But, uh, but, yeah, I quite like it, actually. I quite like it. But just, Mm. I wish I was better at it again. Another game I wish I was better at. If you go into this game, I think No Quarter did years ago... There's a massive backstory to it. It's like a whole novel backstory on this game. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I managed to squeeze into a very simple shoot-up, but they did. And mm. some people can get millions. They can loop this game. And there's actually competitions who can loop it and do it the fastest. 
I, I thought can't. it was endless. Is it not endless? Well, no. it may well be, but there's there's lots of levels. You can just keep going on and on. I think it might even be a, a, a race to the first million or whatever. But people yeah. can get millions on it. I can't. In fact, my score, very poor, 42,700. Ian Cullen's got 70,780. That's decent. Well done, Ian. That's very good. He must have mm. done the first boss, which I can't do. Show mm. me how to do that, will you, next time we play? Okay. I need to know how to do that. So, Mr. Do's Castle, a.k.a. Mr. Do versus Unicorns. This is my... This is the surprise to me of the whole PCB. Yeah, not for me, but nearly... I've kept coming back to this, yeah. you know, because I've been, just been picking the unusual games. So have a quick go of that. Yeah, it's all right. Come back to it. Come back to it. I, I quite like this. It's like an updated version of Space Panic. Yeah. Um, typ- typical universe where you've got two ways to clear the level. You can either batter all the cherries on the platforms or kill all the bad guys that attack you. With a massive hammer. Yeah, and there's bonuses to pick up. You can make the word extra and there's ladders that you can move and it's colourful as hell. I like it. You know all that you just realize. said? Yeah. I've summed it up. Go on. Clown's posh gaff. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. I, I played this earlier. I've played a few times. I sort of gave up on it because I couldn't really work out what to do. I need to play it more because it is mm. a good game, I think. And I need to learn how to play it. It's lovely and colourful. It's got really nice animation beautiful sound in it and it's quite a good little game i just need to work out how to play it properly i think i might have to look online for some tips but it's a great little game really like it there's techniques for killing more than one guy at once you can sort of uncover these like lab uh, sort of the platforms um, almost pl- that's the word it's a platform mm. game yeah yeah you can uncover them and the blocks drop when you hit either side of this kind of bridge and they can kill loads of baddies below and there's there's other little techniques what i'm trying to get the hang of yeah when you get the hang of them tell me and i'll play it as well mm, i do like it do you know you get an extra life on this you make the word extra as in all universal games yes and you've got to do that by battering three keys with a hammer running up to the top of the screen picking up something that looks like a shield oh is that what it is yeah oh brilliant i did get the three keys and a monster bit me bum and then the monsters turn into letters, so you've got to chase them because they run away from you. Oh, really? Batter them again and batter the E-X-T-R-A. With your massive hammer. Is, yeah. Oh, yeah. I like, I'm liking this game more I hear about it. I need to play this more. Mm. Yeah, cool. Nice one. You can, yeah, you can use the ladders. You can actually trap yourself and get stuck and stuff. But, yeah, it's good. Oh, God. Next game, 36. Can we skip over this one? No. <laughs> you do this it then, is... and, I'll, and I'll give you grief about it. This is one of my favourites. We we are always going to disagree on this. Mooncrester. Mm. I was playing it last night on a little Boo. cocktail at Arcade Club. I love it. Boo. I say <laughs> boo, a boo to you, sir. It's like the follow. It's like the evolution. It's first off you had Space Invaders, then you had Galaxian, then you had this next wave. You had Phoenix, you had Mooncrester, mm-hmm. and and this is and this is you had Gorf, and this is that kind of thing. I think I'll give you that because I'm generous mm-hmm. like that. I've never liked. I used to love this game as a kid. I think we spoke about it before. 
I used to love this. It was one of the games I used to play. It's Galaxian hardware. It sounds similar to kind of thing to Galaxian. It's kind of similar gameplay. It's got some extra little bits with the, the docking of the ships, the two where you get two and three fireways and that sort of stuff. Yeah. But I find it very unfair because the monsters, sorry, the, the aliens double back on you and get you when you least expect them. They crash into you. And it's very frustrating because mm. I'm not very good at it. But it's yeah, you what, learn where they come up, though. It's that kind of game you would always hear in the arcade before you even saw it. Because the, the sound, sound on it is classic arcade sounds. I'll give it that. I had that as a ringtone that when the ship comes in. I had that as my ringtone on my phone for quite a while. I bet your wife hated you. No one ever rings me. It's all right. That's fair enough. Yeah. But yeah, the, the actual sounds of it, and even the gameplay, I suppose, is classic old school stuff. Because mm. I'm not very good at it, and I think it's unfair, that's why I don't like it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. But I, I didn't know, if, if you do so many levels and you get the two docking, you can actually, if you don't get killed, you can get all three parts of the ship, and you fire five rays at the same time. Mm, I didn't yeah. know that. I know you could get, like, two and fire two ways and stuff. Like, you double up, like, in Gallagher. But I think yeah. you can get all three together. But it makes your shit yeah, very big, do. doesn't it? And very sort of cumbersome. Yeah, you know? it does have its disadvantages. Yeah. So Next that's one, one of your favourites, old uh, Mooncrest. And you know what? It's one of the only games that was turned off on my on my 16-1. I dislike <laughs> it that badly. Oh, dear. Nah. It's got a touch, touch of the 1942s where the characters come up from below the bottom of the screen to kill you, but you've got to know yeah. when they're coming back. And I've called it on the notes... Worst Galaxian ripoff ever. Uh, no, I disagree. And what I did after that is I threw myself on the floor and had a tantrum. <laughs> like a naughty child. <laughs> what do you reckon to this next one? I like this one, next one. Ah, oh, yeah. 37, pinball action. Some action with some pinball. It's actually a Tekhan game. It became Tecmo. Mm. 1985, as late as that. It's a three-button game. You can set it in the dip switches to either use a left and right joystick movements and one of the buttons, or use all buttons. It's a lot easier using all buttons. Yeah. It's got a left flipper, a right flipper, and pull the twangy Plug thing you. that makes the... That's the one. The twangy, twangy thing that makes the ball go. But when <laughs> I, I looked out on our research for the cabinet of this game... It was actually in a ca- in a pinball cabinet, like the virtual pinballs nowadays. So it's a very early yeah. version of a vi- virtual pinball. And I really like the cabinet. It's like a three-quarter length video cabinet with a CRT in it. Mm. That would have, I'd like to see an original. If anyone's got an original machine I could look at, I'd love to see that game, original version of it. It's an amazing-looking thing. And I like the game as well because you can yep. open up another three tables. You play the first table. Yeah. The physics are not perfect, but they're good enough, I think, for a, a playable game of pinball. They're not as good as, like, say, visual pinball on PC. No, no, but they, are, they, they are good. But it's got really nice sort of 80s cheesy graphics mm. and really cool sound. I like the sound in it. It's like a buzzing sort of sound effect. Uh, yeah, and each table's got a, a different background sound yeah yeah i really like it i like the game a lot i'd Mm. like to see that in an original cabinet i'd really like to see that i bet it's quite a rare game i've never seen it in an arcade Mm. brilliant game oh another stone cold classic that everyone should have played once in their life scramble 
Yep. Not Scrabble. Not that one with the little letters on the tiles. You get triple mm. words called Scramble. And, oh. not, and not those eggs either. It's not that. It's definitely mm. not eggs. You don't like eggs. Oh, you do like eggs. I love eggs, me. Mm. Konami, licensed by Stern in 1980, as old as 1980. Mm. Eight-way stick, two buttons, fire and bomb. The first game to Super Cobra mentioned earlier. It's the first left-to-right scrolling shooter. Travelling your jet across mountainous and cavernous terrain, shooting and bombing enemies. Land-to-air rockets, alien craft and fireballs are out to kill you, and all the terrain, obviously. Get to the end and drop a bomb on the enemy base to finish a loop of the game. All the way through the game, your fuel depletes. Hit the enemy fuel bases with either fire par or bomb par to top up your fuel. It just works. Mm. The sound on this is terrible on the 61. It's one of those <laughs> that stands out of being really bad. Yeah. yeah, I like Scramble. My f- bet score on this was 34,860. It was about one and a half times looped. Not bad. I'd like Not to bad. do better. I'd like to loop it twice one day. I can loop it once mm. usually quite well, but looping it two times would be nice. I won't depress you with telling you how far Charlie Farr can get on it. Oh, knowing him, five loops probably, something like that. Something he can silly. get over 100,000, and that's on the harder Zachariah one where the fuel goes down quicker. Really? Yeah. Man's a maniac. Oh, yes. This next, next one, one. I like this. It's another surprise game, isn't it? I yeah. really like Super Pac-Man. Super Pac-Man. I like Super pac which is a Namco 1982 game, licensed again to Bally Midway. It's a four-way stick and one button, which I didn't know about until a lot later on when I was playing the game badly. It's a no, super speed. Well, I can so- well, we can sort of be forgiven for this, because the button only works when you're Super Pac-Man, when you eat the different coloured power pill. Mm. It's the same game as Pac-Man. It's number four in the Pac-Man series. But it's an interesting twist on the regular pack games. There's no dots in the game to get. You have to pass over keys to open areas of the maze to reveal fruit items. And the good old Galaxian flagship appears on it. You eat energised to be able to nosh the ghosts. And a special power pill turns you into Super Pac-Man for a short period of time. During this, you get massive. You're like four times the size. Yeah. And you can eat your way through the locked areas. You can run over ghosts without getting killed. And also use your super speed button to give you a speed boost. That's why I didn't realise, because the button does nothing when you're playing normally. It only works mm. when you're Super Pac-Man. So when you press it, you go really quickly, and you can zoom through stuff. Mm, it's hard to corner, though, do you not think, when it you're is, yeah, going that when fast? You're, when you're quick, yeah, <laughs> it is. But it's a really nice take, and it does give different dimensions to the Pac-Man game. I really liked it. really got into it. Also, there's a bonus star in the middle, which gives you... It varies in score, and gives you... The bonus level where the fruit appears in the screen. And also you get bonus levels, don't you know? And there's fruit that's got to be eaten in certain order while in super mode. So you're moving around quite quickly. But there are no ghosts to worry about on that level. So yeah, nice. It's got better sound as well, I think. The sound just mm. seems like they have more octaves or different voices to it and multiple voices. It's just a lot better game, I think. Yeah, it's a... It's a I, I, well, I wouldn't say it was better I'd say it's different yeah different uh, uh, but yeah. in, a, in a yeah yeah it's got different bits to it i think interesting yes yes, yes, yes interesting. Yes, i concur yes. so and the f- final game in this section mm-hmm. is game 40 bomb jack bomb jack oh bomb jack yeah bomb jack <laughs> we did this one in podcast yeah. 13 a long ago as that 
it's a great game. Go and listen to that one if you want to hear about that. I had a quick few goes. Couldn't get as far as before. I got about 82,000 points. Mm? I really uh, like this on the Spectrum back in the day when I was a kid. It's a really did, nice yeah, little version, I, yeah. Yeah, I think I had a Commodore 64 one. That's also very good. Mm. Brilliant version. Had some good scores on this. We had Ian Collins. Oh, my Lord. Yes, we did. 491,550 points. Neil 1637's played this, 433,690. That's how big scores. dare they be so good? There's a secret on there. You've got to get all the bombs in a certain order and you get a 50,000 bonus per level. There is a lot of secrets in this game. A lot but of play mechanics as well. When we did the podcast, number 13, I watched a video of a guy owning this game. He knew everything about the game. And he could just make the game work around him. He was that good at it. So yeah, mm-hmm. if you're good at this game, you're really good at this game. And those two guys are getting on there. Excellent. We have a musical interlude. Let's what have a is musical it, interlude. It is the gyrus music. Because it is such a good tune and it plays in stereo. And it, the 61 does not give it justice. So we're going to give it mm. a bit of gyrus. like a bit of stiletto funk in g major so do i Mm. it's the best stiletto funk i have ever heard absolutely yeah guess what we got now what we got now you did this bit yeah i there's a book coming out very very shortly it might be out in just a couple of weeks after this podcast i'm getting it i'm getting it i'm getting it it. i've got it here i've got a preview copy here oh you uh, swine really yeah got it from oh uh, you lucky thing I stole it from Arcade Club. Show us a few pictures, will you? No one can see this, and it's bad radio, but show me a few pictures on the inside of it. It's called Artcade, the book of classic arcade game artwork, and it's a book full 
Beautiful marquees. Look Ooh. at this one. Look at that. Oh, Moon Patrol. Look. Moon Patrol, that is a fantastic That is a... That image. must be... The book must be about 18, 20 inches across when you open it up. It's A4. Yeah, it's A4 landscape size, it is, apparently. Oh, I've lost my loon thingy. And there's, there's loads of good stuff in here, which I spoke to the guy, Mr. Tim Nichols, about this book, and I have an interview with him, and it explains everything about it and everything that's gone on and everything else and everything. Have I said everything enough there? Everything. Yeah, I'm well, going to pop it in right here. Right, I have in my hands a preview copy of Arcade, the book of classic arcade game artwork. And here with me today is Mr. Tim Nichols. How are you doing, Tim? You all right? I'm very well, Sean. I'm very well. Um, it's, uh, it's pretty cool to be uh, on something that I've listened to for so long. <laughs> oh, yeah, so you're a fan, are you? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Excellent. Oh, brilliant. So for our listeners who haven't heard about it, can you explain, for a start, just explain the content and the format of the book? It's a, it's literally what it says on the tin. It's a, it's a book of classic arcade game artwork. It's, um, it's pretty much all marquees, um, in a, in a landscape format. So, um, it's A4. It opens out into kind of a double width A4. Yeah. And, um, it's, I think I haven't, I've lost count of how many in there. I think it's about 130 of original scans of original bits of artwork that I've restored rather than redrawn. So there's nothing in there that isn't. Mm. as you'd find it in the arcade and that was really important to me that it was it was the original some of these were so damaged it would have been quicker quite honestly for me to just redraw them but then yeah. it'd be the real thing so yeah i've um i've produced a, a a great big book that um it's not supposed to be a reference guide it's more of a kind of a coffee table browser book there you can have a bit of an adventure um running through it and there's going to be a, a bunch of things in there that are familiar and hopefully some stuff that people have forgotten about or never seen before that that um that are interesting to them. Yeah, this book it's excellent actually. I've had a look through it. You've got a couple of interviews at the beginning with sort of semi-famous artists, haven't you? I, I haven't heard of them, but I suppose people no, it's, know it, have. It's a difficult thing. It's one of the things that I think has been a bit of a disappointment. Right at the very beginning of this, my idea was that I'd track down the original artists and I'd be able to at least credit them because most of these um, bits of arcade artwork aren't signed mm. and it's hard to to attribute them to anybody so my idea was I'd be able to um, to put my detective skills to good use and try and find the original artists and speak to them all and, and give them the credit that quite honestly I think they're due yeah um, turns out the vast majority of these things the artist was never recorded so I had yeah. deep and meaningful conversations with people that were um, involved in all of this at Atari right back in the early 80s and the, a common theme kind of developed, which was we just phoned the next available graphic artist on the list and they did it and they got paid by check. And quite honestly, we didn't even know who'd done it most of the time. And I find that incredible. These images yeah. that we've grown up with and we love, we don't even know who's done them. Yeah, very, very few. I mean, some are famous. So, you know, Jeff Lee, famous for developing Cubert. Um, yeah, and, and did the artwork himself. So there are some that we can track down. A few are signed, which is how I found Larry Day by um, decoding his scrawly signature on the Moon Patrol marquee, and that's where <laughs> yeah. it started. Was Moon Patrol um, still my favourite? And it just happened to be one that was signed, and I managed to track Larry down, and it kind of gave me a bit of a 
sort of false hope really that I'd be able to do that for all of them. But it turns out it's it's just not possible. And especially for the Bally, Williams, Gottlieb and Stern titles, because they were almost all um, given to a company in Chicago called Advertising Posters that did a lot of the pinball work. Mm, I was going to ask you about them. Their name comes yeah. up quite a lot, yeah. Yeah, and it it turns out that they were just a a a, a graphic artist's job in shop. They'd got into doing the pinball work because they were used to doing large format screen printing onto glass for um, advertising for big kind of um, department stores and places like that. So the kind of the backlit signs that you'd see around department stores before we'd got things like translites. Yeah. It's all screen printed onto the back of the glass. So they were the ideal people to do the pinball work. And when the pinball companies started to get into um, kind of video games, they just carried on using the same people. And it was whichever available graphic artist um, picked up the job, did the work, and quite often there were no records kept. <laughs> it's weird. It's an incredible book. And what's I love looking at the artwork. It's It's excellent. And you find little details that you've missed before. Yeah. And at the end, I say the last like fifteen pages, there's like an index, and it's just a little couple of paragraphs on each. On yeah, each, wouldn't believe how long it took to do that piece. That might yeah. be as long as the rest of the book. And some of those marquees were kind of fifteen hours of pixel by pixel Photoshop work. Yeah, <laughs> but the uh, yeah those the, I have to say we have um, we have Sam Dyer from Bitmap to thank for for that index because the original plan was um was essentially just to do a a tiny little critique um about the artwork of each one and it was literally just for legal reasons you if to to be able to use that um copyrighted artwork and those trademarks in a book you need to have some element of critique to it right so the original view was we're just quickly just to cover ourselves legally we'll just do a little critique and then I had some conversations with Sam and I thought, you know, for us, when we know why that would be, but for anybody picking up the book, it's going to be a real strange thing to get to an index that just describes the artwork that you're looking at anyway. Mm. So between us, we decided that it'd be really good if I could just kind of jot down some stuff and not just things that are available on the internet, but bits of information that I've picked up you know, through this journey of creating this book and um, some of the little bits of, um, of trivia that are not necessarily widely known as well. Yeah, there's a few things that I, I never knew. And yeah, it's really interesting, as interesting as the artwork, I would say, just to read through these last sort of few pages for all the little paragraphs of information. Oh, good. I'm glad you like that because it's mm. it, um, it really was a, a, a labour of love. And it was one of those things where writing it, was was one thing but all that fact checking bearing in mind the target audience for this book are arcade enthusiasts with access to the internet yeah then, you know any error in there in dates or attributing something to the wrong person or um you know any of these little facts that um yeah that's um that's a big risk so i needed to make sure that it was right so there was a huge kind of groundswell of effort to get all that done 
I thought I'd found one, you know. When when I read Space, <laughs> I thought, yes, I've got. I read uh, a bit about Space Firebird and thought, yeah, Nintendo Space Firebird. And you've put Sega Gremlin. I thought, no, he's wrong. Oh dear, oh dear, I'm gonna have to tell him. But then when you read it, yeah, it was licensed to Sega Gremlin, wasn't it? And it's the marquee from them that you've used instead of the Nintendo yeah. one. Well, actually, you've 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 come up with a really good point, and it's some it's it's decisions that I've had to make going through this is where I've. I've in the, the the big archive of artwork that I've got, where I've got multiple different versions from multiple different licensees or multiple different you know geographic release locations, trying to pick the right one has been really interesting. I know there's going to be some questions, particularly I mean in things where in the book there's um there's some of uh, Chris Dawes pho- photography in there. Yeah, that's good at Arcade Club, isn't it? Yeah, it is. He's, I mean, I can't thank Arcade Club enough for letting us do that. It, um, it's, it's made a huge difference to the book. Just breaking that up and putting some of those bits of artwork into context. Yeah. I'm really, really kind of stoked about the way that turned out. But one of those photos that Chris took is um, Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. Yeah. And I took a photo of, of that page, and I think I, I, can't, I, think I posted it up on Twitter. And a whole bunch of uh, of my American Twitter followers jumped on me and wanted to know what the hell a Teenage Mutant Hero Turtle <laughs> Because they've only ever seen Ninja Turtles. Yeah, we weren't allowed ninjas in the UK, no, were we? No, we didn't get ninjas. We got heroes. Yeah. And uh, that took some explaining as well. So how did you find all this artwork? I know there's a little passage at the beginning of the book how you got it. <laughs> yeah. But just explain how you came across all this lot. I, I, I started off like, um, well like a lot of people um collecting um cabs and restoring them and um where i couldn't find original artwork for those cabs i found a, a movie props company um through a friend of mine over in hollywood and one of the services they offer is to um if you're making a movie based in 1981 they'll build you a replica arcade that looks like it's 1981 and yeah. some of the machines will work and some of it will just be empty carcasses that um, that just fill the space. But they spent about 40 years traveling around arcades throughout America, going in at night when the arcade closes, dismantling machines, scanning them. the artwork. <laughs> and then on the, I mean, the way they did the side art was astonishing. They got um, an HP um, see-through A3 scanner and literally scanned it piece by piece and then reassembled it in Photoshop afterwards. Oh, wow. So I contacted them for a sinister, about a Sinistar that I was restoring, and I couldn't find a couple of pieces that I really needed that were the quality I wanted. I'd already bought a couple of repros that were really not up to scratch. Mm. And um, they basically gave me the artwork that I needed, and um, I got that printed myself, and it, it, it was superb. So um, the next time I needed something, and I can't even remember what machine it was now. I think it was a Robotron. Yeah, it was. It was a Robotron. So I contacted them again, and um, the message I got was, yeah, we're not in the arcade business anymore. We're just going to focus on pinball stuff. Right. Um, So if you know anybody that would be interested in taking the the arcade archive that we've got, we've actually got round to scanning everything now. And, um, yeah, we'd be willing to to do a deal on it, Um, ideally outside the U.S. So I thought, okay, well, I don't know anybody that would be interested, but... I might be interested and yeah we came to an agreement about the price and it was it was not a, a inexpensive thing to acquire mm. uh, but 
their alternative, were, if they couldn't find anybody that wanted it, was that they were going to put nails through the drives. Oh, God. Even though drives take up no space, they just wanted mm. to make sure that it was either it, they were in control of all, all of that kind of artwork, where it went and who got to use it, and they didn't want it you know, becoming some kind of commercial thing. So um, oh. I, did the, I did the only thing I could think of. I sold everything, and including all my arcade cabs, and yeah. archive. <laughs> so is it an archive of bezels and side art as well? Bezels, side art control panel overlays oh wow um all the you know incidental bits so some of this where there's kick panel art there's there's kick panel stuff in there there's even some of the labels from inside the machines are in there as well god so it is massive it's about um so i had a look actually because i've just copied it across to a, a new um a new sand drive that i've got and it's about seventeen and a half thousand files oh god so this book, while I'm proud of it, and it's bigger than I ever imagined it, it would be, um, it's a tiny, tiny fraction of what's in there. Ah, so possi- possibly more books to come then. Well, it's a, it's a conversation that, that we're having right now. Um, yeah. I thought, I thought I'd done with, with the majority of the marquees, but in moving some of these files around and looking at what we've got, there, there's, there's potential for, I think, a, a book of really, really quirky niche artwork that maybe people really haven't seen mm. yeah, there's a few i haven't seen in it yeah i'm quite interested in 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 that i mean yeah we all know what pac-man looks like we know what return of the jedi looks like and paperboy and phoenix and punisher and all of those things but there are some some games that um yeah the artwork and, and th- th- this is kind of a common theme across um across the artwork as well is that there are some things in the book are there because the artwork was fantastic even if the game wasn't mm, yeah. and there are some things in there where you just couldn't do a book without that artwork in it mm. so, so tell me the story behind the book you've got you've now got all this artwork how did you get from there to where you are today oh, with that's this po- excellent that book? history <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's um it's been an extremely painful process and um it still makes me twitch when i think about some of it um <laughs> i th- originally I started doing some of the restoration work and I I kind of over restored some of it because what I wanted to do was turn it into wall art. So um, in my kind of office at home now, I've got canvases of the side art for 1943 sitting up there and um, a whole bunch of other stuff. And there's some, some framed and some stretched canvases and that's what I was, I was doing with it really. And then um, I had a conversation with a friend of mine and she's a a kind of a, a, I don't know what you'd call her really career coach, maybe. And yeah. um, we, were, we were chatting away about something and um, she came up with the idea of this would make a really nice book. She knew nothing about games. She knew nothing about the artwork, but she really appreciated it in, in its own right. And that got me thinking, that OK, well, she's she's kind of telling me something that I've been thinking for a while, that that this should be considered to be art in its own right. It's kind mm. of a culture thing that it's at least as valid as comic book art. And that's absolutely everywhere at the moment. Yeah, yeah. So I came up with the idea literally in one morning of, well, okay, the obvious thing to do with this then is a Kickstarter. So I did some kind of back of the, back of an envelope numbers of what I thought it might take. Spoke to a friend of mine who who's in the book publishing world, and he gave me some kind of rough numbers to think about and gave me some industry terms that I'd never heard of before. And um, I literally sat there, came up with the idea, 
cobbled together a Kickstarter kind of campaign and then did a, a video, which was literally me just sitting there in my dining room at the time. And um, it really took off far more than I thought it would. And the, um, the Kickstarter got funded and I thought, OK, well, that's the hard bit done. I've done most of the artwork restoration anyway. This is now just printing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Didn't quite work out like that. I've, <laughs> I have never been through the mill like I've been through with this thing. It, um, and some of it was my naivety. Um, I know a lot about business. I know nothing about publishing. And I certainly know nothing about dealing with, quite frankly, slightly sketchy printers that I was trying to use at the time. Yeah. And um, so we ended up in a situation where, and this is all a matter of, of kind of public records. So I'm not giving anything away. But um, a, a, a quite a, a uh, large commercial printer went bust with quite a lot of uh, the money from the Kickstarter in their pockets. Mm. And... That, that got very difficult. Um, there was, I'd underestimated what it was going to take to get this thing done anyway, not so much on the print costs, but on packaging and shipping costs. What I really hadn't taken into account was how many backers would be outside the UK. So it was going to be touch and go with the finances anyway, but yeah. I, I would have backfilled for whatever, um, if, if any shortfall that there was. What I couldn't backfill for was just basically half of, of what we'd got disappearing um into into the liquidators it got very very difficult i got very down and i'm not sure i handled it as well as i should i'm not used to not being in control of things and not being able to make things happen that i want to make happen yeah and that got really difficult um part way through that process um i went through some family stuff that was that was quite hard um yeah my mom got very ill and she she eventually died um during this process and for me that was a point where i started to think okay for so long the worst thing that could possibly happen would be for me not to deliver this book yeah. uh, actually now something much worse than that has happened and she was such a big part of my kind of gaming life she was my opponent yeah. on the at pitfall and you know, she was a lifelong gamer. She had every console from the the 2600 all the way up to um, PlayStation 3. And it was a massive part of her life. And it, it was kind of, um, it was a big deal. And it got to the point where I didn't think that anything worse could ever happen to me. So I, I did another um, update to the Kickstarter backers and, and basically said, look, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. This might yeah. be just a situation where I refund whatever's left, and you know, at, at some point as we go along, I'll I'll refund the shortfall myself. But I just I've got no love. I couldn't bear to look at anything even gaming related. Yeah. So um, it got really really difficult, and that's when Sam came back. We'd already had a conversation. I'd actually helped. Weirdly, I'd helped Sam um, from Bitmap. Um, yeah. With his first Kickstarter campaign, I've got a little credit in the front of the book or in the on the inside flap of his book, thanking me for my help on his Kickstarter. Is that and one? That, of the, is that Commodore sixty four one? Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. the original sixty four book. Yeah. So it's it's a strange thing that um, yeah, the guy that was thanking me for for my help and advice, um, is the guy that ended up um, convincing me that this thing is is not something that should just disappear. It's something that between us we can make happen, mm. and um, that he could take a lot of the the, the the pain away for me and just leave me to do the the bits that I've you know that I was enjoying which was the 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 artwork restoration the writing the research and and getting all this together um the bit that 
that where I'd struggled and um, my naivety had probably got us into trouble was was in the actual publishing side of things where Sam's an expert in that. Right. So it um, it was it was duly resurrected, and it's been very very much a joint a joint kind of effort from there. It's still the same book. The concept is still the same. We we had very much the same view of what it should look like. So that's the reason why the the um, the text elements are all in the back in the index and they're not on the pages of the marquees. I wanted it to be yeah, some wherever you mean. Yeah. Had, you know, at worst, it's got page numbers on it, which don't, aren't particularly intrusive. But the artwork stands alone as a piece of artwork. The the um all the, the kind of the, the the text descriptions and little bits of trivia are all in the back. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was it uh, it became a lot better very quickly once it was not just me on my own trying to deal with all of this. And I think it's one of those things. Again, it's something that I've I've learned now, and it's it's taken me a while to work it out. Is that I know people that um, that have published books themselves, and they've taken two or three years to do it. They've had false starts. They've got you know halfway through and screwed the whole thing up and started again. But because it was just something they were doing for themselves, and it would be published at a later date, and it wasn't done by crowdfunding, they get to do all that in private. All my screw ups, yeah. everything that went wrong, all of the the difficulties of getting any kind of product to market. We're all done in public, and I'm not very good when I'm not very good. Uh, plus, you had all the pressure of the Kickstarter backers. Yeah, that's it. And to yeah. be honest, the vast majority of those backers have been absolutely incredible. Huge amount of support. But there are some that, that made it very, very hard, and, and a few, yeah, were um, you know downright offensive. Yeah. And, um, and some horrifying things were said to me. Um, throughout that process and I did try and kind of maintain you know a professional approach to it but um, it uh, it got tough it really did get tough but um, a kind of it's all faded away now because mm. this it, it does exist it's a real physical thing now and it for so long it was a theory or a desire and now it's an actual thing and it's gonna have a life after the Kickstarter um, Sam you know, with his Kickstarter experience, he knows how important it is that everybody that backed this and stuck with it is receives at least as much as they were expecting, if not more. And I think this book is definitely more. That's one of the the um, the, the kind of paradoxes here. If I'd have delivered the book when I originally planned to, it would be much less of a book than it is now. Yeah, I've had so much more time, and I've had some professional help with it. And I mean, the the original um, campaign. Um, the Kickstarter backers back to 208 page book and now they're getting a 324 page book. Yeah, it's such a hefty thing. It's it's, it's a fantastic a, uh, it weighs about two ton. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Not um, it, yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. yeah, those shipping costs are going to be quite substantial. <laughs> <laughs> so the inspiration, I know you mentioned you, did you put some, I know you put some of your favourite artwork in there, but did you put some of your favourite games in there as well, even though maybe the artwork wasn't as good? Or was it just all based on the artwork? No, I mean, there are games that, that just mean a lot to me from when I was a kid. Um, Mooncrestor's one, and the artwork for Mooncrestor is, is quite frankly, nothing special at all. But the Terracrestor's not bad. The game, yeah, to, yeah. I mean, and again, there are multiple versions of that. Again, that's one of the decisions that I made. So the reason that we've got these slightly less exciting, slightly more ropey 
Mooncrester in the book is because that's the one that was on the machine in the leisure centre that I played when I came out of my taekwondo classes when I was a kid. I love Mooncrester, Vic doesn't. I love it. Yeah, it's mm. it's that sound. There's just something about that that start sound that I I absolutely love, and it, it's it's um yeah, it's just history, and that that's what all this is about. I want people to open that book and look at mm. their game. They're going to be taken back to oh, that was in. I mean, in the UK. I think me and a lot of my friends, we didn't play games in arcades unless we were on holiday. We played games in chip shops and cafes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a different experience and that's something that I've picked up um, throughout this process and getting to know a lot of, uh, of arcade fans from all over the place is, is just how different our experiences were. You know, Mm. my town did not have an arcade. Arcades were for, you know, trips to the seaside for me, but we had a whole bunch of, dodgy cafes and chip shops that had you know half a dozen machines in there each so it's, it was a different experience where it seems to me that every small hick town in america in the 80s had at least one arcade full of kids that should be at school yeah where did you grow up then uh, up in the midlands in hinkley oh uh, yeah not too far from me than northampton i'm originally from. all right okay yeah. so yeah so yeah we probably had similar experiences then although northampton definitely bigger you probably had an arcade yeah i didn't go very often though i i, I lived in a village about 10 miles away right so it was getting the bus when you were 13 and it was all a bit intimidating and that and so i, I ended up going to like lower stofton great yarmouth was the the my arcade memories and bournemouth yeah. even so but yeah, yeah. Mine was Funland on the seafront at Swanage. <laughs> that was that was me at the age of I think seven, playing Death Race. Yeah, Death against Race. My, oh. Yeah, playing Death Race against my little brother. I can still hear those screaming pedestrians now. That's one of Vic's favourites. And is it the very first image in the book? The very first marquee. It is. Yeah. 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 yeah it's it's the, the very first one there. And sadly, because of the the the, the shape of it. It's one that um, that we had to work out how to crop it, and um, mm. yeah, it would have been nice if we could have, um, have fitted the whole image in, but it uh, it didn't quite fit. So it's uh, it's kind of a bit of a stylized death race in there, but it uh, it just it had to be the first one because that was literally the first arcade game I ever played. Mm. So it's all in chronological order, isn't it? So, yeah, and again, some of that uh, is interesting. I've had uh, had one particular um, reviewer that's had a copy of the book to look at, um, trying to uh, tell me that I made a terrible mistake with the order of Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. No, Empire was a kit, wasn't it? Yeah, because they're not in the order that the movies came out. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I I, uh, I quite enjoyed being smug about that. <laughs> so, so you interviewed this guy who sadly passed away, Python Angelo, is it? Yeah. And yeah. in one bit, he goes on about how there's graphic designers and there's graphic artists. Yeah. And he says you can tell the marquees and the artwork instantly by by a designer because it's all very functional and that. And the and the yeah. artist, he's, you know, like he goes to town like uh, the Moon Patrol guy. Yeah. Uh, it, do you believe that as well that the art is much better done by an artist? I think it is. I mean, there are some games where the um, I mean, the the the, uh, the side conversation that I had with Python was an interesting one because he basically said that um. The difference between a graphic artist and a uh, and a, a graphic designer is the graphic artist is doing concept art with um, mostly sharpie markers. Yeah, and he said the uh, the graphic designer is doing concept art with a ruler and a radius gauge. 
Mm. And yeah, I think yeah. he's right. There are some games where you can just see the difference, where there's um, there's no art in the traditional sense in there. It is it's it's lines and it looks like advertising. That was the other conversation that we had. Yeah, yeah. he said some of this is art and some of it is advertising. And um, he said you you can see the difference. And you know the conversations I had with Larry Day were absolutely fascinating talking about i mean moon patrol is where all this started this whole book exists because of my love for moon patrol and the fact that i managed to track the guy down Mm. even though he's got the worst signature i've ever seen in my entire life i did manage to work out what it said and i managed to find a guy i knew it would it would be um around the chicago area and i managed to find him and astonishingly before advertising posters went bust he managed to recruit cover all of his original um, or not all but a, a lot of his original concept artwork and his sharpie concepts and his pen and ink drawings and even some of the cut and paste versions mm. and you know there are a couple of things in there that you you can just see the difference so yeah. the uh, the original um lazarian um that's in the book i think is fascinating it's a full-on sharpie marker um, version of Lazarian, and the brief that Larry got was it's a six armed green monster. Yeah, I think we did that for our Art of Cider a while back. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's amazing because what the, he drew was is brilliant as well. Yeah, oh, it is, yeah. Uh, but the, originally he drew a six armed green monster that looks like a kind of a giant green gorilla mm-hmm. because he'd never seen the game. Like most of these artists, they'd never seen the game. It was described to them in a brief, but they never got to see it. So you can see the, the, the kind of the evolution of, of that original concept when they, they tell him that, uh, yeah, when we said six-armed green monster, we meant kind of android. Mm. <laughs> and, then, and then you can see the bit in the book where he's actually cut and paste the android over the top of his original Lazarian lettering. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, it's good that. But, and, it, and it's a perfect example. He said to me that's, that's why the, um, the tank in Moon Patrol in the marquee is yellow and it's mm. pink in the game because okay. he'd never seen the game. They gave him a color scheme. They didn't tell him which bit belonged to which bit. Yeah. I think, um, what's the other one? Airwolf. Uh, the the, oh. the picture of where Airwolf should be called <laughs> sheep bat or something. Yep. Yep. It's bonkers, isn't it? This is what happens when you, uh, when you get the, uh, the Japanese guys who have done most of the development of the game, to do the artwork and they literally translate from a dictionary air wolf <laughs> what they end up with is a wolf with wings and next to air wolf is also see wolf in sheep's clothing so if you look there's a sheep's head involved as well i know and it's I'd... got absolutely nothing to do with the tv series or the or the content of the game i'd play that game it'd be good wouldn't it a wolfy sheep thing flying over a landscape that would be good it sounds like something that should exist yeah yeah if i was more talented if i could still remember how to write code in any way i might do that but it's been a long time what would you say then and i know your favorite artwork is moon patrol and i think that's brilliant as well what what is your favorite arcade game ever um, I and mean, this is going to be terrible because it's one that's not graphically interesting and it's got one of the least interesting marquees as well. But um, track and field. Yeah, I know a few people that like that. Yeah, there's, there's, And there's one good reason for that. And that's because right now I'm 50 points away from the world record for MAME on that. Oh, yeah. You've, this you've... is going to be the year. I've got a, I've got a mini cab that uh, the guys at Arcade Base um, sourced for me. And it's been set up with... Uh, 
with just the three buttons I need and it's sitting behind me in my home office at the moment and this is going to be the year where I get that world record. <laughs> There's um I think I've seen a picture on your Twitter of of the cab you just you're building it now aren't you or just finishing it off or something. Yeah, it it started life as a um Normally, I'd build everything. I've got a nice CNC machine, and I build everything from scratch, and I make slightly weird cabs and um, and do everything myself. But this, it was more important for me to get something that, that I could do quick and easy. So this actually started life as an information kiosk that Arcade Base made for some trade show a while back. And they've right. got a couple of them left that for almost no money, and it came with the monitor already fitted, and it's been beautifully made, and it fits perfectly as a little tiny cab in my uh, in my office so that's going to be the thing where i've uh, i've invested in some uh, some nice leaf switches and that's going to be the key to those extra 50 points <laughs> i know you said you, you have to sell off all your cabs originally to fund the book yeah. have you got any more now have you got any i haven't i've um i've got two things in the pipeline i've i've, I've gone through a bit of a a process just lately of um, of offloading almost everything because I've decided that what I need to do is concentrate less on collecting and more on creating stuff. Mm. So I've I've offloaded a huge amount of um of the the, the gaming um, collectibles and memorabilia and even even all the consoles. So I've got very little left now apart from this cab and a, a weirdly a massive selection of new in the box quick shot joysticks that I found. Right. But um so yeah no more cabs at the moment but I've I have been offered from a, I should give this away. I will give it away. Who cares? From a warehouse in Canada of a brand new um, in the crate um, Sinistar, which I'm very interested in, and a Donkey Kong um, cocktail as well. And they're brand new, still in the original boxes. God. Really tempted. Really, really tempted. Where have they been hiding? But um, apparently, this was a, a dis- of, of the, almost the same things happened in two different countries in the last few months, and um, it was a, a, a distributor that um, the ownership after the owner died it ended up in dispute, and they literally just mothballed the place. God. So it's been sitting there doing nothing, and now the 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 two one of the two guys that was arguing over the ownership of it has now also died, sadly. So um, the the family have now come to an agreement that they just need to offload all of this stuff. And I've um, that's it, a similar situation in a different country. This was in Greece. Um, that's exactly what where I found all of these um, quick shot joysticks. <laughs> was, sim, similar situation. This place was mothballed in 1989. They literally just it was a it was a distributor for um, microcomputers and and accessories, and it ended up in um, ownership dispute, and they just turned the key in the lock in 1989 and left it there god so they've untouched by human hand for like yeah. 30 odd years god yeah so I, I i had a delivery um a couple of weeks ago of uh of literally cases unopened cases of quick shot twos quick shot ones and all sorts of stuff mm. but um they're all gonna go because my minimalist approach to life is kicking in i've got to get rid of everything so that i have to make stuff rather than collect stuff which i know is kind of a strange thing for a kind of retro gaming fan to be doing but i need to make more and collect less mm, i used to love the quick shot one joysticks i i had but can remember that game i don't know if did you have a commodore 64 i did there was a game called activision decathlon which is a bit like track and field <laughs> and yeah to... i've destroyed many i think i think uh yeah i think daily thompson and uh 
the uh, guys at Spectra Video were probably in league. Yeah, I used to stick the uh, quick, shot, quick shot one to a table with the suckers yep. and used to hit the stick with a rolled up newspaper to make the guy run faster and the stick used to wobble like a dig a dig a dig a dig a dig and the way I did it with the quick shot too, because it, it had lovely micro switches in it, so you didn't have to whack it quite so hard, mm-hmm. was to hold the joystick upside down by the base and just wobble it backwards and forwards. <laughs> and it was astonishingly fast. Uh, yeah, world records. Yeah, <sighs> they were good. But yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty sure that Daily Thompson was getting kicked back from Spectra Video for all those number of replacement um, quick shots that got bought. Yeah. Anyway, we'll finish off Fenton with a few details. How much is it? Where can you get it from? And when will it be available, this lovely book? Well, it's twenty four ninety nine. You can yep. get it from um, from Bitmap Books, which is bitmapbooks.co.uk. Um, uh, I believe it's already on Amazon for pre-order as well. Yeah. Um, uh, Fonstock have got it. So um, you can order it from there. And it's available this month it will ship this month i'm not sure of an exact date but the last conversation i had with sam was that uh, the books will be appearing in the in well before before the middle of the month so i suspect it's either going to be um the coming week or the week after that and then they'll, be, they'll be ready to ship so yeah this is a this is a real thing all the production's done um they've been bound and they've been packaged and shipped out so they'll be arriving at the bitmap storage unit um yeah in the next couple of weeks well i highly recommend it it's a fantastic book and it's full of little details and i've just i've looked for it about twice um quite quickly and i've been through it sort of once at work on my lunch hour and there's still bits i'm picking up so it's a fantastic book i can recommend it and get it kids Good. I'm glad you like it, mate. It, uh, it means a lot to me. It really does. Yeah, and thanks very much, Tim, for talking to us. My pleasure, mate. Thank you. Thank you. I can't believe you got a preview copy of that, you bum. Mm. It's not mine. It's Arcade Club's. Yeah, but you nicked it. I, I, I did ask. I did ask. I'm going to yeah. borrow that. I'm, well, I'm going to get my own copy of it when it comes out. Me, 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 me. It's brilliant. Me, me. Really, I cannot recommend it enough. Do you know what? You know... There's when people look at really beautiful landscapes, they call it earth porn. Yeah. Well, this is arcade porn. It is. <laughs> oh, oh, look at that porn. Oh, look at that marquee. Oh, it's lovely. Right. Right. Let's get on to more potatoes and meat of this podcast and cover yes. games 41 to 50. Right. First one, mm. favourite of mine, as you well know yep. Shaolin's Road, aka Kicker, is what I know it best as. You got me into this one, actually. Yeah, it's a great game. When we did the podcast of this, we did it on number 41. Go check it out. We didn't play the game normally because I'm quite good at it and I could play it for five hours. And it would have been unfair on you because I played it quite a lot before then. So what we did is we played it on the, the tournament settings, Twin Galaxies tournament settings, which is the hardest level. You don't get any more extra lives. And we had a go at that. And I think Mr. Phil V85 beat me. Which yep. I'll never forgive him for. But we don't. He, he had a really was good, awesome. At he it, was. Re- I think he actually beat the world record unofficially. Mm. In the end, he did really well at it. I did okay. I thought it, it's hard, hard as you think. Because you don't get extra lives, and when you play mm. the marathon set, and you get an extra forty thousand or so, and it's quite easy to get extra lives, and you can just play for a long time. 
when we mm. held, when we saw each other at the last meet at Steve's meeting, I just whapped a million on there when I was playing it. Mm. It just takes about fifty mm. minutes. Just whapped a million, just gave up. But I really like this game, and it's a little platforming game where you kick a load of people a lot, as in the name Kicker, mm. and I love it. And I've not really played it on the sixty one because I've played it so many times. I've got, I've got two original PCBs of it, and I when I play it. If I play at arcade club or at a meeting, it wastes a lot of my time there. So I generally don't play it because I can play it for hours on end. No, yeah. but it, you enjoyed it, which I really liked. I'm, I'm glad you liked more than my favourite games. Yeah, I can remember what I did. I mapped, I mapped jump and kick to the same button. Yeah, you might as well because I just press two buttons together when I'm playing it. Because when you when you kick and jump at the same time, you get double points for it. So you mm. might as well just do it all the time. That's what I do. I just press. I just use my hand and press both buttons at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> You're still a cheat, though. Officially. No. no that <laughs> you might as well. good, though. Good but you know what? Mm. After the first loop in the game, we met the enemy that's now known as Hate Beak. Mm, that's when Hate Beak came into life, didn't it? Did and then he appeared in, like... Everything. Green Beret and all sorts, didn't he? Yeah. Any, any birdie things in games. Birdies and bees in game and bats. Horrible. Mm. They're always nasty things, aren't they? Mm. Next game, moving on. We're getting there. Another getting another there, little classic, this one. I like this one. Do you? Yeah. I am not so keen. King and Balloon. King it's- and Balloon. Help! Help! Thank you. It's really, it's Galaxian. Yeah, it's got Galaxian a- hardware, definitely. You've got a li- you got you control two little guys running backwards and forwards in between like on the castle walls with a cannon. It looks like yeah, like a, a trebuchet or something. That's kind of thing, isn't it? You're shooting the bad guys. If you die, it doesn't matter. But if the bad guys get below you and pick up the king, yeah, take him towards the top of the screen. You have to shoot the bad guy down. If if the king gets taken away three times, it's game over. Help! So, help! I know the sounds are good. It's actually got speech. It's early speech. Yeah. Because he, he says, help me, help me. And when you collect him, he says, thank you. Mm. When you shoot him off. But it's great. When you play the game, it gets changed a little bit because you have the normal balloons flapping about like Galaxian birds or the insects, mm. whatever they are. And they come down. And if they hit you, they knock you out of the way. And then they'll come down to the bottom. And if the, ki- they, they, the king walks around and hits them, they carry him off. And if you're still knocked out, and you don't get a chance to shoot the, the, the balloon back, and the king floats down with his umbrella, you lose the king, and as you said, you lose the lives. But the game changes. Later on, you get, you get balloons that are a different colour, and you've got to shoot them a number of times, to get, and you get bonuses like like the, uh, the Galaxian flagship. Mm. So it's very yeah. similar to Galaxian, but it's got sort of like an old, old world feel to it, where it's a king and a balloons rather than spaceships. And I mm. quite like it. Really like it. Um, I wasn't so sold on the whole idea of it, really. Anyway, it's all right. Nice little Galaxian clone, I thought. Mm. Right, this is a game we're a bit undecided, aren't we? Number 43, oddly enough. 1943. Yeah, I've played it a bit more this time. Because I've always dismissed it because I'm I a 1942. I tried to play mm. it. We've got in our little on our little spreadsheet notes, 1943, one year too late to the party. <laughs> it's nowhere near as good as 1942, is it? 
No, it is done by it is done by Akamoto though. But but... I think it's a poor sequel, and it was made in 1987, as late as that. Yeah, it's a but it's 1942. But you've got a power bar. Yeah. And if your power goes down to zero, you can get hit three or four times. If it goes down to zero, you're dead. Yeah. And you you can boost your power bar up by hitting the power ups, or yeah. you can shoot the power up to change it into a weapon and collect the weapon. Yeah. So it's a balance between weapons and health really yeah. but when you get to the you've got to clear a level by shooting the battleship at the end of the level if you don't do it it says mission failed and you've got to do it again oh right so you need to have you have to have a powered up weapon when you get there i've found you can't do it with the bog standard weapon oh okay i didn't realize that but it's, on the first level it's a big ship you've got to beat up haven't you you keep hitting yeah. the ships um the guns it's firing at you and stuff Mm, so I had a little go. I beat, I beat the first guy. I, I don't. I think I can do the first guy. Yeah. No I think problem. I might have beat the second guy, but it, it grew on me a little bit when I sort of realised, you know, there is a balance between the the power yeah. and the health. Uh, but yeah, it's not as good as nineteen forty two. Graphics are good. It's not as good. Yeah. But I, I find it very manic. There's a lot of stuff flying around on the screen. Mm. So I find it quite difficult because you can get hit a few times, obviously, and keep getting your power up. But it just seems a bit manic to me. With 1942, it's got that classic, perfect gameplay to it. Mm. I think in 1943, it's a bit mad. But I've I got a good score. I'm not sure if this is a score that's, that's default in the score table or one I actually got. 145,020. Does that seem about right? No, I think that's for me, decent. For me not being very mm. good at it. Okay. Do you know what you can do on this, what I've found? On 1943 and the other one, 1943 Kai. Yes. Every 60-in-1 game that you play, it exits out when you finish, so you can't continue. That's right. But on this one, if you press the one-player start immediately, you can continue. Oh, really? It'll, it'll boot back into the game, and the countdown's still going, and you can carry on. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Did you also yeah. know, in two-player mm. mode... When both players, because you play on the same screen at the same time, you help each other out. Yeah. When both players overlap their planes on the screen, energy bar can be transferred from the player with the more fuel to the player with the less. Oh, that's a good and idea. And there are also cheat modes in the game to give you upgraded power-ups. Ooh. Ooh. I didn't know that. This is, yes. <laughs> so, next one, another bit of a cool game I found. A, a little bit we like this. Me. This, I think, is my favourite odd game I've not played before on the 60 and 1. This mm. is Van Van Car, Karateko, 1983. It's my number two after Mr. Do's Castle. Yeah, I could, I could, yeah. I could work with that. For mm. me, it's my number one game on there, I think. Mm. It's a four-way stick and one button which jumps your car around. And in our spreadsheet show notes, we've got on there, is it a van or a van or a car. Hmm. As simple as that. I'll tell you what, I'll explain this one, because it's one we don't really play that much. It's a maze game. So I obviously like it, because I've found out I like maze games. It's yeah. like, kind of likey, looky-likey, Rally X meets up and down. Do you agree with that? Uh, with balloons. With a speed, yeah, you slow down and speed up, don't you? Yeah, yeah. So you meets drive around, well. Yeah, you drive around a track, which is a maze, obviously. And you press a button, which you can jump between gaps in the road, like up and down. Mm. And you've got to collect balloons. If you land on a balloon, you do an extra jump, because you can actually swap over lanes. You can jump across gaps. 
And yeah. if you're unlucky and you go across a tree and you don't jump far, if you land in the tree and die, you can actually do that. But if you land on a balloon, you do an extra jump. Killer cars, they're known as killer cars. Killer cars. <laughs> Yeah. They leave oil for you to slip on, but these oil slicks can actually aid you in getting away from pursuing cars because it makes you go quickly, but you're very uncontrollable, but you can actually move really quick across the oil. If you collect the E-balloon for a car-mounted torpedo... Well, the <laughs> torpedo, I think my key got so it's got like 17 E's in there. Mm. You can only use this once per E-balloon you get. When you collect it, you end up a big, massive torpedo on the front of your car. And what you can do is you can shoot multiple bad cars and balloons with it in one go. If you hit a line of them in one line, you can kill loads of them in one go and mm, get loads of bonus yeah. points. When there aren't many balloons left on the road, a multicoloured balloon appears and a, an audio sound will tell you it's there. If you yeah. get this, the round ends immediately and you get 500 points for each balloon left over. Mm. This game and- is really cool. Simple, odd, but fun. Yeah, and I the really graphics like don't one. look anything special. I know why I've overlooked it in the past. Yeah, you're flicking through MAME, you see it, it looks a bit weird. The track's like a, almost like a very thin line, isn't it, the, the maze? Yeah, it looks more like a sort of... Um, I don't know, pipe. Like a, yeah, pipe, yeah. That's a good, in, yeah. good description of it. But mm. I I think this game was added from the 14-in-1 to the 16-in-1, along with Jumping mm. Jack and a few, and Gunsmoke and a few others. But I managed to get 133,300 points on this, which I was quite pleased with. I think I can get better as well, because it seems quite an easy game and easy to get into as well, I think. Mm. Really like it. A little favourite of mine, I think. Yeah, I definitely... Yeah, one of these that you definitely need a four-way stick. There's a lot on here that you definitely need a four-way stick. Absolutely. I I agree. Which I haven't got in my cab, and I haven't got a gate underneath. So... I was playing a few of them on the cab and then transferring to MAME to give them a better go, which is what I've done with this one. Absolutely. Yeah, fair enough. That's what you should do. I, I actually played, when I was playing it on my, my 10 pence arcade machine, the little cabaret, yeah. I put the four-way on, played all the four-way games, swapped yeah. it back over to eight-way, and then played 1942 and you know all the eight-way games. And I, I really liked it. But yeah, mm. I, I firmly believe... You need, 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 need a four-way stick to play four-way games. Because when mm. you hit that diagonal, it just ruins your chances. It yeah, really does. You can't, you can't get the corners or anything, no. Mm-hmm. So the next one, another rubbish game, I think. Pac-Man Plus, number 45 on our list. Midway 1983. This is an official one, apparently. Four-way stick only, same as Pac-Man. It's mm. a poor Pac-Man hack with different graphics and weird gameplay. You're eating a custard cream there, aren't you? It's about that time of the evening. I'm starving. I wish you wouldn't do that. I'm just having a custard cream. We're on, we're on about three hours of you now. Yeah, I know. You're a monkey. I'm dying for a custard mm. cream. Even a custard cream I'd eat now. <laughs> anyway, I'll blank you out while I do this. Hey, guess what, though? What's that? Asda still haven't got the proper good custard creams in. I've had to go to Tesco's for these. My heart bleeds for you. Mm. It's about another three miles down the road. You know, petrol's not cheap, man. Should I talk about Pac-Man Plus while you eat that biscuit? Yeah, go on. Sure up, you. Mm. Pac-Man Plus, weird game, but when you get a power pill to eat the monsters, in, like in Pac-Man, sometimes only three of the four ghosts are edible. One will stay its proper colour, and sometimes mm. the vulnerable ghosts turn invisible. Mm. And they've got weird stalks hanging out their heads. It's a, it's a poor version of Pac-Man with desperate changes to try and, plog, try and flog poor old Pac-Man a bit further. 
in our spreadsheet notes, more like Pac-Man minus. <laughs> it's not very good, is it? It's just poor. And that was an official port, an official sequel. Rubbish. Yeah, I don't know what they were thinking. I Shovelware, I'd call that, back in the day. A couple of good ones, and then they put that out. It's, um, you get pick cans of Coke up and stuff instead of the fruits, don't you? Yeah, that's the only real change. And some of the levels get really weird. They're like invisible dots and stuff. It's just, just rubbish. Mm. Makes no sense, man. <laughs> well, this next one makes no sense whatsoever. Do you know what the hell's going on with Dig Dug 2? Right, I'll tell you what. You do the description, and then I'll fill it in at the end. Okay, so this is what you've written. Namco 1985, four-way stick and two-button, pump and jackhammer. I couldn't even work out what was going on. A rubbish follow-up to an ice-cool classic Dig Dug game. It is a single-screen overhead shot of an island with the usual pukas and fireguards running around. They can kill hoary Taizen in the same way as in Dig Dug. You can pump the bad guys or when standing on a fault line, jackhammer the island. Oh, I didn't know that. When fault lines are dug up to remove a piece of the island into the sea, any monsters will be killed at the same time. This is kind of like taking over from a much better rock-dropping tactic from the first game, Poor. The Dig Dug arrangement on Namco Classic PCB is a way better game. Do you know what I say to this game? Mm. No! No, it's just... Oh, it's terrible. It's weird. It's a really poor game, and basically, it's fracking. <laughs> That's what Dig Dug does. He fracks the island and ruins it. Idiot. Yeah. What were they thinking of? It's mm. like it's almost like a top-down view of Dig Dug rather than a side-on view. And instead of dropping the rocks to kill multiple meanies, you've got to drop the island. And it just it plays really badly and clunkily. It's horrible. It's mm. just no. It's ruined the game for me. No. I'm not it's having a terrible, it. It's a terrible sequel, really. And I do acknowledge how good Dig Dug is. But Can it's you see my lip sticking out here? Oh, it's right into the screen. You could step on that lip. I'm so annoyed with it. <laughs> Hate it. No. Rubbish. Carry on. Amida for Konami. Amida? Is Amida. that like Amidar? It is. Amidar. <laughs> That's the one. I like this. Uh, it's another one I want to get into, and I've just sort of walked past it and played shoot-em-ups in the arcades. But I do like it. There's two versions of the levels. You've got one level where you've got to collect all the dots, Pac-Man style. Yes. And the next one where you've got to fill in the boxes with a paint roller and you've got to keep the paint flowing. You can't move all the way up the screen. That's what you've got to do on one at a time, haven't you? You can't mm. just... If you go off further than one of the, the rectangles, you lose mm. your paint line and you've got to go back. Everyone knows Amadar, but it is good. And there are, again, techniques to it. Yeah. And if you fill in the four corners... It allows mm. you to get the baddies. Mm. You've also got a jump button. So if the baddies come in a bit too close, you can hit the jump button. They all jump up in the air, and you can whiz underneath them quick and get out of the trouble. Yeah, you've got to time it right, because it's a very quick jump, I really like the tune. Yeah, It's a fun game. It's really nice. Good little game. Yes. I'm not very good at it, but it seems easier than it actually is, because the baddies follow a certain pattern, and they never deviate from their pattern, do they? And you can work That's out where they're going to go next. Every junction that they come to, they change direction, That's I right. think. Yeah. Mm. So you can almost predict where they're going to go. And then good, good players look really good because they know how the game works. Did you know, a little bit of trivia to this game, there's a bonus level on it. 
mm. consists of you working out of a path from the top to the bottom to collect the bonus. So you, you go along that certain path and you can work out with your finger where it goes. Mm. This is similar to a Japanese lot drawing game called Amida Kuji. That's where the name comes from. Mm. Don't you know? Mm. Yeah, nice game. Very good. Uh oh. What? Number 48. Zaxxon. Sega this 1982. Eight-way stick and one fire button. And it's an axonometric space shooter. See where the name came from. Flow of enemy rockets, bases, space, and onto the evil robot Zaxxon. This game is a sort of pseudo-3D scramble, but in capital letters, it does not work. I thought it was isometric. What's as axonometric, then? I think axonometric is a slightly different angle. Right. Yeah. Ooh! ISO is also always at 60 degrees. I think exonometric is a slightly different angle. Don't oh. quote me on that one. What, what degree is this then, would you say? 47 and a half. Is it? No, nice I, one. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't got my protractor out and measured it, but I might do. Well, you're an engineer. You should have done this. I know. It's very difficult to gauge your height, and the game is very unforgiving. It looks and sounds great. Well, the sound is really ooh, scratchy and horrible, actually. Mm. The gameplay is dire. I think the game is broken. It does not work. I hate it. I, really, I don't know. I've, I've tried to like Zaxxon. I hate it. I've never liked the flipping game. Rubbish. Another one. I'm going to reserve judgment on this one because I haven't played it enough. Nah, don't like it. I think what you do, I think you shoot the obstacles until your bullets go through the obstacles and then you know you're at the right height and sail through them electrical gates and over the walls and stuff, don't you? Can you hear this? That's what me throwing that? my toys at the pram. Don't like it. That sounded like a bottle top. It might have been. Oh, okay. Let's go on to right. a good game now. Number 49, Puyan. Unusual, and I like it. It's kooky, isn't it? Mm. It's a Konami 1982 game, licensed by Stern, as a lot of them were back then. It's yeah. only a two-way stick, up and down, and one fire button. It's a fixed-screen pig-em-up, shoot wolves in the balloons game. Pig-em-up. Shoot them wolves right in their balloons. On the first kind of level, you are mama pig, and you ride up and down on the right-hand side of the screen in a makeshift lift. Wolves try to float to the bottom of the screen on balloons to get your piglets. Shoot their balloons to kill them off. Kill a load of them to do that level. If, you do get to, if they do get to the bottom, they climb the ladder alongside your elevator and reach out to bite your mama pig. <laughs> You can eat a meat power-up, which is a weird thing for a pig to do, especially if it's bacon, which fires at a longer arc and can take out a few wolves in one go. On the second sort of level, the wolves are floated upwards on balloons, and if enough of them get up there, they roll a big boulder onto you and you lose a life. Squished pig. Mm. After the second level, as you get a bonus stage, you must shoot the wolves with the meat and arrows. Cute game with simple yet fun gameplay, and I like the way the little pigs skip on the level. When they do the little mm. animations. It's a lovely little game. Really like it. It gets, gets tough quite quick. I think I got to about level four. Yes, same here. Uh, have I got a score for that one? I haven't, no. But yeah, really nice little game. Can you see that? Oh, yeah. Is that Was that the um, the original artwork for it? Yeah, it was. I think it was called Puyan. There's the story in this book, Arcade, and it tells you how... I think it was called Puyan, and they were going to change it to Pork Chop. Pork Chop? For American release, and then they decided to keep it as Puyan. But that's a... 
in this arcade book is the hand-drawn flyer. That is a beautiful-looking piece of drawing, that is. It's lovely. It says, for pork chop, and it's the same characters, but eventually they just changed the artwork to Puyan. Well, I'm gonna, I was going to describe it then. It's a, it's a hand-drawn picture of, of uh, a wolf, a really ferocious-looking wolf, done in pencil, mm. sort of leering over the words pork chop, and a few pigs looking worried in the background. But people will have to buy the arcade book to look at that beautiful rendition. It's lovely, mm. isn't it? Yeah, it's I good. can't wait to see that book. It looks really cool. I might not give it back, you know. I don't blame you. Yeah. Right, the last one in this section, number 50. Right, Pleiades. It's a take-on game from 1981, distributed by Century. It's a two-way stick and one fire button. It hasn't got a barrier button like Phoenix, which I thought it had. It has not got that. It's loosely based on Phoenix. The first stage is just shoot the invaders. You can transform these weird walker things, which leave bits in the way of your firing. They're like egg-shaped mm-hmm. things. I like the leg animations on that. They sort of do a little wiggly dance as they leave them. They're quite odd. Yeah. Second level is a direct rip of Phoenix Eagles level with crapper birds. <laughs> Third level is a yeah. similar affair to the mothership on Phoenix, but way smaller. And you have to keep hitting openings in the ship to kill it off. Yeah. The last level is a tricky manoeuvre between the parked ships to get the docking area. Very fiddly controls in this part. It's a, mm. a really p- poor throwback to a much better game, Phoenix. On the cabinet art, they even spelled the game name wrong, Pleiades, with an E at the end. No wonder mm. it did so badly. It's a really poor version. Poor man's Phoenix, I call it. Well, I used to think that. I don't like it, but I used to play this as a kid. Yeah, I, I used to not play it as a kid, and mm-hmm. I've, I think because it's been a... James IGP takes it to a few events, you know, around the country, the cab. So I've I've played it more and more, and I actually sort of thought a while ago, thought, hang on, this is actually all right. It's no Phoenix, but it's mm, all right. It's, no. it's not bad. I played it again mm. when I, we played this, and I really dislike it. It just seems like a... A really poor version. It's like they've just not bothered to copy Phoenix properly. But mm. when I was a kid, when I lived in Rugby in the Midlands, there was a little cafe in a little village called Bilton. And I used to play this on a cabinet, a cocktail cabinet. Mm. And I loved it then when I was a kid because I didn't know better. <laughs> but you can play this game directly in a Phoenix cab. Just swap the, the PCB over and off you go. Same same mm. um, pinout and everything. Hmm. Right then. I wouldn't wouldn't say it was terrible. I'd say it's okay, I would say, on that one. We haven't got an art of 60 in one side art, which we mm-hmm. were going to have. But what I've done is I've posted some quite tasteful-looking conversion cabinets on the webpage. So go over there, kids, and have a look. Mm. Right, so that is the end of the art of side art, which we're not going to do, are we? No. Not anymore. We've done enough, I think. Yes. And everyone should get the arcade book. Look at their own artwork. Nice. And this is your section next. This is Hardware Heroes. Yes. Go on, it's your one this week, mate. Right, this one is the Capcom CPS-1 board. Capcom Play System. Yeah. Main CPU, 68,000 at 10 megahertz. Sound CPU, Z80 at 4 megahertz. Two sound chips, a YM2151 at 3.5 MHz, and an MSM6295 at 7.576 kHz. Mm-hmm. Two-layer board 
with the small game board attached, whatever game it is. Do you know how big are the game boards, by the way? Are they tiny or? No, they're not. They're not. They're sort of a normal size, sort of about mm. eight by twelve inches, something like that. Right. You've got an right. A and B board, and mm. then a little tiny C board on top. I've actually got one of these PCBs. I've got Three Wonders, which comes on, which is a mm. great game, and I think. If you just swap the C board out, you can play different games on it, like Final Fight and stuff like that. Yeah. We've got a game list here. I found a game list. It's quite a big one. You've got 1941 mm. Counter-Attack, which is one of the uh, the follow-ups to the 1942 series, and it's a really good game. Really yeah. nice game, 1941. Capcom World 2 is a Japanese adventure quiz game. It means nothing to us because it's all in Japanese. Captain Commando, which is an ace fight-and-go-right game. It's a really nice game. Mm. Uh, Carrier Air Wing or US That's, Navy. Yeah. That's decent. Decent HSEU, horizontal shoot-up. You've mm. got Dynasty Wars or Tenchi Wokurai. That's not bad. Oh, it's really? Like, yeah, it's like... I've not played this one, but it looks to me like a Japanese role-playing fighter on horses. It's like, yeah, kind of like Golden Axe on horses, Knights of the Round on horses, that kind of thing. It's, it's got a good feel to it, actually. I'll have a look at that, old mate. That sounds quite oh, good. Oh, yes. And then you've got Stone Cold Fighter, Final Fight, or Street Fighter 89... Decent fight and go right. This was the 10 mm. pence Christmas podcast when I wasn't here when I was in America. When you died, yep. you guys did a really good job of doing that one. Mm, Forgotten okay. Worlds or Lost Worlds is a horizontal shoot up with spinners to control your guys' firing. Ghouls and Ghosts or Daimakamura, a classic run and gun platformer with spooks. This was a follow up to Ghosts and Goblins. Mm. There's a game called Kensai Magura. It's a st- oh, I know this one. This is Street Fighter Whack a Mole. Oh, it's a yeah. physical game. Uh, they've got one in Dreamland in Margate. It's one of they mm. actually got two. They got a working one and a non-working one, and I think they're the only two that exist. It's a very, very rare game. Cool looking mm. thing. And then you have got Knights of the Round, which you mentioned earlier, similar to Golden Axe, Magic Sword, another scrolling fighter. You got Mega Twins, or also known as Chicky Chicky Boys, which is a cute Chiki-chiki. horizontal shoot 'em up. You can then you got Mercs or Senjo no Ukami Two. Newer version of Commando, which is a decent game. It's not bad, yeah. Yeah, Nemo, which is a cute scrolling platformer. And you've got Pang 3, third in the Balloon Busting series, great game. Panikis, which is an excellent Poyo Poyo puzzle game type game. You've got Quiz and Dragons, which is another quiz game, but I think it's an English one this time. Quiz Tonosama no Yubu 2 Zenkoku Ban, another Japanese quiz game, means nothing to us again. And you've got Rockman, the power battle, or Mega Man, the power battle. It's a one-on-one fighter, which is also on CPS2, strangely enough. Then mm. you've got Street Fighter 2, Daddy of the Fighters. Street Fighter 2 Championship Edition, update on Street Fighter. And then in Street Fighter 2 Hyper Fighting, which was a faster version, which which really made Capcom, didn't it? The Street yeah. Fighter 2 games. Quite famous, then. Yeah, absolutely. Then you've got Strider or Strider Hinryu, which is the weird platform that I don't like that everyone seems to like except me. Mm. King of Dragons, another Golden Axe type game. Three Wonders, which I actually own, uh, or Wonder 3, which is three different games. You've got a shoot, a run game, and a puzzle game. Mm. UN Squadron or Area 88, which was a similar shooter to Carrier Air Wing. Yep. And you've got Varth, Operation Thunderstorm, which is a really decent vertical shoot 'em up. And also the last one in the series. Willow, which is a run-and-jump platform shooty-type game based on the characters from the film. Which I quite like. It's a good game. CPS Mm. 1 has got so many good games on it. Mm. And I'm sure we will get another CPS 2 in future episodes, which also had a very 
very good list of games. Yeah, I had a quick look before the podcast if I could try and find a picture of the actual game boards, but I couldn't find one in time. So, like you said, they're just like eight by twelve. Yeah, standard. normal sort of green thing with black yeah. bits on, like you described them, with a little tiny C board, which is about four, five inches square in the corner. That's what I meant. Sorry, the the actual the the board that you swap is just a small board. Yes, is it? it's a tiny little thing with a battery on. Right, right. And it's also one of those games. CPS one and two have got a suicide battery on. Oh, yeah. So if you don't swap the batteries in time and it loses a charge, it loses the decryption for the game. So when you put mm-hmm. the game and you just get a blank screen, it won't work. But my Three Wonders I sent to one of the arcade repairers, a guy called Iron Giant, and he de-suicided it for me. He removed the, the CPS battery on it, put the game ROMs in, which don't require the battery. So right. it'll never lose its, its decryption again. So it will always work which is what you should do, really. It's not original, but who cares? The game will work. Same thing with CPS 2. When you lose disc- decryption, are those boards dead? Are They They are, but you can revive them with modified ROMs. Right. That's how right. it gets around the decryption business, which is cool. Mm. I really like that. Mm. Right, then. Let's, kill, let's carry on, shall we? Let's do 51 to 55. Yeah, because the last five are just the same as... Well, the speed hacks, aren't they, really? Number 51, Gundot Smoke. Do you remember that game? We covered it in vast, vast detail. We did indeed. We had a late score, actually, from Paul McCaskey. He got a decent 112,200. Well done, Paul. Mm, number 52. Yep. I'm not so keen on this one. It's weird. It's a vertical fixed screen shooter called The End. It's basically Galaxian, isn't it? Yeah, and the little creatures are coming down and they're nicking blocks and they're spelling the word End. They're taking the blocks up the screen. If they spell the word End, it's game over. You're at it. The End. Yeah. It's it's a Galaxian game, but it looks the blocks form little bases in front of your ship, rather like the invaders' bases on Space Invaders. And they come along and they nick your blocks. And if you shoot them, you get the block back. But if they take them away, they, as you say, spell out the word the end. When you've got the end, you've had it. It's a weird game. It sounds horrible as well. And you can't shoot through the blocks. So there's four banks of blocks at the bottom of the screen. They get flipping away, don't they? Yeah, they look like the Space Invaders' bases that you hide behind, basically. Yeah. You can't. You've got to sort of shoot in between them, and it just makes it very. It's a very difficult game to play. It's sort of like frustrating. It's called the end because it is going to end quite soon, and it always will end. You will not do the game. I don't think I've done one level of the creatures. To be honest with you, oh yeah, I I did. Don't like it. But (laughs) this originally came in a really nice stern cab, similar to Scramble and Turpin and Berserk. Really nice looking Mm. cab. Just rubbish game. Get the cab. Turn it into a turpin. Mm. Whack a turpin nice. in it. Whack a turpin in a pony. Maybe not. I've done that Number already. 53. Yeah, haven't you? 1943 Kai, which is an update to 1943. It certainly it's certainly def- It's definitely harder because the level two boss of 1943 is a level one boss. Battleship, sorry. Oh, okay. So you got... I didn't really play it because meh. Remix game, mm-hmm. meh. Not much different. Similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the first one's better, but I I played the first one a bit, but didn't play this one as much. It definitely felt harder to me. Yeah. Mm. It's 
more of a kind of a remix in it than a sequel kind of thing. I think so, yeah, an update, isn't it? Right, mm. 54, this was a little bit of a surprise for me because I thought I hated this game. This is Congo Bongo. Mmm, it's all right. They probably yeah. drink Umbongo, I expect. Mmm. Probably. I'm nearly out of Iron Brew. How oh, much longer we better hurry up, haven't we? Mm. Sega, 1983. It's a four-way stick and one jump button game. It's kind of like an isometric Donkey Kong and Frogger mixed together. It's got a yeah. quite an amusing intro animation where the ape sets fire to your bottom. It comes along, you're a little man in a piff helmet, sleeping away in the jungle in your tent. This horrible monkey comes along with a fiery stick, sets fire to your mm. bottom, and you run around all over the place with your bum on fire. I hate it when that happens. So what happens is you... Level one, you take hold of your red-nosed piff helmet-wearing jungle adventurer and you climb up the, to the ape at the top. It's almost like an ISO version of Donkey Kong without girders. Mm. What happens? You've got to avoid the brown monkeys that cling onto you. If three of them get onto you, they chuck you off the cliff you're on and kill you. But if you press jump to toss them off, they get off you. Green mm. monkeys try and stop you climbing upwards. You've got to avoid coconuts that the ape's chucking down rather than barrels and get to the top where he is, and he runs off, like in Donkey Kong. Level two, kind of like an up, opened-up 3D frogger. You've got to avoid snakes and crabs. Jump over the water on the la- onto the land, and then onto the hippo's back to get to the ape again. Level three, avoid rhinos to get the ape thing again. Yellow-horned rhinos are a bit stupid. They just run around the place. But the red-horned yep. ones track your position and go for you. You can duck down little holes to avoid the rhinos. But if there's a mole in there, in a hole, as they do... He will force you out in the path of the rhinos. Level four, very similar to the frogger again. Climb on hippos' backs on onto lily pads. Sound familiar? To mm. get to Bongo, the name of the ape, Bongo. Way down deep in the middle of the Congo, a hippo took an every caught a rubber and a mango. He stuck it with the others and he danced a big tango. The rhino said, I know, he'll call it Umbongo. And set his bed on fire when he's asleep in it. In your face, Bongo! <laughs> then the game loops and it would be faster. I kind of got into this. I yeah, quite, I, I quite I, liked it. I did it. I put endless lives on just to see all the levels. Oh, you cheating get. Yeah, I. the thing that strikes me immediately about this, for 1983, the graphics are outstanding. They're nice, aren't they? Colourful graphics, really 3D good, effect yeah. on it. Yeah, quite nice. I thought, you know, 1983, very, very good graphics. But I do think that Sega were trying to invest or sort of nick Donkey Kong a little bit. Do you? Mm. Yeah, definitely. Trying yeah. To, on the heels of Donkey Kong. But I don't think it worked that way. I don't think it was that, that well received. I think everyone had got, moved on from then. Mm. Right Decent then. game, though. Decent I, game. I, I, got, I liked it. I hated it at first, but I got into it and I played it a bit more. Not bad. Mm. Not bad game. Right, the last one. 55, Jumping Jack. Universal 1984. It's a four-way stick and one jump button. This game, in my honest opinion, is worth the money for the 61 on its own. I Mm. really like Jumping Jack. It's quite a rare game to find on a PCB, and I've got two of them, luckily Ah. enough. It's an ace jumping game where we covered back on 10p podcast number 12. It's an early game me and Alex did together. Yeah. It's four levels of jumping your little man around. Toss monkeys off seesaws. Chuck white monkeys for letter rewards. Guess what you get? Extra. Yes, to get an extra life, like other Universal mm. games. 
You've got to avoid sport spear throwing stereotypical racist jungle natives on some of the levels. Yeah. They're not very well represented, but it was the eighties. I still won't forgive them, but you know, that's how it goes, unfortunately. And loads of hate beaks in this game. You can mm. jump down secret holes for secret money cash sacks. It's got great music. It's a colourful game. It's funny. It's really cool. Little jingly jangly music. I really like it. It's a nice new addition to the 61 from the 48 in one that it didn't have. And I love this game. I really, really like it. And on my, I looked on my arcade cab and it's got a score saved in 95,900 points. And if you get a loop, you get a little cherry by your name in the high score table. Yeah. I think I've looped it one and a half times before, and I've got about 120,000. on wow. uh, Actually, on the PCB, but the PCB doesn't save the score, unfortunately. So, yeah, really nice game, that. I love Jumping Jack. Really like it. Mm, it is good. It is really good. That is the 61 just about covered. Mm. What overall thoughts and improvements to this little PCB, do you think? Well, the obvious one that everyone says the sound could be improved, and yeah. it's just yeah, like you said, over amplified. Some of the sounds just way off. Oh, oh! One thing I've mm. just thought about the sound: the sounds are actually accurate, but because they've over amplified and they all go crunchy and they sound a bit distorted. Mm. If you turn the the sound in your cabinet down a little bit, it it can improve it a little bit. But one thing I noticed about the sound, which is a really weird thing, because it's all emulated, it should just be, you know, they use the ROMs, it should emulate properly. But on Donkey Kong Jr., I only know this because I've got the original cab with the original PCB and I play it quite a lot. On Mario's Hideout, which is one of the later levels in the game, you've got to be reasonable to get that far. Mm. You're on about 50,000 points when you get there. It's a level where you've got these electrical spark level up, up sort of um, platforms. And when you jump over, I think, or you get the first fruit of the game, all the background sounds disappear in the game. If mm. you stand still, the game is silent. It only makes a noise when you move your, your little Donkey Kong Jr. around. And when you jump, I don't even think it makes a noise when you jump. It just makes a noise when you move. So the game is actually silent for some reason. They've right. completely lost, forgotten to put the sound in. It just doesn't work after the first fruit drop, which is really weird. So a bit mm. of a bug in, in the software maybe there. Yeah, the high score saving on it. It's if it saved the first three scores from every game with your letters. So when you put your name in VAC or SAH or whatever, mm. it should save those. But it only saves the top score of every game and no letters. So you, if you had many people playing the game, say in an arcade, you wouldn't know who yeah. got that top score. It saves the top score, but not the letters after the name, not the initials. So what does it poor. save it in? Is it, is it in? Some kind of memory, I suppose. There's a dip switch setting to save the the games or not save them. And one time I turned it off by accident. I thought, oh, no, I've I've lost all my scores. Put it back on again. It actually saved them. It just didn't show them for that period of time. But it actually saves them. So that is a bit poor, I think. It should have a better high-scoring thing, I reckon. Uh, The the other board, the game Elf I've got, it doesn't have any high-score saving. Really? Yeah, none. I don't know if there is on the Pandora's either. I'm not sure. I don't know if anyone knows that. If you can save on the high scores on the the Pandora's box game uh, boards. Yeah. Another thing is the menu system. I don't like the menu system. And that that music is terrible. I've never switched it on, ever. Don't ever. (laughs) Don't do it, mate. It's rubbish, honestly. Yeah. So, you've got six pictures of the games with a sort of light blue background. And it's... 
if they could be animated a bit nicer so you could see the game playing maybe mm. that'd be a bit better i think well just just a list would be easy to get down wouldn't it yeah a list maybe and then the picture by the side of it a lot of of main front ends do that yeah instead of going through 10 screens to get somewhere and it's all right though it's all right the last one of the other things they they could have done is rather than those skimping out on the last five games you know the fast pac-man and the fast fire and galaxy and all that stuff they could have put yeah. five other games on there maybe commando mm. yeah you know that sort of stuff some good vertical games simple games they could have easily emulated there's, there's hundreds of games they could have put on there mm. so an extra five games would have been nice rather than the five rubbish ones but i know it's with chinese copies of things like in uh, Mega Drive games or Famicom games, you see, you know, you see those thousand in one cartridges. There's about yeah. twenty or thirty games on there, and they're just repeated with slightly different graphics changes or a name change or something rubbish like that. They mm. tend to do that. They think that quantity is quality, and it's not. It really isn't. Mm. But overall, this is a fantastic purchase, isn't it? If you just want. An instant game collection, like Neil sixteen thirty seven was saying before. Absolutely, yeah. If you've got one cabinet, pop it straight in. The emulation is as good as you're gonna get. I think. I don't think there's anything does better emulation than this of other stuff, do you? No, it's just as good. Mame is probably the most accurate thing. Obviously, an original PCB. And if yeah. you're if you're an absolute expert on the game, like John Studley, you may notice some slight differences. Obviously, yeah. to do with the emulation, and, and as you said on nineteen forty two, there's a tiny bit of lag, maybe. Mm. But on the whole, if you're as good as us or, or less, or it's pretty damn good, isn't it? Yeah. I think it's a really good bit of kit for the money. I mm, can recommend it. So on this game as well, I think it emulates them really well because it, it's a lot of early hardware. I think Arkanoid and maybe 1943 are the latest games on there. And they don't yeah. really tax the processor on this thing very much, do they? No. Do we know what process is in the actual board? I've no idea, mate. I, I presume no. it's some kind of PC derivative that, yeah, that plays, probably. you know, plays the games on an emulator. I presume it uses main, but you, you don't see any main menus or anything, so they hide hidden it quite well. Mm. So, what do you reckon the our listeners would do for those five extra games on the end if you could change over the games? What games would you listeners put on there? I know I put on there. I put mm. Cosmic Allen on there. Put Pulsar on there, put Commando on there, uh, Eyes, maybe. Oh, Eyes, yeah. Maybe Jungler as well. That's a really cool vertical game. Love that game. What mm. would you put on there? Uh, um, I would put on... Don't say any five. cave games you're not allowed in. No, it's got to be from that era. I'd put five vertical shooters on. I could, you I can't could deal with enough, that. You can't have enough shoot-em-ups in your life, can maybe you? Maybe Slap obviously. Fight. That's a good game. Yeah, that might run, mightn't it? Hmm, reckon. Mm. Oh, oh, and that's a horizontal game. I was going to say Swimmer. That's a horizontal game. I played that the other day. Mm. like it. So, that is... We're nearly at the end now, old chum. Yes. Do you know what? We're going to do next show's game. Yes, it's my pick. Do you know what? Before you say what it is, I don't mm. know if I'm going mad... Yeah. ...or I inadvertently saw the notes, because we always leave... The next show's game until the last minute, don't we? Because we don't want each other to know what it is. Unless yeah. it's a user game. I had a dream that you put Moon Patrol on it. <laughs> but I might be going mad. I may have seen it. I'm I'm not I am mad. I'm not mad. I, am, yeah. I don't know. But yeah, it's Moon Patrol, which is a great game. Mm. It's a nineteen eighty two game from IREM. Yep. It was licensed to Williams. The first ever parallax scrolling game, you say. 
Yeah, it's inspired by Tim Nichols's arcade book because Moon Patrol is the marquee that inspired him to make the book. Oh, nice. And he, this is what, get get this, kids, the winner of the high score competition will receive a um, framed Moon Patrol marquee from Tim Nichols. I'm going to cheat. Did I just say that? I'll think it. <laughs> if me or you win, we've got to give it to the second place. Oh. We can't have it ourselves. We can't have a competition and give it. Well, actually, we could, couldn't we? Bloody can. We could say it got lost in post. Do you know what? I've mm. got a PCB of this. It's going to give me a reason to go and take it out of storage and go and play it. It's an excellent game. I've been playing it for about an hour already. The The actual marquee, by the way, is 500 mil wide. So if you want, you're going to make some space on your room. Yeah. Make some space on your room. Make some room on your wall. Yes. I have done already. It's waiting for it. Uh, I want it. Oh. <laughs> so... Three lives. There's no difficulty setting as far as we can tell. Extra lives at 10,000, 30,000, 50,000. Yep. I'm not giving that away if I win it. You won't win it. I'll fresh you. Mm. I used to be good at this. I'm not too good now, but I do like it. I like it. Really good version on the Vectrex coming out soon as well. Mm, So, next show game, Moon Patrol Kids. On that note, we should be going, I think. Yes, thanks for sticking with us through the... I reckon that's about a three-hour, three-and-a-half-hour job, Vic, do you? It is, yeah. Maybe even four. But do you know what I've done during playing the 16 one What? I've the time of my life. <laughs> and I owe it all to you. Uh, 16-1, we love you, baby. You, my you, wife's you. in the room, and she's giving me a really weird look. And I don't blame her. And on that note... Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Thanks for listening, kids. Goodbye. You can download or play the podcast, read all the show notes, and leave feedback at www.10pencearcade.co.uk. You can email me at vertvic at 10pencearcade.co.uk. You can also reach us on our Facebook page. You can tweet me at 10 and you can tweet Sean at Sean Holly. We'd love to hear from you. For game suggestions, arcade pickups and stories, or any of your personal thoughts on anything we may have covered. 